Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dan Jeruff-Wittellis. This is being broadcast live and recorded on February 13, 2019. The time right now, 8.38 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We were gone last week, and I, I kind of was feeling what was coming at the end of the show two weeks ago, but I didn't realize it. Exactly two weeks ago, we did a five-hour and something-minute show. All those shows have been kind of around the same length recently, kind of a five-hour and change sort of thing. Towards the end of it, I started feeling especially tired, like unusually tired, and my throat was hurting. I actually didn't do a certain topic that I was going to do because I just felt like I didn't have it in me anymore to do it. I thought it was just the LPR and maybe a sleep deficit I had that were bringing me down. But that wasn't the case. The next morning, I woke up with my voice gone. And I said, oh no, I overdid it. I should not have done a five-hour show. I didn't understand how I could do it the previous few weeks without a problem the next day. But I said, okay, well, I, I must have had more of a difficult time with it last night. And I shouldn't have pushed myself. And I was mad at myself for doing that and burning out my voice. I was afraid maybe I did some damage that would take a while to go away. And then about a day later, I understood what was really going on, and that was I had a cold. So it turned out I had a cold that I didn't realize I had when I did last week's show. I didn't sound like I had a cold because I didn't have symptoms yet until the very end of the show. That's when I started having symptoms. I started having difficulty with my voice. I started having a lot of tiredness that I usually don't have at that time. So that's what was going on. That's why I woke up with no voice the next day. So it was kind of the one-two punch of a cold and a long radio show with the cold when I didn't realize I had the cold. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done the show. I could tell immediately that I was going to miss the next week's show. I could just tell. So I actually called off the following week's show on the Friday before. So two days after the show two weeks ago, I actually announced on Twitter that there was not going to be a show on February 6th as had been scheduled. So we skipped that entire week. I allowed myself time to recover from both the cold and from the loss of the voice, which was mostly from the cold. Everything's fine now, and we can do the show and move forward. And I, I have to imagine we'll be on next week and the week after and the week after, etc., etc. We have a free roll tonight, a $150 free roll, all thanks to, yes, you guessed it, Eric Benzamokin, very, very generous guy, always just throwing money at us for our free rolls, making the $50 free roll seemingly a thing of the past, though I, I'm not expecting that of him. It's just he's, he's been doing it, and I appreciate that. I, I don't expect this of anyone. Nobody is expected to hand me money or hand the free roll money. First place, $75, second place, $40, third place, $20, and fourth place, $15. 20, 75, 40, 20, and 15 are the prizes this week. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It starts at 8.45 Pacific Time. You've got three minutes to get in, but don't panic. You've also got 25 additional minutes to get in with a full stack in late registration. I have to imagine it's going to be a smaller field than usual, again, because we missed last week's show, so people kind of get out of the habit of listening, and we just kind of pop back up here. So this has been the plan. 
this has been the plan ever since I canceled the show 12 days ago. I said, we'll be back in two weeks, and here we are. But yeah, $150 given away, 75 for first, so get in there. You do have to understand the rules. If you don't, then you may not get the free money. That's PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase. Um, see, I'm getting a message here from Garrett. Druff, sorry to bother you, but I'm getting a message I'm not able to register for the free roll. <laughs> you guys have to try this beforehand. Yeah, you, you can't. I hate when people bring this up during the show, and then I have to decide, do I just leave this person twisting in the wind and just tell them, tough luck, wait till next week, or, or do I fix it? Uh, so let me see. I'm going to be nice to Garrett here. He's been on the site a long time. He's been behaved fairly well lately. So um, let me fix it for him. See, basically, you have to be validated in order to play the free roll. Yeah, he wasn't validated, but uh, I just did it here. It's a validation you get that allows you to play the free roll, and the reason we have that in place is to prevent multi-accounting. Otherwise, people sign up for the free roll, and they don't get validated, and or they sign up for the free roll and make additional accounts, and then dump chips, jump chips to themselves. So to prevent that, we are making it to where we have to validate each person and make sure that they're real and that they're not just here to dump chips to their friends. So anyway, or dump chips to themselves, <laughs> multi-accounting. Anyway, Garrett, you can get in now. Try again. We have a special co-host tonight, someone who has guested on the show many times, but not as a co-host. He's guested on the show as a caller. He's made many entertaining calls to the show in the past. In fact, the first time we ever heard from him was on another show called Poker... Uh, not called Poker Fraud Alert Radio. That's this. Called uh, Neverwin Poker Radio. He called in and pretended to be a pimp. And we had been doing prank calls that night to Las Vegas prostitutes. So he was pretending to return a call. And I have to admit, he scared us. He had us convinced that he was for real and that he was really mad that we were screwing with him and wasting his time and that he was going to find us and kill us. And it was a, it was a scary situation. And he, he made it sound very real, but it, it actually was not a Vegas pimp. In fact, he wasn't even in Vegas. That was bad guy 23 from Pittsburgh. And that was our first introduction to him. He had been on the forum, but we hadn't really paid much attention to him. That was the first real noteworthy thing he did. And then from that point forward, he became a regular guest on all the various radio shows that I've been part of. So he actually expressed a desire to co-host tonight. So I'm trying to reach him now on Skype. He, he went and got Skype tonight. He has a headset. And he's not answering. Why, why does that not shock me? All right. we'll, we'll try him back in a little bit. I mean, he was all ready to do it. He was he was very excited. And I, I, I went through the checklist. I said, you know, do you have Skype? Do you have a headset? Make sure it all works. Make sure you don't drink. Like, there's, there's a lot of requirements. We've had co-hosts on here before who, uh, despite wanting to do a good job, they, they show up just unprepared. They either don't have Skype, don't have a headset, are totally drunk. Here we go. He's calling in here. Let's, let's pick it up here. Bad guy, hello. 
Yeah, hello. I, I messed up, man. I, I tried to answer it, but I messed it up. That's all right. Can that's you that's hear part. Me? Yeah, that, yeah. I can hear you. That's part for the course on the show. So don't worry about that. So, so okay. I sound good. Am I good? Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're good here. And if, if you may be a little loud, but I can adjust that. So no, I can. You want me to turn down the mic? I have it up actually. Yeah, turn it a little bit down. All right. Hold on. And then, and then I'm we'll gonna go. just mute it, man. You're gonna talk now. I'll well, no, I want it. you to talk then, too. I mean, you're. you're... Well, I'll make sure it's it's lower for. Okay, well, you're the co-host. You, I want you I to know, talk too. But I mean, like, I, I'll interject whenever you want me to. Okay. Here, I, I turned you down, so it should be fine. Okay, so anyway, you, you're welcome to interject when you've got something to say. Now, now, bad guy, let's go through the final part of the checklist. Have you been drinking tonight at all? Uh, yeah, I had like three beers. Oh boy, okay. I was I was hoping the answer was going to be no, but okay. Well, we'll well, three beers, man. I'm not drunk. Okay, well, that's that's what everybody says. We'll 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 see. We will see. But um, bad guy actually, some people might be surprised by this, but bad guy actually knows what he's talking about and knows what he's doing when it comes to sports betting. And a few weeks ago, he actually was posting late night, very late night tennis picks. That were going on at the time, and I bet two of them, and I won them both, and they were both easy wins. They were they were two great picks. It wasn't even much of a sweat. So, like, talk it to me. Yeah, I, 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 I won the first one. Yeah, I had no idea what I was betting there. I just trusted him. But I won the first one. It won very easily, and then the next day I had a bad day in basketball betting, and I said, "Bad guy, I, I need another one here." And he gave another one, and it won. So, uh, and I've just noticed over the years. That bad guy, he's not just some degenerate. He actually has knowledge about sports betting, and uh, you should Thank listen you to him. Thank you for that, man, for yeah. real. Yeah, you, you should listen to him. So, uh, so I, I was impressed, especially those tennis picks. I, I even told uh, I told Benjamin's mom about this. You know, she woke up in the morning, and I said, you know, I, I, I was watching tennis overnight because I made I copies bad guy's picks, and they were very good. They weren't even close. They won very, very easily. So, okay. I thank you, man. Hey, and guess what? She probably said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but you said you already won, so. Yeah, I said I already won. Besides, she, you know, <laughs> she, she doesn't interfere with these things. She just, she just assumes that they're going to do the right thing and it doesn't interfere with it and just, uh, just lets me do my own thing with all the gambling stuff and just, uh, assumes it'll end up okay. Fortunately, she had, there were eight years that I was playing poker before I was with her. Eight and a half years, actually. So, there was like a long time of this that predated me being with her where you know she knew that I did well overall so she she trusted at this point it's a, yeah, that's what i've explained to people some people have said oh isn't it hard to have a relationship where you're a poker player doesn't it isn't aren't there a lot of problems from that and i said well there would have been a lot more problems if this just started while we were together but since it started long before we were together and it was already established pretty well by then there has that has not been a problem at all. I'm, I'm glad about that. So I'm going to give you guys the agenda, but first I want to give you the normal intro stuff. Uh, for the show, as I always do. If you want to call into the show, seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the number. The Mount Charleston line, an old 70s rotary phone that sits on top of Mount Charleston where there's plenty of snow now. Quite cold there, too. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. 
We have a number you can call if you want to listen to the show. If you don't have a data plan on your cell phone or you don't have a computer, you don't have access to the computer right now, or you're driving and your internet's crappy and your signal's crappy, just use the call to listen line. It's a, it's a phone line you can call to listen to the show. That's 605 313-0736-605-313-0736. That's the number. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota is where it's located. When we're not live on the air, then it plays streaming reruns. Just picks a random show and just runs it in full as if it's live. And then when that's over, picks another one again and again and again until we come back live and you can hear the live show. You can listen also using Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on TuneIn. That's what you have to say. Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on TuneIn. If you want to hear the last show we did in the archives, say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio podcast on TuneIn. Just add the word podcast after Poker Fraud Alert Radio. It'll go to the archives instead. That's how you can listen through Alexa. Of course, you can also listen through the TuneIn app itself. You can also... Listen to the archives through iTunes, through Stitcher, which is another app, through TuneIn, also has archives on there, and Google Play. Also, the MP3 file of this show is right there on our forum, on the radio portion of our forum. Just go there, and you can just click on the MP3. It'll just directly play on iPhones and iPads, and also computers. Just uh, Most devices can just click on the MP3, and it just plays. You don't even need an external player to play it. That's a good way to listen. A lot of different ways to listen. Just let me know if there is a way you want to listen to the show, especially in the archives that we do not provide, and I'll see if I can add it for you. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Did you ever go – do you have Alexa? Yeah. Did you ever go home and just say, Poker Proud Radio? Well, and, like, I, let it play at your house? I'm like, did you ever do that? Well, you know what? I, I have, but I'll tell you what I first tried. When I first got Alexa, I said – Alexa, who is Todd Wittellis? And it, it just didn't know, and it was so disappointing. I, th- I thought it would know. I thought it would know because I'm in Wikipedia, but no, it just, I don't know if yeah, it couldn't I pronounce know, my I name. Know. It was at my house. If you had said that at my house, it would have played. Yeah, so. <laughs> no doubt. So, so. You know who you are. So when I, then I asked Alexa, what is Poker Fraud Alert Radio? And it didn't know. And I was like, oh, it's so disappointing. It, Alexa doesn't know anything about me. Then I found out that you had to say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and then it actually played. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like playing Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I'm like, whoa, cool. Then it wasn't quite as cool when they changed something and you had to say on TuneIn at the end because what's happening is they're partnering with a TuneIn app, and that's how it's playing. And that's always how it played, but uh, before you didn't have to say on TuneIn, but they added that for some reason. So, uh, But still, it's, it's kind of cool that you can play it on... Alexa, and in fact, I know Eric Ryland now listens on Alexa. He told me he loves that listening option. Just, I, I just love adding listening options, especially if it doesn't cost me any money. And, and this didn't cost me anything. It's just, it's just there because we were already on TuneIn. So, let me think of anything else to say. Oh, the chat room, the chat room, you can use that to chat with other listeners during the show. I won't read it very much. I will occasionally read it. Chat. What, what do you say? I'm going in the chat. Oh, you're going in the chat. Okay, bad guy's going yeah, in the chat. Going so the you, chat. you can t- you plus, can talk to him. Hey, we're looking good at halftime too, by the way. Okay, yeah, yeah, we have a bet going here, an over bet on uh, the Phoenix and the Clippers. 
So a uh, bad guy. Bad guy. I mean, he he really uh, had some faith in me today. I was four and twelve. Four and twelve in my last sixteen NBA picks. A bad slump there to lose twelve of my last sixteen. Uh, but uh, bad guy decided to blindly fire on not just one but both NBA picks. I posted tonight. One one of them was supposed to lose, but it went into overtime, so it saved me. It was an over, so we won that. And uh, and now the second one, it got off to a little bit of a rough start, but now it's it's actually looking pretty good at halftime. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, m- maybe he picked the right night to follow me. Maybe I'll go two and zero tonight after the four and twelve slump. So let, let me uh, give you the agenda here, and we will get going with the show. We're going to have uh, attorney Eric Benzamokin on tonight to talk about a legal matter involving Phil Ivy. Federal court granted the the Borgata the ability to move the search for his assets to Nevada. Why? Well, because he currently owes them $10.6 million from a lawsuit, and they couldn't find any assets in New Jersey to collect. So we're going to talk about that with Eric and find out what uh, Borgata can really do, how much reach they have now because of this, and... What this means for Phil Ivey it is something Eric can't answer, but we're going to wonder is how much will he have left after this? Does does Ivy have that much more than $10.6 million at the moment? I got into a Twitter argument with Penn Gillette's wife. Yes, that Penn Gillette. I, I got into a Twitter argument with his wife. I, I also did this once before. Back in the summer, we had a debate back and forth. But uh, we got into a more heated version of the argument this past week. And that by itself, I probably would not have brought up on this show. But an old familiar face popped up in the middle of that argument and started to troll me. And that was a disgraced former poker media figure by the name of Joy Miller. And if you've been listening to these shows I've been doing over the years, you've probably heard about Joy Miller. But if you haven't, no problem. I'm going to tell you the backstory with Joy Miller, why we hate each other, and uh, what how, what caused her to be run out of poker, basically. Speaking of someone run out of poker, Joseph Steers is... A combination advantage player, that is casino advantage player, and poker player. And he made news in 2017 when near the money at the World Series of Poker main event, he had a pretty good chip stack, very, very likely to cash at that point on day three, late day three, and he was pulled out of the event and disqualified because he was banned from all Caesars properties and had registered under a fake name. He sued them. And a settlement has been made. So we're going to talk about Joseph Steers. And some of you might be surprised, even though we've talked about him on the show before. I talked about him in 2015 and 2017. We're going to talk about him again here. I guess it's bi-yearly in 2019. Some of you who don't remember or didn't hear what I said about him in 2015 and 17 might be surprised. You know, The guy's an advantage player. The guy is a poker player. You'd think I could relate to him. You might be surprised about... My opinion on this one. The founder of a large Canadian cryptocurrency exchange, 
case you guys don't know what that is, that's where you exchange your cryptocurrency like Bitcoin for real money and back and forth. You know, you can buy or sell crypto there for real money. Uh, he died, apparently. Hasn't been totally verified, but he's probably dead. Either way, about $180 million of Bitcoin have become inaccessible because he was the only one with the keys to them. So we will talk about that and whether you should be worried about the cryptocurrency exchange where you have your money and your Bitcoin. Bryn Kenny, well-known high-stakes tournament player, did something that has landed him in controversy. He supposedly won the Aussie Millions this year, but he didn't completely win. In fact, he won the event. He got the most money and he got the title, the event, despite the fact that he didn't knock out a single player at the final table. <laughs> you might wonder how that's possible. How, how do you win a poker tournament when you don't knock out a single player at the final table? Now, he managed that. I will explain how that happened and what the controversy is about. Obviously, there's something more to this story. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. Another weird turn in the Eliezer Abe Mosseri story. This one making Abe Mosseri the victim in the whole thing, a little bit less sympathetic. So I'll tell you the latest turn with that one, just ongoing drama with that. The Super Bowl National Anthem. There were bets. There's bets on everything in the Super Bowl. They're called prop bets. The, you know, bets that don't have to do uh, directly with the score of the game. So you can bet on things like the length of the, the National Anthem. I actually bet on that. Well, there's some controversy about whether the length of the national anthem went over or under. What now, was your bet? Did you take over or under? I, I had under, and I got a horrible line because I bet it before. I bet it about a week in advance. I watched that after I read your thing because uh, I didn't watch the national anthem. I didn't watch it live. I really didn't. And uh, I don't understand how you can't say that's over, man. She, she, she does the note, then she does the other note. I mean, like it sounds like it's all together. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But, there, yeah, there's a con- there was a controversy involving this where the term of the bet of, of what they claimed constituted the end of the song, it was very difficult but to she tell. She says brave twice, right? Sort of. It, it, see, that most of the bets had to do with the word brave, that after the first brave, it's considered over, even if the song's not over. But the problem was that she said brave like that. So it was like she, she it was kind of two braves, but it was kind of also the first brave. It was kind of hard to tell. There was like a pause in between them. I'll play it for you guys and you can decide. But uh, not only is there a controversy involving that, but one particular sports book uh, did something different than the others that have left some players very unhappy. And some of the sports books are unhappy about this. I'll explain the whole thing when we get to that segment. Poker Stars has also upset some people. A lot of people were so happy with Poker Stars after the PCA where they had the that uh, Platinum Pass tournament, that 25K buy-in. It turned out to be the, the biggest 25K field of all time ever in poker. And they gave away those free Platinum Passes to people like KevMath just for goodwill. And everyone loved Poker Stars. Everyone just had the nicest things to say about them, but it seemed like people were forgiving and forgetting about the bad things they had done involving the Supernova Elite scandal from a few years ago. 
Well, what do you know? They're back to their old ways. Poker Stars has upset people because they have just hit people with a large reduction in points that they got for playing tournaments. Effective, uh, I'm not sure if it's immediately. So I, I, I forget when it's effective. I shouldn't even say that, but they're, they're back to screwing the, the, the grinders on there and people are unhappy. Not, not as bad as the Supernova Elite. It's more of like a policy change rather than screwing people, but they, they, they had people believing that they had changed their spots and they haven't. We'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Ocean Resort in Atlantic City. Now that's closer to you, bad guy. Do you, do you go to Atlantic City very often? I've been there a few times, yeah. Yeah, well, the Atlantic City, they, they, there's this one property there, the, the Revel, which then became uh, eventually Ocean Resort after a number of sales and almost sales. And uh, now it's it's continuing its streak of failure. Is that the one that Marky Mark got involved with? I, I'm not sure, but it's... I'm it's, pretty it's, sure it is. You better, yeah, you might have to start playing, you better call China Maniac up. The new kids on the block got involved with that. I'm telling you. Well, I, I'll, I'll try to look that up, but it, it's it's been a failure the whole way. Every name, every incarnation has been a failure. Well, it's it's being sold, so it's or or mostly sold, so it's changing hands once again. I believe it's never going to be successful, and I'll tell you why. Even though I'm not an Atlantic City expert, I, I've spoken with people who have been there. I just don't think it can work out there. But we'll talk about that. Particular resort, very nice property, but very poorly run and poorly designed. Hopefully I'll be able to get to the Facebook topic this week. We skipped it last week. There's a scandal involving Facebook and the in-app purchases that kids can make. Basically, kids would play games on Facebook, buy things on their parents' credit card within the inside the game, and then when the parents would attempt to get a refund because their kids bought things without their permission, Facebook was finding uh, sneaky ways to prevent that and, in fact, was denying refunds in cases when they should not have been. This occurred between 2012 and 2016, but it was just coming to light in 2019. So we'll talk about that and the reprehensible behavior by Facebook. It just seems like again and again and again we learn that Facebook is misbehaving. Finally... For you guys who read the forum, I know Bad Guy is big on the forum, as am I. For those who are forum readers and posters, you probably see a lot of trolling there. You probably see a lot of uh, nasty things said. There's even a lot of trolling of me on the forum. Some people might say that there's cyberbullying going on on that forum. The question is, in general, I'm not really talking about the forum anymore, but in, in general online, where do you draw the line between valid criticism and commentary and what's considered cyberbullying? And the reason I bring that up this week and the reason the editorial is about that is because I am involved in a small controversy on the Real Grinders group because I was poking fun at someone and there's a lot of people jumping up in that person's defense saying that I'm cyberbullying them, which I do not believe I'm doing. So I'll explain that whole situation, and I will give my editorial as to what constitutes cyberbullying versus valid criticism and commentary. So that'll be our final segment of the evening. 
So I will get going here. Now let's see if let's see if Trader Ruski wants in on this. Let's see. Um, he said he's getting on this. What do? Because I'm on here, he won't come on. No, 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 no. He wants to come on. He said he he he. I think he thinks that maybe you know we don't want or need him because because you're on here. But that's yeah, what do you mean? I, well, I, listen, I'm just here to interject, man. I mean, like I like listening to you. I thank you for this. Is like uh, make a wish come true. I mean, Ooh. one of them dream things. <laughs> <laughs> like the, so, so if you were a little kid who had like uh, terminal yeah, cancer, yeah, they'd, say, that, they'd say, they'd uh, say, my wish. They say, what, what, what wish do you want, Instead bad guys? Instead of just calling out, going, "Hey, fuck you, motherfucker!" I'm, I just, this is like, you know, I'm just gonna lay back and, and just do it. Uh, that that feels good to hear. Okay, we're we're trying to reach bad guy here. Bad guy. Okay. Yeah, bad guy's still here, man. Bad guy, you're still here. What, what about Trader Yuski? What's happening, boys? There we are, Trader Yuski. Hello. How you doing? So, welcome to the show, Trader Yuski. And uh, yeah, look, we we have three hosts again. Even if even if uh, bad guy's replacing Calwatt here, it uh, <laughs> we still have three. Okay, so well, if I'm replacing him, I'm gonna have to start talking about like sexual things. And yeah, stuff. yeah, I know. I well, you'll, you'll you'll piss off uh, Sanomar. He doesn't like that stuff. Sanomar <laughs> Sanomar hates he hates the sexual stuff on the show. I know. <laughs> Okay, so let, let's. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the the first topic here, and uh, actually we're going to put a fourth person on if I can reach him. It's uh, Eric Benzomokin, but uh, I'm going to introduce this before. Hey, this guy's a man, not a myth, man. All the money he donates to the site and stuff, you got to get it up for this guy. Yeah, you know what? I, and I've said it before. Eric Benzomokin, he's such a nice guy. That's why when I when I play his ad and I give out his email address, I really mean it. If you've really got a legal issue, just just email him. He's very nice. He'll. Uh, you know he'll he'll respond to you. You don't have to feel obligated that uh, you know you're owe money for this or anything. But he he really is. Uh, he's a big fan of the show. He's he's a very very nice guy. I, I've been over to his house. Uh, I, I've I've met up with him for lunch before. You know we. Uh, so you know he's become a real friend since he found this show, and and I appreciate very much yeah, everything he's done. And, and I'm I'm really glad that I got to know him and and that uh, that. He found this show and, and me, and, and we actually learned we had a lot in common from uh, from talking to one another. Though so we're going to have him on shortly to talk about this. It, it's, I got some bad news for you, Joe. I can't get into the chat, man. I hit chat and don't work. Um, do you have? Are you using Google Chrome? Yeah, yeah. That that can be a problem because of the uh, the flash. What, what you need to do is um, I got to go in there and like like. Enable Flash or something? Well, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass. There, there's a way to permanently enable it, but I don't want to explain this on the radio. It would be too Okay, too no, long. you don't have to. So just go on through the if, 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 like, if, you know Explorer or something? No, go go to the radio page where it's the, the radio player is. Okay. And you'll see, like, a, it'll ask you if you want to enable Flash. And then once you do that, then you can go in the chat room. Then okay. it'll be enabled. That, that's, that's well, I don't want to go there because I don't want to, like, screw up. Me being on with you, so I didn't, I didn't click the right. Okay, that's fine. No, never mind. <laughs> I just, you I got, mean, it didn't work. It didn't work or did work? No, it's going to work now. Yeah. I just did what you said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now it's working. Yeah, it's, it's, Chrome is crappy. There's a little thing you can do. I, I, if you, For those of you wondering, this is actually worth mentioning here. I've mentioned it before, but I might as well mention it again. Chrome has an issue with Flash where it just doesn't work right. And... Uh, in the Hackers Delight portion of our forum, there's a little forum called Hackers Delight. You can see there's a thread that explains. It's a thread I started on how to permanently change your your Chrome 
to where it doesn't do that anymore and where Flash will, will automatically work. It's a little program you have to download and run. It's safe to do it, though, I promise you. So you, you can go check that out if you want to permanently change Flash so it doesn't have that issue anymore. Anyway, whenever we have legal matters on here, it's very nice to have an attorney, which Eric Bensamokin is, to give his expert opinion. Because I, I like to say that as far as non-attorneys go, I, I'm pretty good at legal analysis. I'm pretty good at, at legal matters for a non-attorney. But I'm still a non-attorney, and my knowledge of these things pales in comparison to a real attorney, especially a good attorney. So that's why it's very good to have someone like Eric that we can call and, and, and put on that can answer these questions. And in fact, when he's been on, it's, he's, uh, it's been very well received, and people have said they want him to come back. So we're going to have him on to talk about the Borgata issue and the battle they have with Phil Ivey. Now, I'm going to quickly go over that. We've talked about it so many times on this show, but we haven't talked about it that recently. So I'm going to quickly get everybody up to speed for those of you that don't know about it. Phil Ivey was doing something called edge sorting with an accomplice, a, a Chinese woman who was uh, very, very good at doing this. And she, she had to, in, in order to be able to do this, you have to practice a lot and you have to have the natural ability to do it. But basically, you can see very, very small details on the backs of cards to where you can recognize which card is which from looking at the back of it. And it's only true for certain cards that are manufactured in a way where that happens. Most people cannot tell the difference. I think anyone listening to this show, myself included, if we looked on the back of those cards, would not be able to tell the difference. But... Someone whose eye is really, really good at picking things up like that and trains themselves beyond that can give themselves a big edge that way. But they still have to be close enough to the cards to see the detail, and usually you're just not close enough to see that much detail. So they basically tricked the Borgata into bringing the cards closer to them and turning them a certain way, and they claimed that the reason they wanted this was because... uh, Phil Ivey's partner was a superstitious Asian woman, which which they believe because there's a lot of superstitious Asian gamblers. So they believed it, they did it, and this allowed his accomplice to do this edge sorting, which gives them a big edge. Edge meaning a big advantage over the casino. Now, it's, it's not insurmountable. They can still lose, but it, they, they're by far having the odds in their favor when they do that. They were betting very big. So basically, the woman with him was the skill, Ivy was the bankroll, they were betting together, and they, they won a lot of money. So this happened in two places, at least two places that came after them for it. One of them was Crockford's in the UK, and Crockford's caught it before paying them, so Crockford's just refused to pay. They sued Crockford's and lost. Then at the Borgata, they actually got away with it. And and won like like ten million bucks, but then after this Crockford's case, the Borgata realized that Ivy did the same crap to them, and, and sued him. So they were suing him to get the money back. Where the Crockford's lawsuit was to get paid in the first place, which he, and he lost them both. He lost the Crockford's first, and then the Borgata. So the Borgata has been attempting to collect the money ever since, and it's been a while now since the judgment was against him. And Ivy has been dodging paying them. 
quickly, I want to say that I don't feel Ivy is cheating there. This is what would be known as an advantage play. Why do I feel it's not cheating? Because the Borgata knew what they were doing. They asked the Borgata to make certain changes. They lied about the reason for the changes, but that doesn't matter. The Borgata made changes that they knew they were making. It's not like they bribed a dealer to do certain things for them without the Borgata knowing. That would be cheating. That would be against the law. You can go to prison for something like that. But that's not what Ivy did. What Ivy did, the Borgata fully knew everything they were doing. They knew and agreed to it. They didn't know why they were doing it. They were lied to for the reason, but they they knew what they were doing. And if the player has the ability to notice things on the cards because the cards are manufactured improperly, then that's the fault of the casino. That is not the fault of the player. If the player can find a way to give himself an edge in the casino, it is not cheating. Cheating is actually using some device or using a casino employee to give yourself an unfair edge. That's that's cheating. Getting getting the dealer to help you in some way is cheating. Using some kind of device to be like mirrors to see to see whole cards, that's cheating. But when the casino knows everything that's going on on their end, and you just have an ability they don't know about, a natural ability, not aided by equipment, then it's not cheating. So they say, hey, move the cards closer to us and turn them this way because she's superstitious. They agreed. They said, sure, we'll do it. So once they agree to do it, then tough luck on them. That's, that's my opinion. So people say, oh, Ivy was cheating. I don't believe he was cheating. And, and I'm not a fellow Ivy ass kisser. I'm, I'm not one of these guys who just will defend uh, big name poker pros because they're big name poker pros. I, I will call them out when they're doing something wrong. I don't believe he was cheating there. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into it. They have been trying to get this money back from Ivy. Now, keep in mind, this is money he actually won and had, so you would think that if they got it back from him, it would just be like as if he never played there. But who knows? He may have spent it. He may have gambled it away. Who who knows if right now he has that money to give or once he gives that money if he's going to have much left. And, And furthermore... They were kind of free-rolling him, because had he lost, he could not have sued them to get the money back that he lost. So basically, since he beat them, now they're trying to take it back. I, I'm just, I think that whole judgment was terrible. But we're going to put Eric Benzamokin on to talk about the latest development, which is the fact that because they could not find any assets of his in New Jersey, the court petitioned to be able to go after to basically transfer the whole thing to Nevada so they can try to go after his assets there and perhaps even elsewhere. So we're going to try to reach Eric here. Let's see if he's around. If he's not, uh, I'll have to go at this myself. Let's see if he's, uh, wait, Calwatt's here? Hold on. Calwatt, he just texted me. They want to go on radio. He just texted me like a minute ago. I didn't even bother asking him tonight because it's so late. We may have a ton of people on the phone here. Let's see if, if Eric Benzamokin is ready. If he is, we will put him on and we will discuss it either way. He's responding, so he probably is. So let's add him. I'm just going to assume his answer is yes. Okay, good. He's ready. 
Suleiman, and he can explain further. He can explain this a lot better than I can. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, hold on. Hello? Oh, I got, I got you. You know, you know, it's funny. Uh, Eric Benzamokin, welcome to the show. I, I accidentally, I must have mistyped something because I, I tried to have it say plus one and then your area code and phone number. You know, the plus one being the area, the U.S. country code, which you have to do in Skype. But it, it said dialing plus 11. I'm like, oh no, I'm calling some other country. It's going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> I was, I was trying to abort it. And then here, here you are. So somehow, uh, unless you're secretly in another country that I don't know about. Uh, somehow, somehow I reached you anyway. So anyway, welcome to the show, Eric. I'm glad to have you back on here. Glad to be on. And uh, there, there was a good reaction to your your last appearance here. The people said uh, we want Eric to come on again. Very interesting segment. He did a great job explaining everything. You got to have more of that. And I said, okay, well, I hope we will next time we have a, a legal matter to discuss that uh, I think about in advance and don't have to say at two in the morning, oh, I wish Eric was up, which I know I've said before. But, but yeah, I, I you, I know you actually first brought this latest development to my attention. Uh, I, I hadn't even heard of it when you told me, but uh, can you explain to the audience what what is going on here? What what, are, what is the Borgata doing specifically to Phil Ivey? Okay. So, so before I get into it, just want to say hi to Trederuski and the other guy that's three sheets to the wind. So, <laughs> what's uh, happening, Eric? You know, first, first time. How are you? How are you doing, buddy? So, this what's happening actually roots all the way back to the U.S. Constitution, and it's from Article Four, Section One, and that's called the Full Faith and Credit Clause. And the way it's applied, it was later codified by Congress, and it's part of uh, 28 U.S.C. 1738 and 1963. Essentially, what it does is it allows a federal court judgment entered into entered from a district court in one state to be registered in a district court or in another state federally and it's given the same effect as if you're in the home state upon which the judgment was entered so let me give you a really easy example borgata sues phil ivy in federal district court in let's say the southern district of new jersey and obtains a judgment for $2.6 million, and is unsuccessful in collecting the judgment. It doesn't necessarily mean that Phil doesn't have any assets in New Jersey. It just means they couldn't locate anything that they could levy on. So maybe Phil knew this was coming, and he cle- if he had any boxes or any casinos or any card rooms, he cleared them out. They have nothing they can get. So Borgata's attorneys say, you know, I bet he's got stuff in Vegas. And they probably, I think I read somewhere where they looked at he had transferred some assets or he had sold some property, or something. So these are public records. So somebody realized that maybe he's got assets in Nevada. And so they simply apply and register, or in this case it's by motion, because every court has its own sort of local rules. But essentially, they went to transfer the judgment from the district court in New Jersey now to the district court, federal district court in Nevada, in Clark County. By doing that, that allows the Borgata to essentially levy on whatever assets they can find now in Nevada. And it would go under local Nevada law as far as how they collect it. But that judgment is given full faith and credit based on its, you know, that historic sort of, uh, article four from the Constitution. 
And, and this, by the way, this is not, there's no dollar limit or minimum or anything like that. This works everywhere. Federal courts give full faith and credit to judgments entered from other federal courts. You know, I, I, I had always thought, this is something new I learned, I always thought just if you, if there's a federal court judgment against you, that it doesn't matter what state that the judgment was in, that they can collect anywhere very easily. But it, I, I didn't re- realize it had to be transferred to a federal court elsewhere in the country. So it's, it's really important to understand that they're not transferring the judgments, they're registering. And it's, it's a key term, so it's almost like, Think of it like a vehicle, right? If I, but imagine if I took my vehicle and I drove uh, across country, if I had to stop and register in every state and had to sort of ensure that if anything happened, um, my liability insurance coverage, let's say, was available to anybody locally or in the state that I'm in because I had to register my vehicle once I got there. And it's not the greatest example in the world, but it's kind of the same idea. They're registering that judgment now in Nevada's federal court so they can execute on it in Nevada. If they think that Phil has assets in California, they're going to bring it to a federal district court in one of the California districts, Central District, which would be here in Los Angeles or what have you. If they think he's got stuff in Miami, they'll do the same thing in federal district court in Miami. Now, I read something um, that he wants to appeal, but that he's actually stalling the appeal because there's something about how in order to appeal that they want him to post a bond of this 10.6 million which which he doesn't want to do so uh, so, so well, he's, he's delaying I this think, yeah, I, it may not be a choice of, you know at this point i don't know if he got you know the 10.6 million to post but yeah that is a rule a federal rule when well it's not just federal court it's state court too in fact in here in california but uh, once it, if you file if you timely file a notice of appeal and, uh, as to a money judgment, the rule is that you have to post a bond equal to the amount of that judgment because in the event you lose the appeal, the money will get you know sucked away and sent to the creditor. Yeah. So, appellate, yeah, so going into an appeal is very costly, and you're essentially putting up the money to pay that judgment off in the event that you lose. And the other thing that's also important to note is that maybe 9 to 12% of of, st- of trial court level judgments are reversed and remanded on appeal. There has to be either an abuse of discretion by the trial court or clear error in, a- in the application of the law, which probably didn't happen. Yeah, I, I agree. He'll probably, he- I'm from everything I read about it, it, it seems like he probably would lose again. So uh, now, now there's also talk that he has transferred some of his assets outside the country, like someone found. A uh, seaside villa he bought in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. What if it is discovered that he owns now property in Mexico and and uh, that most of his wealth's been transferred out of the U.S.? What, what could be done about that? In part, it has to do with the cooperation level of the country. But I, I give you a true story. <laughs> I had a client that went through a Chapter Seven bankruptcy here in Los Angeles. And he had lost a ton of money when the real estate market crashed in 07, 08, 09. And, you know, he had a lot of money tied up and, and things like that. And he was a wipeout. Now, he had a very large judgment creditor, $1.6 million judgment. And this creditor was chasing him down, basically trying to say that the judgment was non-dischargeable and it was by fraud and all these things that, you know, that they were alleging. Well, 
turns out, much to my own chagrin and surprise, that this particular client omitted or forgot, let's say, to tell me that he had an ownership interest in a medical office building in Jerusalem. Now, the bankruptcy court trustee found out about it, probably because his creditor told her, you know, told her, and the trustee was able to impress a lien upon that property in Israel by hiring local counsel and filing a petition in the equivalent of the Israeli trial court. So, depending on the country, there are mechanisms by which a U.S. creditor can enforce their judgment to seize or levy on assets that are held offshore. But it's going to depend on the country. So, if you've got money in Macau, let's say, or you know somewhere else, but you know in China, I think they're going to be hard pressed to find it and get it. If you've got money in a more friendly country, France, let's say for example, or the UK. Uh, I think they probably could get it if they can find it. Well, what about Mexico, though? Mexico is kind of a funny situation. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think the real estate rules in Mexico are the same. I think essentially what you're buying is a lifetime lease unless you're a citizen. It's like a 99-year lease or something like that. I don't know. But, but, I would, but having said that, if he's got cash in a Mexican bank, it's, it's very possible the Mexican government will cooperate uh, on that judgment enforcement. Yeah, I, I have to think that maybe he might, he might have researched this before moving this. That he might have consulted with people who could tell him what is uh, what could be reached and what can't. Because it, there was also an article that said that he did have a bank account in New Jersey, but by the time the Borgata got to it, it actually had zero in it, and they couldn't find any assets in that state. And then it, it does seem that it appears he is now buying things in Mexico and there's there's really a belief that he's just really trying to hide his assets uh, out of the country, out of the reach of the Borgata. But there's is there anything they can do? Let's say Mexico doesn't cooperate. Is there anything that can be done to him in the U.S. to compel him in any way to turn over those assets or is, or, or is the Borgata just screwed if he's moved his assets out of the country? It's a, it's a really, really good question because first, they have to confirm that the asset exists and what it is. So let's let's use a simple example. Let's say it's a it's a bank account in a Mexican bank, and there's a seven figure balance in the account. So they can prove that that money was deposited, especially post judgment. Uh, they could potentially compel that turnover because that's called a fraudulent transfer. And so what people do for the most common fraudulent transfer is if you own your house and you're on title and then you get a judgment entered against you, immediately that house is quick claim to your sister or your wife or your uncle or whatever. And so, oh, hey, the house is not in my name anymore. You know, you can't put a lien on it. You can't foreclose on it. You can't do anything. So that's like the most common thing. And that's called a fraudulent transfer because you're essentially transferring away your assets with the intent of evading this judgment credit. And so if they can show that Ivy put a bunch of money into an offshore foreign bank account after the judgment was entered against him, then they could use the rules of fraudulent transfer, the laws pertaining to that, to essentially get that money turned back over. What, what if he refuses? What if he just says no or just doesn't do it? What could they do? I think it, ultimately, if they go through the proper motions, they could hide, you know, find him in contempt. He could be incarcerated hmm. uh, if he violates court order. So if the court orders turnover and he refuses to abide by the court order, they can file a uh, a motion for uh, a finding of contempt, and they could request incarceration if contempt if he's found to be in contempt. 
Interesting. So, uh, so yeah, I, I really wonder what the Borgata's next move is going to be if they don't find much or anything in Nevada. Especially now that uh, Ivy knows that they're doing it. It's not like they're sneaking around behind his back. Like, he knows that now they, they, they are going to be going after assets in Nevada. So you think that, uh, he, he, he can probably get the assets out of Nevada faster than they can move, you know, get registered in Nevada, as you said. That, I think that's the one flaw in this process is if the defendant knows it's coming, they can just keep taking the assets out. It becomes like, a um, constantly chasing something that's ahead of you. Yeah, I mean, if they know that the asset exists before they reg- try to uh, file a motion to register the foreign state judgment or the, or the federal court judgment to the other state, they could potentially follow it, you know, going forward after that. And maybe eventually if they know where it's being moved to or where the assets have been disposed of, they can try to get turnover that way. Um, I don't, you know, I don't personally know Phil, so I can't vouch for, you know, what he may have in his name, what he does, and what kind of car he drives. But I bet you the Borgata knows all that already. Um, they probably have already tried to seize um, any safe deposit boxes in various uh, casinos. And that might be really more what this is about, um, because the hotels are going to abide by the order of the court. You know, the, uh, a hotel that uh, like the Aria or the Bellagio they're not going to turn around and say, look, Phil, we, you know, we love you here, but, uh, you know, yeah, well, and we'll help you hide your money. They, they, you know, that's not going to happen. They'll, you know, if they get a court order saying any safe deposit box owned by Phil Ivey, turn it over, they're going to have to do it. Now, he could empty it right away, and that's probably what he's done. He's probably emptied them all. But they're going to keep following these assets. I mean, the fact that they registered the judgment in Nevada already shows me the level of aggression, you know, aggressiveness that this creditor is going to take. Because um, you know it's a lot of money, ten million dollars. But how much is that to the Borgata? Really? Yeah. Another, another problem he he's going to have is if he attempts to play the World Series, they can just uh, grab whatever he plays there. So I bet he won't be at the World Series in 2019. They, they absolutely can. Now there's a mechanism also if they can, but, but but there's a requirement for personal service, and they can file what's called a motion for a 2004 debtor examination. Uh, rule 2004 of Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. And essentially they can force him to answer all the questions they have about his assets. If they can personally serve him with this, he'll have to appear and subject himself to examination under penalty of perjury. Now, if they already know where certain assets are or if assets have been disposed of and they ask him about them on the record and he lies, then now they can also move for contempt again. So they can corner him if they can get him personally. So I think we're we're not going to see Phil Ivey here in the states for a long time. Oh, so you think you think that he's just going to hide out in Macau and uh, play over there? I do. I, I think that he probably has uh, enough money moved around, or certainly enough people that know him and will stake him. That uh, and I think that's where he's going to end up staying oh, for a very long time. You know, judgment's good for ten years, and then it can be renewed. By the way, it's also collecting interest at the rate of ten percent per annum. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's a dollars a year in interest that's getting added on. Yeah, it's actually. I was saying ten point six. It's actually ten point sixteen million. Not that it's that much difference for the purpose of this discussion, but but uh, that includes some interest that's already accumulated on it since this has started. So, yeah, I I, I do wonder what the eventual conclusion is going to be if he's going to just 
hide from this forever, or if, if at some point he's going to get sick of it and uh, fi- finally cough it up. But since it's so much money, who knows if, if uh, he has that to, to give up at this point, or if, or if you know, let's say let's say he's worth eleven million, is he going to want to give up ten point sixteen of it? That's that's going to be tough to do. It's very it's very tough to give up ten point something million unless you're worth much much more than that. Well, I, I, I personally think there are two possibilities at how this is going to get resolved. One is that he's eventually going to get tired of running and he's going to work out some kind of settlement with him. And once enough time passes, they're going to get tired of chasing him. He's going to get tired of ducking them. And through his attorney, he'll start some sort of informal settlement talks and maybe they'll reach a deal. The other possibility is that people that Ivy knows that have sufficient resources will help him fund the bond and they'll appeal this because this this decision, this judgment affects, has farther reaching effects than just Phil Ivey. This is really an attack on advantage players. And there's a lot that could be, you know, there are a lot of people get harmed if eventually the casinos can make some kind of case for uh, going after advantage players and recovering their money. I agree with you that Ivy didn't cheat, that this is not fraud, that he never manipulated or touched the cards or messed with the machinery or anything like that. So I think that there's a bigger precedent here that, you know, maybe enough people will get together and this will be the lead case in an appeal. And it could even go as hard as the Supreme Court, given all the recent changes in, in sports betting and, 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 you know, the push for online gaming and, you know, and so on. So I, I, I'd like to see that happen, of course, just the legal nerd in me, you know, wants to see that go further. But truthfully, I think eventually he's just going to have to settle it with him. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if this could be challenged and successful. And that's that. All you brought up a very good point here, and this has always really bothered me as well. Not only didn't I feel he was cheating, but I don't like the whole idea that after casinos lose, and only after they lose, that they find an excuse to go after the player and say, oh no, you know, we feel you cheated, give the money back, when, when in reality all they were doing is engaging in advantage play. And that also allows them to free roll against advantage players, where if the advantage player loses an attempt to beat them, then they just keep the money. If the advantage player wins anything substantial, then they, they sue them and take it back. So I, I don't, other than actual cases of cheating, which this wasn't, uh, the, it, that case always really bothered me so much that when I would see people discussing it online and say, Phil Ivey, cheater, or cheated, whatever, I, I always would correct them, even though Ivy's not my friend. Um, he, he's actually one of the few uh, big-name poker pros who probably has no clue who I am. I have a feeling if you ask Phil Ivey, who's Todd would tell us, he'll say, who? Like, I, I bet even after all my years in poker, I, I have a feeling he has no clue who I am. Maybe he's heard my name in passing, but um, like I really have no relationship at all with the guy, but uh, just the concept of the whole thing bothers me so much, and uh, I've I've been rooting for him to be successful in these cases, and so far he has not been. But I, I agree with you; it probably will just end at some point, maybe with, with some kind of settlement after. Maybe he wants to frustrate them enough with trying to chase this down to where they'll. Except less. I mean, not too different from what happened with Brian Mikon, even though that was a criminal case. But he was hiding in Antigua, and they couldn't touch him over there. And finally, he got a good attorney there to basically offer the 
state of Nevada that he'll come back and face it, but only for a uh, slap on the wrist sentence of, of probation, which is what happened. And uh, so that was, I think that was a case where they basically gave up because they knew they wouldn't be able to to reach him, and it, it wasn't important enough for them to pursue for eternity. Well, I'll tell you the other thing, too, that he can't do, unfortunately, well, or maybe fortunately, but, uh, you know, most people know that Jamie Gold, for example, went into his own personal bankruptcy, um, maybe, I think, five or six years ago at this point, but he had filed Chapter 7, and he was broke, and there was a wipeout. And he had a substantial amount of debt, and that was all discharged and you know wiped away. Now, Ivy could try to do the same thing, except, and I have to read the actual judgment. But if that judgment's for fraud, even civil fraud, I mean, forget criminal fraudulent activity, just your plain garden variety civil fraud. Uh, that's something in the bankruptcy world that's called non-dischargeable, which means that debts for fraud survive bankruptcy. So you can't even get out of it that way because a lot of people would just do that. They, they take a bunch of big losses. They've got markers. Well, markers like bounce checks, but, you know, other debts, uh, judgments against them, and they, they file bankruptcy and they get a fresh start and life goes on. But Phil can't do that if the judgment's for fraud, which I think it is. And the other thing I think it's important to kind of note, and it bothers me too, is that this stems from the British courts. And the Borgata would never consider this unless England, you know, the, the UK entered the decision the way they did. And so they just decided to go for it uh, based on that precedent. It's exactly what I was afraid was going to happen. Um, it, and I think you're going to start to see Nevada casinos starting to do the same thing. Yeah, that, I was I was wondering if that's ever going to come. And it, it's it's a very bothersome precedent. And you know the the smaller time advantage player who who gets the casino for five hundred bucks isn't going to have to worry. But but you know people who who maybe win you know ten thousand or more? Uh, they they this can start to be a concern if the casino thinks they've got an angle to, to where they they can get the money back, and also because uh, if if they start to become successful doing these things, then it'll scare other advantage players from even trying. So that's it is a very disturbing precedent that that got set, and yeah, that's this did follow the one in the UK. And the Borgata said, okay, well, he, he beat us the same way. We already paid him, but let, let's take a shot. Let's, let's see if we can get the money back. And I, I really thought at that time, I, at the time, I thought they were going to lose the Borgata, even though they, Crockford had won. I said, well, that's the U.K. It's totally different over there. Laws are different. I can't picture a U.S. court awarding the Borgata the money here. I mean, they, they, they can definitely prove Ivy wasn't cheating. It, 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 it seems so clear to me, but nope. In fact, New Jersey... They seemed to be an advantage player friendly state because you they're not even allowed to kick out card counters. Even if you you can sit down at a blackjack table in Atlantic City and announce, Hey, I'm going to count cards and while they can take certain measures to make it tougher on you to do, like they can shuffle the deck when it gets through, you know, half the cards and things like that, they cannot kick you out. They can't. In fact, they have gaming enforcement agents on premises that they're required to have by law. And if they att- attempt to kick you out for that, you say, let me see the gaming enforcement uh, agent. And you tell them, and they'll say, nope, can't kick you out. So they don't even try. So I've actually, when I was in Atlantic City, I remember like, like a decade ago, I was playing blackjack, and they'd uh, they'd shuffle up on me because they 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 saw I was counting cards, so they just shuffle up on me, and then they'd 
put the card in the middle of the six decks. So, because the, the advantage in card counting in blackjack comes at the end before they shuffle. So if they cut off half the half the six decks, then you don't really have an edge anymore. So what did I do? Did I leave? No, I just walked over to the other side of the casino and played those tables. And it took a while for them to catch on. So like, there's no way I would have ever done that in, in a Vegas casino being caught counting cards. But in, in New Jersey, I knew I could because the worst that would happen is they'd shuffle up on me again. I knew they could not kick me out. So I, I totally didn't get In fact, I came back the next day and played again at the same casino. And again, it took a while to catch me because I knew there was nothing they could do. So I, it's it, in New Jersey, of all places, I was surprised to see this judgment against Phil Ivey. And it, it's sad, but that's the way it's gone. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if he had hit him for 150000 this probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be a thing. So I think the amount has something to do with it. You know, I think they probably just do a cost-benefit analysis and, you know, how much will it take for our attorneys to file suit and get this to a point of a judgment, maybe, you know, 200000 250000 Well, is it worth us risking that to potentially obtain a $10 million judgment or an $8 million plus interest or whatever it is and, you know, recover all this money? So I'm pretty sure it was something like that, you know, in a, in a board meeting or something where they said, you know, I think we need to do that. And at the same time, we're going to send a message. Um, and, I, you know, if, if Ivy had announced, right, like he, like in your example, where he first sat down and said, guys, I'm going to bet 50000 a hand uh, with my friend here and we're going to edge sort. Do you mind? You know, they would probably just say, no, you can't do that. And then you would close the table. So, Right. Oh, sorry. Can't take a call right yeah. now, guys. Sorry. Was that? No, we, we we had a call coming. I told him we can't can't take it right now. I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, but I do think that uh, edge sorting in and of itself is not really cheating. It's an advanced way of playing. It's you know it it, cre- it requires a bit of skill. You know, not just not everybody can do it. In fact, very few people can do it really well. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm I'm not surprised that. The, uh, the 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 Borgata, you know, made this move to register the judgment in Nevada. I wouldn't be surprised if they registered maybe in another state or two where they think he might be hiding assets. Um, and what I am surprised, and to be honest, you, you know, you're in a much better position than I would than I am as far as an opinion on this. But I'm surprised that some of the uh, more well-established, wealthier players haven't stood up for him. A guy like Daniel Negreanu or with these people that are his buddies, you know, that have probably better relationships with these casinos or these hotels or, you know, I mean, I really feel like, again, I, I don't know Phil Ivey either, but I do feel like he's being persecuted. Um, and I, I'm a little surprised that the overall community really hasn't gotten his back. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think... Well, probably because it wasn't a poker issue, too. Yeah, that's that, I was going to say... A lot of those guys aren't playing those other games, right? Yeah, it's 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 not a poker issue, and also the, these these poker players that I think they have less of an influence in Atlantic City than they do in Vegas, and even in Vegas, it's it's a limited influence. And as you said, it, the, the the amount of money is is a big part of that, and the, with the amount of money being as high as it is, I think it would be hard for a uh, poker player even with influence and say, hey, you know you know that uh, $10 million, uh, how about you just let that go? I mean, I, they, it's so much money that th- they're not going to want to do that. It's it's a little bit different than, like, I've talked before about how Jared Blesnick 
got his lifetime ban from the World Series lifted because Phil Helmuth went up to Jack Effel and said, hey, you know, Jared's my friend. Can you do me a favor and just undo it? And I'll have a talk with him about not ripping up cards anymore and being a jerk. And and, and Jack Effel said, okay, where if any... Otherwise, Jared had no way to get back. Otherwise, he would have never been back. But he was immediately back because Phil Helmuth did this for him. So... There, the the top pros have a lot of influence, but but with casino matters, especially casino matters about ten million dollars, I, I don't believe there is any poker pro who could have such an influence. Uh, maybe Bobby Baldwin, but he's not so much a poker pro anymore. He was an executive at MGM, and even he's leaving. Uh, so I, I would think he'd be the only one. I know, and I had wondered about him because I, I believe he knows Ivy. And I believe he has a good relationship with Ivy, and and Borgata is an MGM property now, but uh, apparently not. Apparently, there's there's nothing that can be done. So that's uh, I I, th- I think it's going to be stuck this way. Hey Eric, well, what do you then, what do you think yeah. they take now? What do you, like what do you think as far as like his negotiating? They can continue to chase him, like you said. And I guess most of their attorneys they have on retainer anyway, but I'm sure there's still a lot of costs. Well, they what, usually, well, it's most likely they went with an outside firm, so they have their of counsel and you know their their in-house guys, but they don't get their hands dirty. They're they're essentially managing the outside firms. There's usually one go-to firm for labor disputes and harassment issues. There's one for their marker collections, you know that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they they probably spent you know mid six figures to get this far. Those firms aren't cheap, and really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure surprised. the Borgata didn't hire the you know from around the corner. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised. Um, I had always thought that that's another new thing I've learned. I had always thought these these big companies just have their in house attorneys and that they just handle everything. I didn't know that they they hire outside firms. Yeah, in fact, in fact, mostly they do. In fact, it, being in house counsel is one of the cushiest jobs you can get. It, it's a it's a great job. Because essentially, you just have to know how to manage the outside firms and make sure you pick the right ones with the right specialties, oh, and keep track of what's going on and report to your board and and that kind of thing. But basically, you're just a you're a manager, you're a supervisor, uh, as an in-house counsel. Um, but anyway, so they went to the outside firm. They probably spent four fifty five hundred k total to get to where this is. I'm sure Ivy fought back. He didn't just you know let himself get defaulted. Um, and I think at the end of the day, if they could, you know, if he can in three years from now, three and a half years, you know. 25, 30 cents on the dollar, maybe they'll take it. Um, especially if they've been unsuccessful in, in finding other assets or levying on other things. And time's going to tell. So they get to Nevada and they issue a bunch of writs of execution. That, that's a, the document that you serve on the uh, establishment that may house an asset. Like, you know, you serve a writ of execution on a casino and a levy saying, okay, I want any safe deposit boxes, you know, uh, turned over. And if they keep coming up empty, and they keep chasing them, and, you know, eventually they're going to get tired of that. They're going to get tired of paying the attorneys to just do that for them. And if a couple of years goes by, he could maybe, you know, settle for two and a half, three million. Uh, then assuming he still got that. Hmm. Mr. Ben Smoking, do you do uh, DUIs? This is a drunk guy. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no, but... Yeah, if you have a problem, email me. I can, I'll give you the name of somebody here in L.A. that's in California. The bad guy, do you, do you have a DUI? Is that what's going on here? No, I don't okay. drive, bro. Yeah, are you? Because I, I would drive drunk. Wait, wait a minute. So you don't you don't drive you don't drive at all? <clears throat> no, I didn't know that, brother. Wow. No, that... I don't. 
Because I'll drive drunk. No, no, but but how do you how do you get around? Uber, man, and, and 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 beforehand, girls. I mean, that's how I got around. No, I don't drive because I I would drive drunk. I know someone else like that. I actually know somebody who got like three DUIs and he finally just gave up. I never up. got a DUI, bro. Yeah, no, but I, I, I know I know somebody who did, and and he just decided I'm just done. I'm not going to drive anymore because I'm, I'm afraid I won't be able to control myself and I'm just going to drink all the time. So he just doesn't drive now. Hey, that's my guy. <laughs> how long has <laughs> it been? That, hey, by the way, we won that over. Yeah, I saw. Uh, how how long has it been since you've driven? Uh, I I actually got pulled over in Canada one time when I was like 18, and I didn't have any ID or anything. I had a permit. This is no lie. And they put me in jail for like about four hours. I was handcuffed to a thing in Canada because I had no ID. They asked me, how did I get into the country without ID? This is a long time ago, too, man. I mean, I'm 42. True story. And that's the last time I drove, man, from Niagara Falls back to Pittsburgh. So you haven't driven in 24 years? Nope. I don't drive, bro. Wow. I mean, I understand now if you've got this, these issues, but I, I didn't know that 24 years no, you haven't I, driven. Because I, I, listen, man, I drank all the time, man, so I don't drive. I drive drunk. But if somebody told me that, that uh, in fact, I, I can tell you a, a more recent personal story. When I had these major, major anxiety issues in in August and early September, I I was concerned that maybe I wouldn't be able to drive, and that by itself was stressing me out. Even if I couldn't drive for a few weeks, that would I, I would flip out. Bro, if I would drive sometimes, even if I'm not drunk because of my anxiety, and that's why I, I know you were going through that with your stuff. Anxiety is the worst thing, man. It really is. I mean, like I would just wreck. I mean, like I wouldn't even be able to do it. I was able to drive okay, if, but it's just it's just like when I get stopped at a, a traffic light, I, I would kind of start to like go in a little bit of a panic. I, I, there was nothing unsafe about it. It was just kind of a little tough on me, but I was able to do it. But then, it, then you know, it improved. Now it's no problem at all. Now I'm totally fine with all that. But uh, uh, but but I, I'll tell you, a concern I had was if it got much worse, I was going to have to stop driving. And I was saying, well, crap, I don't want that because to me, like if someone said. Like you can't drive for the next two weeks, that that would be really tough on me. Like it would be very tough for me to deal with to not be able to drive for two weeks. I I, I can't even imagine for twenty four years. You get your sister's bike out then. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have hired Ken Scaler to be your your chauffeur. Yeah. No, I can't. He doesn't have a license. Well, he doesn't drive. Uber's for now, man. I mean, think about this. I did this without Uber before, so and I got around. Trust me. Yeah, I guess I guess Uber has changed a lot as far as that. I, I've barely taken it. I've only taken Uber, uh, uh, I think, two times in my life. Yeah, only two times uh, ever. It's a great thing now, man. I mean, even for if you're going to the airport or something, man. I mean, because a taxi around here in Pittsburgh, they don't even pick you up on time. Like, they just don't, especially in Morgan. They just don't come. I, like, I'm being serious. Like, it, like I went to Vegas the one time. I went on a trip. I, I was late. Thank God, it was right before 9-11, too. I was running. My pants were falling down. Thank God I only had two carry-ons. Or they wouldn't let me on the plane. They waited for me. But if that was right after 9-11, I wouldn't even have got on the plane because the taxi was late. I mean, so, like, hey, thank God for Uber around Morgan. So, so here's, here's a question for you. Um I know when we talked to you before on the show, you were, you were living with uh, Grandma Rosa, and we know about you know, yes. her unfortunate uh, passing. Uh, do you live in her house still, or what? what what's happened no. since then? No, no, I, the house is getting foreclosed on. I think 
I mean, I don't, listen, I didn't live there. I went there. I stayed there. I mean, I didn't have to stay there. I love my gram. She was on the show. And, no, I mean, like, my aunt was supposed to take it over. It's getting foreclosed. I mean, it's all fucked up. I don't know what's going on. I should have bought it. I mean, it's a piece of shit house. But, I mean, if my aunt would have told me what she uh, my aunt supposedly was paying on it, and their share fucking sells on it now and everything. So, I mean, it's going to go. Hmm. It's a fucking duplex, bro. Yeah, well, no, I'm just wondering, so, so what is your living situation now? You live alone? <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in the residential neighborhood. You, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely residential. Okay. That's, next to Miss Jenny. Uh, that's good. All right, so... Uh, Eric, is there anything else uh, about this that's worth discussing at this point? <laughs> I this mean, guy's I, a genius, by the way. I mean, like this is the smartest guy. I think he he, he should actually host the show. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that it's going to be really really interesting in the next month or two if they actually find any assets beyond ones that they think he's already disposed of. And what they intend to do with that information, if they, if they, you know, if they can verify it. And again, I really, again, the, the law nerd in me really hopes that he's able to put this bond together and post it. And I, I don't even, actually, I don't even know if he can appeal anymore. The judgment's probably final. Uh, his time for appeal is probably over already. But in the event that it's not, I, I would really hope he can get that done because I just think there's a much bigger issue here, um, overall. And I think it's important that, uh, casinos can't simply, um, go after winning players, uh, especially ones that aren't cheating. Yeah, that, that really bothers me too. I, I really don't like the, the, the whole idea of that. So, uh, well, because let me let me ask, let me ask what would happen if I just had a hot run at blackjack and just kept pressing my bets and you know playing three or four spots and next thing you know I'm up fifty or hundred thousand and it's you know. And they say, "Sir, I'm sorry. You are counting. You're cheating. We're, we're not. We're not cashing you out. What, what could I do? There's precedent for this. Yeah. You know, my my law. If, if I sued the casino, I'd lose. You know, there, there's already precedent that says, uh, you know, I don't have to be physically touching the cards or or doing you know any kind of cheating to be denied uh, my winnings if they you know make a strong enough case for counting or essentially uh, playing with some kind of advantage." And I, you know, that's going to be the next one. That's the next lawsuit that's going to happen. Is it's going to be uh, not edge sorting, but it's going to be some other type of advantage. Well, I, I, I could easily see it with some, some of the. There's, there's, there's these slot machines. I, here's where I could see it happening. There's these slot machines that uh, advantage players can figure out that the jackpot is going to be hitting soon, and then they play it at, at the at an optimal time where. Uh, they're still risking some money, but but to where it becomes positive expectation to hit the jackpot, whereas normally, of course, it's not. So I could see something like that occurring, where they win a big enough jackpot to where they try to make the case that these advantage players were were cheating in some way to know when to start playing, and 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 therefore uh, they're going to deny them payment. I, I could see so- something along those lines, where they'll refuse to pay someone and say, okay, well, go ahead and try to sue us. And I, I, I hope that day doesn't come, but who knows? Well, I mean, that already happens in the Indian casinos now. I mean, that's, you know, win a car. No, you don't really want this car. You know, we're going to, we're going to 1099 you on the whole thing. One, 
you know, take this Honda instead, or you're taking, you know, small cash equivalent or whatever. You know, they, they do that all the time because it's their own sovereign and they can essentially make their own rules. But there's a gaming commission, you know, and they have to answer to that. But, but you're right in that if they turn around and say, well, the whole purpose of these slot machines is for the thrill of this random victory. And it's not meant to be calculated so that you show up uh, Tuesday at 11.08 a.m. and immediately start playing this one particular machine because you've scouted it or you somehow tracked when, you know, this is due to hit. And so because of that, we're not going to pay you. You're right. I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Yeah. So I, I, that's hopefully it stops here. Hopefully this is the uh, a one unusual case because of the whole, the whole edge sorting element and all that and the fact that it's, it's so much money. But who knows? It may not be. It may be the first of many. We we haven't seen any others in the U.S. since this one, but it hasn't been all that long yet. So we'll have to see. Because no none of them have been eight figures. Yeah, yeah, I know. This, this, that's that's what's unusual here is that it was a such a large amount of money and it involved an advantage play and it involved an advantage play that had deception in the way of uh, not cheating, but but in the, that they had to lie to the casino to get the casino to do what they wanted. So that's uh, that something. How old's been smoking? What was that? Yeah, how old are you, bro? Forty six. Wow, guy's ahead of his time, man. He really is. Well, forty six isn't that young. I mean, you guys talk about. I mean, it's crazy. Well, forty six isn't that young. It's not like he's he's twenty six. No, I'm, I'm saying though, he's not old though. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, Listen, he's, I'm just gonna move to California and get in trouble and hire him. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? I, I have to say that, that that's a good age though to to hire professionals in in most fields. Like that's that's kind of what I look for. Like a doctor, I don't want the doctor to be seventy years old, and I don't want the doctor to be thirty. I, I like when I the doctors like my age. Uh, not because I want them to be the same age as me, but I happen to be at an age which I think is perfect for where they have a lot of experience and and yet uh, and a lot of maturity, and yet yet they're not old enough to where they're uh, either going senile or, or too set in their ways. So, um, th- though, Eric, you, you told me that uh, you actually got into, uh, you, you weren't an attorney right off the bat, right right out of uh, out of school. It, it, you, you joined that later. Yeah, I was actually an IT guy. Uh, my, my undergraduate degree is in MIS, and I was actually working in the entertainment industry at first, and it, it, part of like what they were, at the time they were calling it new media, which is like the very, very beginning of like streaming and that technology. And I worked for Lionsgate, uh, who was a much, much smaller company then than it is now. And from there I went to Liberty Media and then the dot-com bubble burst. And so I had some other like IT manager jobs and stuff like that. And just sort of eventually I landed at Kaiser, which is a very large medical provider, you know, a large string of hospitals. And I was in uh, regulatory compliance and I did that while I was going through law school. And so then when I finished law school and passed the bar, I said, okay, it's time, you know, time to go to private practice. But I already sort of had that compliance and, and re, you know, regulatory compliance background going into private practice, and that kind of helped, you know, kickstart things. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, people can hear you on the show. They can say, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Bad guy's impressed. The bad guy is so impressed he wants to come to the California and get in trouble and have you help him. I mean, it's uh... a... <laughs> uh, <I'm> <laughs> the, the call I'm waiting for is from... Uh, Ken Scaler gets sued for causing emotional distress at the Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to need some help. That's, that's the one I'm waiting. Yeah, the, the janitor will come in and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm cleaning the bathroom here." Anybody? Oh my god! 
Yeah, well, I'm telling you, one day he's going to forget to, like, turn the slack or whatever, you know, like, to turn the lock. Somebody's just going to walk in. Yeah. Well, okay. That's... Uh, <laughs> You know, you know why? You know, since you're bringing this up, there actually is a um, there actually is a story, not about a janitor or anything, but uh, this was many, many years ago. This was in, in the '90s. But he was there was a there were two clubs. He lived in, in Long Beach at one point by Cal State Long Beach, and there were two clubs that he went to. One was called Live Bait, and one was called Bar Winkles. I think both of them are gone now. But Bar Winkles, he he was there, and he was looking at the girls there and he he just couldn't help himself. He had to he had to go to the bathroom and and, and relieve the the stress so to speak. So th- there was nobody in the bathroom, so he figured he was safe and and he he sat in the stall and he was getting close to being finished, but I guess there was only one stall there in that bathroom. So some guy comes in, you know, has to take a crap sees someone's in the stall, walks back out, walks back in, walks back out. Well, Ken doesn't realize it's the same guy walking in and out. He just thinks maybe, you know, he doesn't know why someone's coming in and out every so often, but you know, no one's attempting to get in, so he doesn't, he doesn't think anything of it. Finally, the guy yells through the door and saying, what the fuck are you doing in there, man? It was, it was a Mexican guy. What the fuck are you doing in there? I'm waiting to take a shit. Why can't you get out of here? So Ken's going, Chico Loco. So, yeah, so Ken's going, uh, I'll be I'll be, I'll be, out in a second. I'll be out in a second. And Ken just wants the guy to go away so he can finish. Obviously, with this guy yelling at him, he can't get anything done. So uh, Ken's going, I'll be out in a second. So the, the guy uh, so the guy goes, no, man, I've waited long enough. You're getting out right now. And he, he backs up and he kicks the door in. And so the door oh. of the stall goes flying off, and Ken, and, and so no, but Ken just pulled up his pants in time to where it looked like you know he was just f- finishing going to the bathroom. So the guy wasn't realizing what was going on. But uh, can you imagine what if when the guy kicked the door open like it shot in the guy's face? Can you imagine that scene? <laughs> but uh, but so the guy the guy never knew, and and uh, then Ken quickly got out of there. And he said it was a really big guy too. So uh, that 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 was almost uh, almost a bad scene for Ken that he just he just barely got out of. He didn't expect the guy to kick the door in. So, Fantastic. Yeah, this is what makes this show great, man. Yeah, they don't. They, I don't think. I don't think on the on the Dat Poker podcast with with Adam Schwartz and Terrence Chan and Daniel Legrand. I don't. I don't think they talk about someone uh, jerking off in, in bar winkles or or anywhere for that matter. I don't. I don't think that's ever a content. I don't think it's ever been content on their show or on the Two Plus Two Poker Cast. I, I. I don't think any other poker show discusses things like this. I have a feeling this is unique to us. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's good. Next, next time it's going to be Chris Hansen outside that door doing a Dateline sting. I don't know anymore. He got he got uh, his, yeah. He just got in trouble. Yeah, he got he, he got his good name oh, ruined. Right. I mean, that's not right. not about anything sexual, but he he uh, that that was very surprising because it was so weird the way it all went down with Chris Hansen because he he ripped off some small business that he had them make a bunch of promotional material for him and that. $100,000 worth of stuff and then just didn't pay them. It kept stalling, 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 and it was clear he was broke. It's kind of like these poker players who, who borrow money and can't pay it back and make up excuse after excuse. He was basically doing the same thing. But, but what was weird about this, it was like some promotional material. It wasn't like essential stuff. It's not like him paying his rent or, or his car payment. This is just stuff 
he didn't need to have made if he couldn't afford it. So that's what was so strange about the whole thing. But it's clear that he was broke, and then I think he gave them a bad check. Whatever it is, he ended up getting arrested for it. It wasn't just a debt, because you're not going to get arrested for that. But he was actually, I think it was a bad check. There was something criminal he did uh, in, in that whole process. I had read about it. I forgot what it is now. But it's either a bad check or, or some kind of misrepresentation. Or yeah. If he had been smoking, you would never heard about it. For real, if he had been smoking as the lawyer, you never heard about it. (laughs) Thanks, but I I don't think I could have gotten him out of that one either. Uh, Bouncing a big check like that, (laughs) yeah. And he just he just restarted two years ago. Uh, He revived his old show. I actually was watching just before this happened. Of all things, I happened to find on YouTube the revival of of his To Catch a Predator show, which has a different name now. It's basically the same thing, though. Right, it was Crime Watch Daily. Yeah, yeah. So I watched some of those, and and then just like like the next, I, I watched a few of those, and then like the next day after I started watching them, the story came out about him being arrested. And I and these shows were like from 2016, but I think they were going to make more. So I, I I think this is probably over. I think he's probably screwed at this point. Because uh, what well, ripping off people that he uh, what did he he didn't do anything really wrong. Well, no, he, he did. He he, he he no, he ordered a bunch of stuff that he couldn't really afford, and then and then wrote a bad check. It was weird because I said it wasn't essential things. It was it was items that he could have just. Who the fuck writes checks anymore? Well, when you don't have money, I guess <laughs> you want to stall them. I guess that's what you do. E checks, website. Yeah, websites in his e checks. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, the, I, I don't know if you guys. I know some people on the line here have heard the story, but Yebsite is someone who used to post on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, he still lurks sometimes, and every once in a while he'll pop up and post. But I first talked to him in 2008, and he told me in 2008, watch out for full tilted poker stars. They're not what they seem. He was warning me, and he somewhat had an idea of what was going on with full tilt. Oddly enough, he didn't fully have it, but he, he told me there's something going on with the banking there that's not right. He, he said some other things that weren't true about the, the about rigging, but he did he did mention that uh, about the banking and that that isn't what it seems. And and he was right about that. And, and that he knew for sure because he eventually exploited it. And what he did was he realized that full tilt was instantly crediting deposits before they actually take the money out of the bank account through those electronics fund transfers. In fact, at one point, they didn't have a payment processor, so they were just giving you the credit and then figured, we'll find a way to take the money later. So what Yebsite, once he discovered that, he just made tons of dummy accounts there and would enter just fake bank info for them, make deposits, and then just dump it off to people. And he wasn't the only one doing that. No, he probably wasn't, but he was doing it a whole lot. I mean, he he said he probably made 100 accounts or something and did this, or more than that. And he kept begging me to play him heads up, and and he wanted to play for like a $2,000 freeze out. And when we were playing heads up, at first he was just running incredibly well, but he didn't want to win. So then he started playing worse and worse to where he was just really almost like dumping off the money because he was just playing astoundingly bad, like where it was clear I had a big hand, he'd just keep capping it with me on every street. And I go, what the hell is he doing? It's like he's trying to lose. Well, he was trying to lose. And he wanted to play, eventually wanted to play so badly that no matter how good his luck was, he'd lose to me. And so I won $2,000 off of him. 
And then he actually approached me you know, later on and said, hey, um, can you give me a piece of that? I was actually chip dumping to you. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know that's what you were doing. I would have never been a part of this, especially because I don't want to get my account closed. I don't want to be part of this whole thing. So I said, no, I'm not giving you anything. And if you, if you had told me, I wouldn't have done it. So I was going to ask you if you got your account froze after. No, I did. did I didn't because I only did played him once, and I guess they. Uh, I guess I had enough action on there at those low. See, had I been like a new account that just showed up and played him heads up, and he dumped to me, that'd be a different story. But because I was playing those limits anyway, it didn't. Or look, on Bovada, it, it didn't look suspicious. What, what about Bovada? Yeah, I, I didn't even been spoken for that. I'm not even going into that. Who cares about that? Yeah, that's why I got in trouble when I came on here and I said to him, "Oh, you can just uh, you can do whatever to Western Union." Remember, they went back to that thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I know they went back to that crap, man. So, yeah, yeah. Stupid. Well, I, I was something stupid. I said drunk, but whatever. I got ripped off for twelve grand, <laughs> and I totally earned it, bro. Wait, you said something stupid when you were drunk? No, <laughs> I, always, I always do. I say so much stuff on here. Everything's true too, man. So I say too much. No, but no, I always do. That were you? No, I said something on the site, man. Like, oh, you could just dump this and whatever. Bavada went back to it. So it's on here. It's on this site, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. It, it happened here. Now, here's here's a question. When you made those tennis picks in the middle of the night, did you? Uh, were you drunk when you made those picks? No. Okay. Listen, they, I mean, they I were good picks. I won, so I'm not. Uh, listen. I kid around a lot on here. I say, but I, I, when I came on here, I always could be myself, man. You let me. So I, I, I say the truth a lot. Sometimes some things are made up or whatever. I mean, did I get to the final four in the poker thing? Because I'm drunk. That's true. I, mean, I forgot serious. about that. I forgot. I, know what I'm doing, I forgot that spring classic you made to the final four. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Listen, I, I, I act dumb a lot on here. I mean, you know that, man. I mean, I really do. But I love everybody on here. I love Ben Smoking. I love fucking Trederuski. I love all the people in the chat. I love you letting me co-host tonight. You're the, the this. Hey, listen. I went to jail twice because of this site. Two <laughs> times. Seriously, Ben Smoking. You hear that? <laughs> twice, bro. Because I owe child support. No lie, man. The the girls called the cops on me. They knew where I was at. The cops came and picked me up two times because of this shit. So, so the girls yeah, so were, the, I do say a lot of dumb shit drunk. So the girls were listening to the show just to locate you. Yeah. Are you shitting me? <laughs> well, at least I, I can tell you both times. At least I got additional listeners. At least no, I got something no, out of it. you let Josie do a whole fucking show after she put me in jail, man. I, <laughs> yes, you did. I was in jail that day. I, I didn't think Josie put you in jail. Yes, she did. Well, how did she, she called the fucking cops on me after Rosa said, somebody likes black cock. That, remember that? My gram said that on your show. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. remember that, but uh, so I, yeah, I don't want to go to jail again tonight. So I'm in a secret location myself. So I'm good tonight. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, I'm telling you, they came at two thirty in the afternoon and arrested me. I had child support warrant. Whatever, it's not great, but I did. And guess what? I wish I'd have known it only cost twenty five hundred to take care of it. And so that's that, what it cost, and I got out of it. But do, I was you, almost in fucking jail on my birthday, bro. I had to sit down there for like four days because when you have a child support warrant, they don't pay no attention to it. Now, do you do you owe any, owe any child support currently? Hell yeah! What do you mean? I have twenty <laughs> grand child support still. So, so no, how I'm saying I, I owe it, man. How many how many kids it. do you I'm, have? I'm, I'm up to date on it. I, I lost track of this. How many kids do you have? I have three kids, man. The the only kid I owe child support is the one kid. Agreed to, 
in the beginning. Only one kid, man. Like I don't have. Like, listen, I didn't have a kid until I was like twenty three. Seriously, I, I I was real careful when I was young, man. And it's just the alcohol got the best of me at the end. It so, really so, did. So so one one's probably around like nineteen. And how old are the other two? No uh, one. No 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 not nineteen. Come on, nineteen. Get the hell out. He's at twenty three. You're forty two now. She's, she's gonna be eighteen. My first kid's eighteen. My other two are young. What, well, I'm, what are you guys laughing? For? Listen, and I watch that kid every day. Like someone should have been paying me child support in the beginning. I mean, no one knows that whole story, but whatever. They don't care down there. Okay, so, so one's one's almost eighteen. One's almost eighteen. What are the other two ages? Four and eight. Four and eight. Now, now do you do you see these kids ever? Or what's what's the story yeah. with that? Yeah, I see them all the time. The, 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 I see my oldest one too. No, I mean every. I mean it's it, it's. Remember the, you even have a thing on here. What was it? Amnesty for Allegheny. Oh yeah, that's right, right, that's right. They were thinking. If they, <laughs> did that ever happen? Was there ever any any amnesty? No, they, no, I went down there. And I asked you. I called on the radio show. I mean, I didn't know if they were going to rule. I thought it was a fucking joke. No, no. But how do you see the kids without the mother calling the cops that you owe child support? How does that work? Listen, listen. I don't only owe child support for the oldest one. Okay, but how do you see, how do you see her? You just see her without the mother. Uh... I don't see the mom. Fuck that mom. Fuck her, man. She's done, man. <laughs> you know who that is? Yeah, no, no mom there. I mean, I just see my kid. I mean, that's it. I hate, I, I hate to be that guy, but can I ask how do you still owe child support to an eighteen year old? Because I, I, I got behind, she's a little I, adult. I, I no, because I got behind on it, man. I went. Listen, I went. I shouldn't say this. Oh, so all. You have arrears. Yes, I have rears. Yes, yes, sir. Okay, okay. Because I, I didn't understand how you're still paying child support for an 18 year old. No, that's how. Because I have rears. Because the one time when she pissed me off, instead of paying it, I shouldn't say this on here, but fuck it, I'm saying it. <laughs> I went to hotels, man. I, I could have paid the whole fucking shit. I stayed in hotels so much they gave me taxes back. And this wasn't no cheap hotels either. And that's what I did, man. Like, I'm a fucking retard, bro. Yeah, that's what I did. And I was on the radio. I mean, I, I did radio with you during those times. That's what I did, man. I'm an idiot. Because I said, fuck them. Dude, they came with a fucking SWAT team. To my grands, to my moms. A SWAT team. Wow, like, they, they, take, they, take it, they take it seriously there. In the, they take it seriously there in the, in the residential I've neighborhood. I've committed a crime in my life, man, other than what you read on the internet. I mean, like, seriously, I never hurt nobody. Are you going to come with a SWAT team? So I said, "Hey, we'll play the game." And well, we did. hey, uh, could I? Can I? I'm sorry. Could I? Can I ask Trader Ruski a quick question? Yeah, go it's ahead. A little off topic, though. Would, would you mind? I just you, you play a lot of no limit, right? Trader Ruski, you out there? Yeah, I mean tournaments. I do cash games. I play okay. limit. All right. So I, I, I was at the LAPC the other day. I just got to know if I really screwed this up or not. I'm sitting with about sixty big lines, and the button raises. This guy's been aggressive the whole day. I, I got pocket sixes. So I, I just call. In what blind. position are you? I'm big blind. This guy's the button. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Small blind calls, but the small blind, his call was his all-in. He was really short-stacked. I called. The flop is 245 rainbow. Mm-hmm. This, this, so this guy makes a bet, which was about half of my remaining stack. So you so checked to I, him and he bet? Yeah, he, he continued. His C bet was about half my stack. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm thinking to myself, I can't just call, right? I either have, either I must or I, I shift. Two, four, five, flop, rainbow. So I shift, and anyway, 
you know, he had Ace King and he had to, he, King, River's a King. He called and River's a King. But do you think that was stupid for me? To, should I just let that go? Well, I, th- I think you either shove after the flop or let it go. Because I think once, once he bets, because if you had just shoved automatically, he might have mucked it. But once he's already committed 30K more, then it's only 30K to call, you know? Yeah, because I checked the flop. I thought about that, too. What do you think, Trust? So I could have just put what, it on the flop. What, what, how did, what I don't understand. Of no one's asking the guy that made the final four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear bad guys. No, I, what I want to know if you had sixty, if you had sixty bigs, how how is uh, how how did half of your stack get in like already on the flop of that two four five? So, uh, so, so I had like I had like fifty eight k in front of me, and the blinds at this point were five hundred one thousand one thousand was the, the big blind. Yeah. To five, the small blind has fifty six hundred and chips left in front of him. So he goes all in. I call because it's forty six more for me to call, but but I've already got another thousand of big blind ante in there too, and and then the flop comes. I check the guy on the button bets thirty k, and so I've only got thirty one left. Or so he bet. Sorry, he bet it like almost my my remaining stack, something like that. Now it's a little fuzzy for him, but no, he bet thirty and I had fifty two left or something like that. So a little bit more than that. <laughs> And he had me, he had me covered by about four thousand. Yeah, I mean, if it goes down like that, you, yeah, you got to just. Uh... Yeah, I just think the play is to either shove on the flop. I mean, just shove after the flop, and you probably could have got him off of it. But he might be calling you with ace king. Yeah, just four five flop. I don't know. He, he yeah. can't put me on seven. Well, but you, 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 everything you, was better you, than him you, at that point. I mean, you you had him though. It's just it happened to catch up on you. But yeah, you, you had he, he was once you check, and then if he bets whatever piece of it, then it's kind of hard to get him off of it. You know. No, he was he was in bad shape there. Was he even the straight. Where, where was you in the tournament? Sorry, Jeff, to catch up. Where were you? Like close to the money? Was it? No, no. The, it was early. Just finished. Yeah, the rebuy period just ended. It was it was a really cheap. It was only one hundred twenty dollars buy-in, so it was like eight hundred and fifty people in it. Ah, okay. So it was, it was a huge field. But I could if if I win that hand, and I'm now I'm you know one hundred fifty, you know, one hundred thirty big blinds uh, in front of me. I could have coasted for quite a while. Oh yeah. But right. anyway, shove it, shove it. Yeah, you agree with <laughs> that bad boy, right? Just after yeah, bad guy, bad boy, bad guy, bad boy, <laughs> bad dad. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. No, but bad guy, right? Just shove it on the uh, shove after it, the bro. flop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I would, I would have checked too, man, because you, you know, you're trying to fucking suck him in. But I would, you gotta shove it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to suck him in. I think it's either I mean, what shove it. Doing then? What else? Are you, you're either beat by a set, right? I mean, like, what, what well, else? no, you can be beat by a sevens or better, but uh, yeah. but still, no, he's. A, I think it's clear that he's ahead. He's raising on the button with the with the small blind all in. He, you know, his range is so wide that sixes are sixes are probably good. good. Yeah, yeah, you don't huge percentage. You just can't. You just can't let it. With, with the way it played out, you can't let it go. You just you just happen to have lost there. But to, but think if it, you were in great shape, and if if it had held up, then you would have uh, you had a huge stack there, and it would have uh, it, you you wouldn't be regretting this at all. It's just it's just no, because, yeah. it, it's just a bad luck. it's bad luck, man. Yeah, it, it, it really is. That was man. that was just the way it happened. <laughs> okay. So, so I want to oh, do just okay, one of those so, situations. So I want to move on here to uh, the next topic. Now, Eric, uh, you need to go to bed. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, good. Hey, brother, you better stay up. I might be calling you in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a if you get a collect call, you'll know who it's from. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again for having me. Hey. I, I always have a great time. Okay. Thanks, 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 thank you, Eric. So as usual. All right. Anytime, guys. Take care. Take care, All brother. Right. All right, bye-bye. So Eric, no, no, Ma- Eric Benzamokin, always, uh, always a good uh, source of information here. and I, I like Ben Smokin, by the way. Yeah, that was a good name for him, Ben Smokin. I never thought about it. I never thought about it that way, but it's just the bad guy, just he just comes That's up with things. That's a fucking hell of a name, man. I mean, that could be a rust. Eric ben, Eric ben Smokin, yeah. Oh, fucking right. All these times I keep saying Ben Zamokin, it never, appears, it never occurs to me. Never. All right, so I, I want to tell you guys about uh, something completely different than what we were just discussing. We were just discussing a, a legal matter. Now we're going to discuss an online Twitter beef I had with uh, with two people, both female. So first, we got to go back to July 2018, and I was going back and forth with Emily Gillette, who is the wife of Pangelette of Penn and Teller. Um, I don't remember how I got involved in the discussion. I think it's because she tweets with certain poker players. She, she has some peripheral involvement with poker. She's not a poker pro or anything, but she does play sometimes and she knows some poker people. I don't really know the whole background with that. It doesn't really matter. But, uh, I saw she was having a political debate with someone. This is back in July. And to make her point, she linked Snopes.com as a source to show that she's of what she's saying is correct, so she said. So I pointed out that Snopes, while being a great site to use to reference possible Internet hoaxes, so if you, if you read something online that you think may not be true especially if it's kind of viral or even semi-viral, you can try to go look it up on Snopes, and often they will have already analyzed it, and they're very good at either verifying or debunking Internet stories. Usually they are hoaxes, but I've never seen Snopes end up being wrong with anything like that. So with that sort of thing, they're great. I have a lot of respect for them for that. But they also started getting into political fact-checking. And the problem with political fact-checking is that it has to be done by someone who is neutral. Or, alternatively, by a team of people which have the same number of people on each side politically. Because, try as you may, if you are on one side or the other politically, especially strongly on one side or the other, it's going to influence your fact-checking. And you know, if you're biased to the left, if you're if you're a liberal Democrat, you're going to be uh, very biased in the fact checking uh, towards that direction. If you're a conservative Republican, same way. So you can't have like everyone on one side of the spectrum checking facts politically, or you're going to get uh, bad fact checking done because it's very biased and there will be uh, a lot of inaccuracy. So that's what I found. The Snopes is very, very left-biased, and it's easy to tell after you read enough of their political fact-checking. 
So I pointed that out to her, and she just wasn't accepting it. And we went back and forth, back and forth, and then she just got stuck on this whole thing of, you can't show me even one example of them being politically via the left. This person, person keeps trying. Whoever's calling here, please stop. I'm, I'm, we're not taking calls right now. I don't want to have to shut this off completely. So she was... Uh, She was just telling me, I've got to cite her an example. And I said, I'm I'm somewhere right now that I can't look this up. Because I wasn't at home. I wasn't on my computer. I was on my phone. And I was trying to tell her, look, they they don't have a process. I even showed her an article I found which which was very critical of of Snopes and, and the way they go about it, showing that they don't they won't make their process public, that they won't make public the political leanings of who does the fact checking that uh, they basically just say, trust us, we're checking the facts, and they won't reveal anything else as to why you should trust them. So I was trying to show her that, but she kept saying, okay, well then, where's one fact that they checked that was wrong? So I was like, god damn it, you know, I just don't have a way to easily look this up on a phone right now. Well, fortunately, there are other people in the conversation, so one guy found one pretty quickly and showed it, where they said something was... Uh, uh, like misleading caption when in, in, in fact it was totally untrue. I think it was something about uh, about putting kids in boxes at the border, something like that. That it turned out it was a staged picture, and that uh, instead of just saying the whole thing was staged and fake, they just said it was a misleading caption. So the guy pointed out that you know, whenever it's something that uh, the left put out, then they find a way to either say it's true, partially true, or misleading caption. If it's something the right put out, they find a way to say it's totally untrue. So he showed examples of this. Well, she still wasn't uh, backing off. And keep in mind, I wasn't asking her to concede her part of the argument. I wasn't even getting involved in the particular political argument she was having. I was just having, I just wanted her to concede that Snopes was not reliable, that Snopes was biased. And it's fine to admit that a site you like is biased. I, I know right, right-wing right bias sites that I wouldn't trust to do fact-checking. So that's all I wanted her to admit, but she wouldn't. So at the time, I remember saying that it's clear your left-wing bias is preventing you from being able to see that Snopes is unreliable for political fact-checking. And she said, I'm not left-wing. And I could have sworn she said that she was a conservative or a Republican, but uh, now she denies she ever said that and is claiming that she has always been a libertarian. So I, I can't remember for sure. So maybe she did say she's a libertarian. I don't remember her saying that, but she definitely made it clear that she wasn't a leftist. And kind of around then, I just kind of just ended the whole thing, stopped tweeting to her, and that was that. And I kind of forgot about her. I, I, I wasn't really following anything she was writing. I didn't actually follow her on Twitter, so I wasn't seeing her feed or anything. I was just, She was kind of out of sight, out of mind for me for quite some time. And then I saw a few days ago that she was interacting. Hold up, hold up, hold up, yeah. hold, up hold up, hold up. Yeah. Was that a Pepsi drink? No, it's water. Well, okay. I, I'm making sure, man. I don't want you to get that shit back. Yeah, no, you're drinking something. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, I always just drink water during the show. That's always been the case. How about vodka and water? You ever try it? No, I, I, I never drink vodka. 
I know. You're not a drinker. <laughs> I'm going to get you drunk when I meet you. Okay. But, I, you know. I want to. You're not going to get. You know, you wouldn't have a drink with me? I, I, I just don't really drink. I mean, it's it's not something I do. You can't have a couple drinks with me? But it's just not something I do. I don't enjoy it. Come on, Jeroff. Jeroff, we get a Shirley Temple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Shirley I mean, Temple. I'll get you whatever you want, man. I mean. I'm actually kind of afraid to anyway, since I had these these LPR problems. I'm afraid it'll worsen everything. But uh, anyway, let me go back to the story here. The, the so it was on uh, February seventh when this was going on. So it was only uh, six days ago, and she was. She, I saw Emily responding to. Anna Kate, who we've had on the show before. She was the one who was on uh, Survivor, and uh, she was a poker player for some time. I don't think she is anymore. Nowadays, if you look at her t- Twitter, she's mainly tweeting out a lot of uh, right-wing political stuff, which I didn't even know when I had her on the show. I didn't even know she was uh, right-wing politically, but she is, and that seems to be her focus these days. And she actually has a pretty big following on Twitter because of her appearance on Survivor. So... You know, I think we had her on the show twice. We had her once to talk about a scam, which she was somewhat of a victim of, and then we had her on a second time to talk about the survivor appearance. So I saw that uh, Emily was responding to Anna about some political topic. So I asked Emily, okay, when are you going to admit that you're a leftist? And she said, I'm not. I'm a libertarian. And I said, well, I remember you saying you were conservative. She said, I was never conservative. I've always been a libertarian. And that's what I am. And I said, well, okay. Then how come if I scroll back in your Twitter that you have hundreds of tweets bashing Trump and the Republicans, but not one bashing any Democrats or any leftist policies? It just seems like every single one of your tweets is Republican bashing, mainly Trump bashing, but also just Republicans in general. And I I said, look, I I understand if you don't like Trump. I'm not saying you have to bash both parties equally, but if you really are a libertarian like you say, then you should have a problem with things that both the left and the right are doing. But if if all I can see scrolling back, 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 back on your Twitter is hundreds of anti-Republican tweets and not a single anti-Democrat tweet, I have to think that you're, you're, you're not being honest here. I have to think that you are a leftist and don't want to admit it. So we were going back and forth with stuff like that. Okay? Then uh, Melissa Hayden, who's been around in poker for a long time, I don't think she plays much anymore, in recent years, or I guess semi-recent, that's not recent anymore, but I guess for her it's recent. She, she's best known for two things. First of all, I believe she was the last person to have played poker with Stewie Unger before he died. And he was like playing his bottom dollar, supposedly he lost his last money to her, and then he then he died from a drug overdose. So she's known for that, and then she's also known for uh, being Alan Cunningham's girlfriend. And she's a lot older than Alan Cunningham. Of course, Alan Cunningham has always looked like way older than he really is. But she is a lot older than he is. He's, he's younger than me, and she's a lot older than me. I'm not I think she's like, she's pretty old by now. I think she's like late 50s or 60s. She's, she's pretty up there. Uh, 
but but uh, there was some suspicion at the time that she was actually a beard because there was a lot of suspicion that Alan Cunningham was gay, and and back in uh, in two thousand six, that was uh, yeah, it's still it was a different environment then. It, it was thought that back then, if you're a gay poker player, that it would really hurt your ability to to get in endorsements and sponsorships. Uh, being gay wasn't nearly as accepted back then as it is today. So when those rumors started swirling around when he was uh, getting very deep in the main event, Melissa stood up and claimed that she was his girlfriend. And some people thought that she was just a close friend of his who volunteered to be the fake girlfriend in order to quell these rumors. I don't know if that's true, but that's what was being said at the time. Anyway, <clears throat> she's on Twitter as uh, at Melissa LVLA. And as I said, I haven't seen evidence of her actually playing poker anytime recently. She's more of an old school player. But I guess she knows Emily Gillette in some way. And she responded, Emily is a hardcore libertarian. It's such common knowledge among her friends that it couldn't be used as a trivia question. So, okay, whatever. I wasn't going to answer that. But then came another response that I didn't expect from a person I didn't expect to be involved in this whole thing. Joy Kendra Brown, also known as Joy Miller, wrote, Don't know what the question is because the nerd Todd blocked me after he called me the week I had my baby on his radio show to pretend to hire me for a job, and I called Las Vegas Police Department. Uh, I, I called the Las Vegas pol- uh, Police Department. Uh, police. She put it. I called an LVPD, meaning I called a Las Vegas Police Department officer I knew to ask him to stop harassing me. Hmm. So the first question you may have is that true? It, it, you might wonder. Did I really do that? Did I really call her the week she had her baby on my radio show to pretend to hire her for a job, and then she had to call the police to get me to stop? Did that really happen? Well, sort of. It wasn't this radio show. I don't remember it that well, but I think it happened. I seem to have some recollection of it. Um... But I do believe we we made one prank call to her, which wasn't, uh, from what I remember of it, it wasn't super hostile or, 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 you know, of course it wasn't threatening in any way. Or it was just it was just a joke. We called her up and well, uh, you should have had me call her. That would have been yeah. Awesome. Then it would have been threatening with you on there. I know we've, we've 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 had bad guy on before, and he just erupts on people. But I, I knew better than to do that. But um, I did. Yeah, I think we did do uh, like a fake job offer or something. To, and just uh, think we said some ridiculous things to see how far she would uh, take it before realizing it was BS. I don't know anything about calling a Las Vegas police department officer. She knew no, no, no police officers ever contacted me. Uh, not one. So that, I, I don't know if that's a lie or she just thought she was reporting me and nothing happened, but I never heard from any police about this. <coughs> um, but um, I also did not block her. She claimed I blocked her right after I called her on the show. This would have been a long time ago because this show's existence since 2012, and this is the previous show. So this is back in 2011, okay? And she's claiming that 
I blocked her back in 2011. Totally untrue. She blocked me. So that's why she, she, she was telling the truth. She couldn't see what I was writing. And the reason she was responding is she saw that Melissa and Emily, who she's faced, uh, Twitter friends with, that they were responding to, you know, at Todd Wittellis, and she recognized the name. And that's why she said, I don't know what the question is, because that nerd Todd blocked me after he called me. So, yes, we... Slander. We, yeah, yeah, so yes, we, we pranked yeah, her. Who we, says that, though, man, for real? So I yeah. mean, like, she's a fucking piece of shit. I mean, like, you're a nerd. You're the smart. You're one of the smartest motherfuckers I know. Well, th- thank you, but I- I'll-, I'll get to the well, whole. I'm being ner- serious, man. I don't care what they say. Well, you are. I'll-, I'll get to the nerd thing in a second. Actually, there's a- there's a reason she writes that, and it- it's more to it than you think it is. So, uh, so yes, probably like eight years ago, we probably did make one prank call to her. But there's a big backstory to the whole thing that that she didn't present there. She just acted like we were just harassing her out of nowhere. Right after she had her baby, like, I, how cruel are we to, to make prank calls offering fake jobs to her on the radio right after she has her baby? How cruel is that? But no, it's a lot more to the story than this. We've got to go back to 2007. In 2007, Joy Miller, who never really was a poker player, but she was in poker media. She had various poker media jobs. She organized a charity tournament at the Playboy Mansion. Now, some people don't realize this, but the Playboy Mansion, even when uh, Hugh Hefner was alive, it it wasn't what it appeared to be. Uh, what, what they really did with the Playboy Mansion was rented out a lot, where people would have parties there, but these would be private parties. They'd have nothing to do with Hugh Hefner. There would not be playmates there. Sometimes there'd be girls hired there to almost act like they are playmates, but There were a lot of private parties that took place there where people just paid for the ability to have a party there. Um, So Joy rented out the Playboy Mansion for a charity tournament. But she organized it so poorly that she didn't allow enough time for the tournament. So the charity tournament, which already took a huge rake. They, They take like... Um, I mean, gigantic. It was $1,500 to enter, and they gave away three prizes total. I don't know how many people entered, but a, a lot did. So they only gave out three prizes. First place was a $10,000 main event seat for the World Series of Poker. Second place was like some you know pretty nice big screen TV, which was worth a lot at the time, not anywhere near 10000 But And third prize was... Uh, I don't know if third prize got anything or some crap. It was either nothing or something not very valuable. And then fourth got nothing, I know for sure. So 1500 buy-in, you can imagine they, they collected a lot of money from this. The, the entire prize pool was probably you know less than 15000 So they stupidly didn't allocate enough time for this tournament. And even as it was progressing and it was clear not enough people had busted, they didn't adjust. They, they didn't... Uh, speed it up or you know make the blinds go up faster or something they they just sat there and let it happen so got down to the final three and terrence chan who then was unknown was one of the three i know a really drunk steve Daneman was 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 another one i forgot who the third person was but when they were three-handed terrence was already unhappy with some of the things that were going on like annie duke was sitting behind Steve Daneman and giving him advice on how to play each hand, which of course you can't do in a tournament. 
And uh, some other things were happening that were inappropriate, but then the worst thing happened when they announced that they are basically out of time and said that, okay, so what we're going to do is uh, you're going to play a few more hands. And I forgot how many more hands they're going to play, but you can play 10 more minutes, whatever it is. And then we're going to just do it by chip count. It's not going to be split up like by, by how many chips you have of, of, of how much person gets of each prize. It's just whoever has the most chips gets first, whoever has the most second most gets second, whoever has the third most gets, th- gets third. Well, Terrence was in third at this point. So Daneman was like, eh, I, I. he was so drunk, he didn't even understand this. So like he wanted to enter hands and they were trying to tell him, you know, like I think he was in first. They were trying to tell him like, don't bother. Like Andy Duke kept like telling him, no, no, don't play any hands. Just fold, fold, fold. So the two in first and second just colluded against Terrence to just fold, 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 fold. So there was no way he could catch up, which was awful, of course. And Terrence, <laughs> Terrence complained and nobody cared. So Terrence got screwed and, and, and he didn't, uh, he didn't win. So he was really unhappy about this, and he wrote this in his blog. And his blog, his, his blog had a little bit of a following. As I said, this is not the same Terrence as you know today. It's the same person, but nobody knew him back then in 2007. A few people knew him because he worked at Poker Stars for a while, and then he was a, a Limit Hold'em player. But he was really a nobody in poker at that point as far as notoriety. So... Um, he complained to Joy Miller, who who organized this whole thing, and he said, "Hey, you know, um, this wasn't fair to me. I, I was denied a chance to win because it was just abruptly told to us that first they're colluding against me, but, but you, know, for, you know, first first they're getting outside help from from people like Annie Duke during the during the tournament, which is unfair, and then second, when you guys abruptly announce it's over, uh, the other two just collude to not play any hands and to fold every hand, so this way there's no way I can catch up. So this wasn't fair to me, and he's right." So he said to Joy, can you do something for me? I paid 1500 to enter this. I understand the value isn't very good in a charity tournament, and I, I understood that, and I was happy to do this for the charity, but at least I wanted a fair chance to win. And, and you didn't give me that here, so can you do something about this? And she was incredibly nasty to him, incredibly. And the reason she was so nasty to him is that Joy has always felt that if you are not a celebrity or someone very important, that she, or at least that she deems important, then you're beneath her and you don't deserve any respect. So Terrence Chan in this case, because he was not a known person in poker, she had never heard of him, she felt that not only was he not going to get anything – as compensation for this, but that she was going to be rude and nasty to him. So this is from his own blog written back in 2007. And there's a reason I'm telling you guys all this. I'll get to it in a second. But this is the type of stuff that she said to him on the phone, according to his blog. And I believe it all. Quote, I know everyone in poker. All of them know I'm in no way shady that I do good work on this charity. I'm here with the people at Card Player, Poker Pages, and other media outlets. So good luck with your career. So she's already threatening that you know you better you know you better not question me or otherwise I'm going to have you shut out of any kind of coverage. And then back in 2007, that's a big deal to not be covered in tournaments. Uh, she, then she said to him, remember, "Remember one thing, Terrence, you're not Johnny Chan, you're Terrence Chan." Basically telling him, "Because you're not well known like Johnny Chan, uh, I'm not doing anything for you. 
you don't you deserve nothing because you're a nobody. She also said to him, I think you're shit. <laughs> she she also said, You can ask anyone on two plus two and anyone who knows me that I'm totally honest and not shady at all, and if you post on two plus two, there will be a few wannabes that don't know me, but everyone that knows me will just laugh at you. So what she ultimately agreed to do was uh, to just give him his fifteen hundred back as if he never played, which of course isn't fair. You know, he he got up to the final three and was denied the chance to to, to compete for it due to their own incompetence and their stupidity with allowing the, those other two to collude. So uh, she also was mad that Terence's blog made the charity look bad. So she was mad at him and yelled at him for, quote, talking shit about her charity. And, and then she also uh, went on to 2 Plus 2 later, when this, was, when this whole matter was brought to 2 Plus 2, and was posting there about how Terrence is such a piece of shit who wants to take money away from starving children. I mean, can you believe she used that angle? She, they cheat him out listen, of money man, there. I can't listen to this no more. This, this chick's a fuck-up. Well, yeah, she is. So, I can't even listen to this no more <laughs> without saying something, man. I, I I sat here and listened to you say, I mean, what's wrong with this chick? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what, what's wrong. with. Well, I don't know fully what's wrong with her, but she is one of these girls that she has this totally unjustified belief that she is important, that she's in with a cool crowd, that she's above everybody else, and that anyone she doesn't think is on her level, meaning... If you're not a celebrity or a well-known person in poker or so, someone she deems important, that she gets to look down on you and step on you. And that and that's basically what she's telling the same Terrence back then is you're a nobody in poker, so screw you. And then she actually had the nerve to lecture him that he's trying to take money out of the hands of children because that's where this money was going to the charities that he should just eat it. And, and she actually berated him on 2 plus 2. It didn't go over well. People really gave her a hard time, but... Berate, you know, she berated Terrence on 2 Plus 2 saying that uh, he's an asshole who's trying to you know, steal money from starving kids. I mean, it was really awful. And she, she came off horribly. And this this uh, really backfired on her because here she was telling Terrence, you're a nobody. Go ahead and take it to 2 Plus 2 if you, quote, wannabes are going to take your side. But everyone else is going to laugh at you. She was so sure that she's in with the cool crowd, that the cool kids are going are gonna to have her back. And yeah, that right. – and that, when it all comes down to it, he's going to look like the fool. Well, that's not what happened. His blog got a ton of views. It was a very big threat on 2 Plus 2, which at the time was a much bigger site than it is today. 2 Plus 2 was super active back in 2007. And and, and almost everybody in that thread was against Joy. I mean, it, it was <clears throat> – of the people in that thread were against Joy. I'm not even exaggerating. And she came into that thread and, and made a, a bigger fool of herself, and she didn't understand. She – she was so of the belief that she's important and that she's above everybody else and everybody respects her so much and the people that matter respect her so much, blah, blah, blah. She didn't realize that there was going to be such a strong backlash to her. So this really stressed her out. It was her fault. I don't feel bad for her. But this really stressed her out. This is the first time she had any kind of backlash from the poker community. And it was a strong backlash. Well, this story made it over to Neverwin Poker, which is where I was posting at the time. And I was a moderator on there. Um, what did I do? Well, it was kind of complicated for me because my girlfriend at the time, Miri, had befriended a certain group of people in Vegas. And this group was what I called the Joe Seabach group. Joe Seabach was the, kind of the head of it, but then uh, it also included Brandon Cantu 
and uh, and Tiffany Michelle and 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 uh, Hollywood Dave and, uh, and various other people who were uh, in that whole little clique. Uh, Rick Fuller was another one of them, and and you know, so she hung out with them. I was I sometimes tagged along. I I, I never really cared for that group too much. Jeff Madsen was another one part of that group. Like some of them were okay, like Jeff Madsen. I thought he was he was a nice guy, and I got along with him. Uh, you know, some of them I liked better than others, but uh, all fly by night poker players. There's a lot of them were, but you know, yeah. I I I I just I didn't really enjoy hanging out with them. I I, I kind of just tagged along sometimes. Usually, I just let Miri go by herself with them. It wasn't all the time. It was just you know they'd have some parties. She'd come and. Anyway, Joy was part of that group, too. I don't know how Joy knew them, but probably from Poker Media, she got to know some of them from interviewing them, whatever. She became friends with that group. She was like a hanger-on to that group. So the first time Miri had introduced me to Joy, it was actually before this thing happened with Terrence. It was like in 06. And I met Joy, and I already didn't like her. She didn't do anything to me. I just, I already got the vibe from her that she was arrogant that she looked down on people, that she thought she was hot shit. And what she really reminded me of, and it turned out I was right, it, 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 what she reminded me of, and, and you, I'm sure most people listening to the show have known girls like this, she reminded me of like the ugly chick in high school who is really, really easy and has sex with a lot of different dudes and somehow believes that that makes her popular and that that makes her better than everybody because, you know, if she's had sex with, you know, such and such popular guy, then, you know, she's got to be really hot herself, right? Well, of course not. But, you know, they, they delude themselves to believe that, which is fine if it's only just to give themselves a good self-esteem, but it's not fine if they use that to then look down on other people. And that, that that's exactly how she came off to me. And that's exactly what she pretty much was. She was someone who, uh, who was very easy from what I heard. And, and, uh, was very overtly sexual with people. Even she distributed she distributed pictures herself of of guys putting their their heads in her chest and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, there's a gift that's going around of uh, that went around back then of of Todd Brunson like dry humping her from the back uh, with her clothes on. It, it was it was uh, she very much embraced the uh, I'm very sexual and I'm proud of it role. And she believed. Well, I don't her- want to interrupt you. Can I say something though? Yeah, I love you. This is why I like, love you. You don't back down from shit. You got a bunch of shit on here because you said all that. Am I right or wrong? On the floor? yeah, 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 I did, and, and, and I'll, I'll and get. This it. is why I love you. Yeah, thank because you. you. Don't back down from shit. Yeah. So, so she. I, do, man. I, I love you. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. So she, she was very much someone who believed herself to be much more important, much more attractive, and having much more credibility than she really did. And the problem is, if you questioned that, or if you didn't, uh, if you ever criticized her for anything or questioned anything that she had to say, then she was very, very vengeful, and then she would take it out on you. So that's that's why I told this story, because let me go back to Never Win Poker. So 2007, this story breaks. I read Terrence's blog. I read the 2 plus 2 thread. Now, was I friends with Terrence? No. I, I, I knew of Terrence as a limit hold'em player, but he and I were not friends then. We're not friends now. We've never been friends. In fact, he even said on the 2 plus 2 poker cast at one point that uh, he doesn't even care for me that much. He doesn't hate me, but he, you know, he doesn't like my personality that much, and that's fine. But, um, you know, what did I think of Terrence back then? I, I 
you know, I, I didn't know him, but he seemed like an okay guy. I still think he's an okay guy. Uh, I, I, I could tell he wasn't the type to create drama. I could tell he's not the type to lie. Usually when he writes a post about something or a blog about something, I believe it. And that's still true to this day. So I believed everything he wrote about Joy, especially from what I had seen of Joy up to that point anyway. And this really bothered me that there's this person in poker media who's mistreating poker players like this and, and then you know first screws them out of a tournament and then yells at them on the phone and, and degrades them like this and thinks that they're above them or you know, mocks him because he's not as well-known as Johnny Chan. But at the same time, I knew that Miri hung out with that group. So I wanted to write a really scathing post about her because I hate people like her. But I moderated it a lot. I, 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 I just kept it to a very matter-of-fact, kind of like I agree with Terrence sort of thing. Joy Miller is wrong here sort of thing. I didn't, I didn't write the scathing post I really wanted to write because I didn't want to make it awkward for Miri. But at the same time, I, I didn't want to completely keep quiet because I really felt strongly about it. So I kind of picked a middle ground. Well, I heard nothing from Joy about this, not even through Miri. So I figured she just never saw it. I figured she just didn't read Never Win Poker. Well, I was wrong. She did read it. And she was furious. And she hated me for that. And I didn't know it. So two years passed. 2009 we're in now. World Series 2009. And Brian Mikon, then my friend, did a, he was a guest color commentator on one of the ESPN 360 streams of one of the final tables. That was something they were doing that year was they would allow poker pros to come into the booth and be basically the color commentator. There was an English guy named uh, Nick Gieber who did the announcing on the, on the ESPN 360 stream. ESPN 360, which got to later be known as ESPN 3, was an internet-only channel that streamed a lot of the poker final tables at the time. doesn't anymore, but it did back then. So I thought it was pretty cool. Wow, you know, you're on the ESPN internet version. And, you know, I, I thought... I, I thought it sounded cool. I wanted to do it. There was no pay, but it just sound, sounded like fun. And I saw Mike on did it, and Mike on really enjoyed it. So I asked Mike on how do you get on here? Mike on said he got to go to Nick Eber and, and ask him. So I walked into the media room there where they did that, and I saw Nick, and I said, Hey, Nick, uh, I am a limit hold and bracelet winner, and I do broadcasting every week on Neverwin Poker Radio. So... I definitely would be qualified to do this. Uh, I would like to be the color commentator for the $10,000 Limit Hold'em event. The only way I won't be able to is if I'm at the final table of that because I'm playing that event. But, you know, let's be honest. It's hard to make final table. So in all likelihood, I won't make the final table and I'll be available. So Nick said, okay, sounds great. I'll see you then. I said, okay, what do we do? How do we set this up? He says, well, you know, give me your phone number. And I will call you on the day of the final table, which is two days, you know, which is two days after the event starts. And, 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 you know, you'll come down a little bit early and we'll get you set up and you'll do it. I said, okay, great. 
So I thought it was all set. Went to go play the 10K Limit Hold'em, and I bricked it pretty badly. I was out pretty fast. And while I was upset about that, I knew at least that I was going to be broadcasting the final table. So after I busted, walked over to Nick and said, hey, Nick, I busted. I'll be available. He says, okay, I will call you in two days when the final table takes place. Well, that night, Miri went to a party. Again, one of those uh, Joe Seabach parties. This is before all the uh, controversy involving Joe Seabach and UB, by the way. The UB scandal had happened, but Joe Seabach wasn't involved with them yet. So she went to one of those parties, and Joy Miller was there. Well, Mary knew that Joy worked in that whole media portion of the World Series, and in fact that she was involved with the ESPN coverage. So just making conversation, she said, oh, you know what? I think it's so cool that Todd's going to be doing the Limit Hold'em final table broadcast in two days because you know, he's really excited about that. And you know, I, th- I think it's really cool that uh, you guys are letting players do that this year. And I know Todd's really excited about it. <laughs> you know, she's just telling Joy that because she knows Joy's working there and Joy's going to see me. She had no idea that Joy hated me. And Joy says, oh, no, wait, wait a minute. Are you telling me that Todd's doing the Limit Hold'em broadcast? She said, well, yeah, you didn't know. No, I had no idea, she said. She said, well, he's not going to be doing that. There's no what fucking way I'm going to let him do that. In fact, he is never going to be on ESPN as long as I, as long as I have to say about it. And Mary says, what? I, I don't understand. What, what's your problem? What's your problem with him? And Joy said, that asshole went and ragged on me about Terrence Chan two years ago. He shot his mouth off. He didn't understand the situation. Uh, said a bunch of shit about me. So I hate him. And he will never be on ESPN as long as I'm working here. I will make sure he's never there. He won't be a commentator, nor will he ever be featured on there. He will not be on ESPN at all. And it turned out this is what she was doing at the time. Joy was one of those awful employees who would use their job as a weapon against people they have personal grudges against. So she would pick people that she disliked in poker and would deny them coverage on ESPN simply because she personally disliked them, which is a huge no-no. That's not keeping your professional and personal life separate. That's abusing your power at work. People should be fired for doing things like that. But she felt she could get away with it. She felt that she was the queen over there, and no one was taking it up with her bosses for whatever reason. So she she was getting away with it. In fact, she had denied David Skolansky coverage starting from the year for, year before because of a problem she had with him. And I knew about that, but I I didn't like Skolansky, so I didn't really care. But uh, I, I remember thinking at the time, wow, that's that's does kind of seem like an abuse of power to me. So she was basically telling Miri the same thing that happened to, to me, that I'm not going to – not only will I never be covered by ESPN, but I'm, I'm going to be banned from – being a color commentator on their broadcasts. So Miri could not reason with her. She just flat out told Miri it's not happening. So Miri came home and told me. And I said, oh boy, I cannot believe this. And Miri said, what did you say about her? You know, I I didn't realize, why would you have done that? You know, I see her socially sometimes. Why would you have just attacked her on the internet? And I said, I didn't. And I showed Miri, I showed her the one post I made, which I can't access anymore. I show you guys, but 
never when poker's form is long gone, but I, I I was showing Miri, I go, look, this is one post, that's all it was. And I was very gentle about it. But that was Joy. You dare say a crossword about her, you dare say anything critical and she hates you and she's going to get revenge on you. So this was her revenge. Well, I wasn't going to take this lying down. As bad guy says, I don't just back down to anyone. This was unfair. Now, this is a job without pay, of course, and this is uh, just something I wanted to do as a little hobby, but you know, who was she to do this to me? She doesn't own ESPN. She, she's just an employee there who happens to be uh, in charge of putting together these broadcasts, but she she wasn't empowered with the ability to deny people being on there just because she doesn't like them personally. So I got really mad, and I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow this up all over the internet. I'm gonna go on Neverwin Poker and post about this. I'm gonna go everywhere I can." I was banned. You should have. What was that? Was that? You should have done all that. Well, yeah, I, was, I, I, I was, I was about to. I was about to. I'll tell you what stopped me. And did, and did you have your girl's blessing to do that? So no, she was and still guess in what? And can I say another thing? What? I, and I'm not against Mary, but fuck her too, man. You found someone else better after this, man. Fuck these motherfuckers. Well, no, this is you, this isn't her fault though. This, this isn't I know Mary's it's fault. It's not her fault. It's not. But I'm saying, man, you I, did the right thing here. Okay, well, I'm sure Ben's mom will be glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, from, from Ben smoking, he, he's backing me. <laughs> I, I I don't know about that, but okay. Uh, so what what happened was that. Uh, I wanted to blow this up everywhere. I wanted to publicize it everywhere that Joy was doing this. Not just to me, but that this is a habit of hers to ban people from ESPN due to personal grudges. So I called up Mikon, who I knew was kind of friendly with her. And I told him what I was about to do. And he said, whoa, 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 don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. You know, I'm, I'm friendly with Joy. I, I'm sure I can get this whole thing fixed. And I said, no, Mikon, you don't understand. She, Miri told me she's furious about this. She's irrational. Uh, she believes I, I have this vendetta against her about Terrence Chan, even though, you know, Mary tried to explain I'm not friends with Terrence Chan. It didn't matter. She, she just, you couldn't reason with her. So, Mikeon said, no, 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 look, I know how to talk to her. I, I can take care of this. Just please give me a chance. Please, please don't do anything. If you post this stuff on Everyone Poker, it's, it's never gonna end. It's, it's just, please just say nothing right now. Let me call her. I'm gonna reason with a girl. I know her. I know what to say to her. I'll, I'll get this whole thing fixed. I said, okay. So Mike on called her up. This was now the day before the final table. Mike on called her up and said, uh, "Yeah, hey Joy, I heard there's a problem with with Todd, and you don't want him to be on ESPN doing the the broadcast. And you know, I, I want to let you know he and Terrence aren't friends. He made just one post two years ago. You know, he didn't really care about it that much. He just he just opinionated. He says something about everything. He just didn't agree with you, but it's no big deal. There's no hard feelings. And so." Joy stops and goes, wait, 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 Mikeon. No, 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 no. This isn't about Terrence Chan. I, I don't care about that. In fact, I, I, I didn't, I hadn't even thought about Terrence Chan since, since until you brought it up right now, which is complete BS because she told Miri it was about Terrence Chan. Little lion whore. Yeah, completely. So, so Mikeon, she, so, so Mikeon says, okay, well, it's not about that. Then why don't you want him on there? She says, well, I've met him before. I just don't think he'd be good at this sort of thing. And Mikeon said, oh, no, no, no. You've got it all wrong. He's, you listen to the radio show. He's very comfortable on the air. He's very comfortable with broadcasting, and uh, uh, he's very good at explaining things. And not only that, he has he's got a bracelet limit hold him. He's perfect for this. So uh, of course he should be on. So then she's like, oh, she thought to herself, oh crap! I the excuse I had ready 
it doesn't work. She didn't realize I did the radio show. She didn't realize that I had a bracelet and limit hold them. She, you know, she, she didn't know about any of this. So the excuse of I wouldn't be good for it was not valid. So she said, ah, uh, well, um, okay, Mike, I didn't realize all that. You know, I'm going to go listen to to the show. I'm going to go listen to your show there and I'll see. And, you know, if, if he does sound good, like you say, then, then, uh, I'll, 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 no problem. He'll be right on there. This isn't about Terrence Chan. Trust me. I have, I have no problem about that. No, I, I, I forgot about that whole thing. No, I'm going to go listen and, and, and I'll get, I'll get a hold of him and, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Mike on said, okay, good. I'm glad we, we got this rectified. Okay. Okay. Bye, Mike on. Well, she was just buying time. She was just stalling. She didn't want me on there, but didn't want to admit to Mike on that she was holding a grudge because, you know, she, she, she liked him and she didn't want to create a fight over this. So she figured all she had to do was just kind of stall this until it was passed and that would be done. So Mikeon came back to me, told me it's, it's all fixed. But then he described it to me and I said, Mikeon, she didn't commit to anything. All she said is she's going to go listen to the radio and let me know. I, I bet she's not going to do anything. And Mikeon's like, well, I don't think so. You know, she wouldn't lie to me like that. I said, I'm telling you, I don't believe it. I, I, I think she just told you what you wanted to hear and I'm still not going to be on. He said, look, here's what you need to do. I think she really took such a beating over this Terrence Chan thing two years ago. Maybe if you just send her a really nice text message and tell her you're excited to be on the, on, on the broadcast and that you have no issue with her and that you, you're sorry you got off on the wrong foot and that uh, you'd really like to get along going forward, blah, blah, blah. You know, send her a really nice text message like that. And once she reads that, she'll warm up to you and, and she'll have no issue with you being on there. He goes, trust me, I know this girl. I go, I don't know, Mike, on this. I don't want to send a kiss-assy text message like that to someone who I think is really, you know, trying to to keep me off of there in, in, a, in a malicious and vindictive fashion. I, I, I feel like a chump sending her a message like that. He says, no, no, just trust me. Her ego's bruised. Just send her the text message. You'll see. I know her. This will work out. I was like, okay, I guess. So I sent her a very nice text message. No response. Not yes, not no. Uh, what are you doing sending that text message? Well, I regret, I regret it now, but I regretted it right away after I sent it pretty much, after I hit send. I mean, you should listen to my car on the fucking Bitcoins, not the fucking text message. Yeah, that's right. I should, that's what I should have done. I should, <laughs> yeah, I, after that, you never listened to it. Yeah, I, I should, that's, what, that's what happened. Then a few years later, he's like, hey, hey, Druff, we should buy these Bitcoins for $5 each. Like, Mike, you were wrong about the text message with Joy. No, I'm not buying Bitcoins for $5 each. You're crazy. <laughs> So, 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 uh, so I sent the text, no response. At that point, I felt like a complete chump. I wish I could take back the text message. And I'm sitting here waiting, 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 no response. So, a, a good game started up. I think it was on Cake Poker, some, some poker site I was playing that night. A, a good game got started. And I said, well, the final table's at 3 p.m. And the, the game was going really like late at night, early into the morning. So I was playing at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. I'm like, you know what? If they happen to call me to come down, I'm going to be too tired. But fuck it. There, there's no way they're going to call me. There's no way they're going to call me because you know, clearly she didn't answer the text. Clearly I'm still banned from there. Looks like I'm going to have to blow this up on Neverwin Poker tomorrow. Might as well finish this poker session out. And I played all the way until noon and went to sleep. Remember, the final table was at 3. Sure, I was not going to be on. Well, 
As I was sleeping, some drama occurred. At the ESPN studio at the World Series, uh, Joy Miller informed Nick Gieber that the expected color commentator, me, was not going to be there. She said that she told me that I'm not welcome. And that, uh, you know, she told him a bunch of BS about how I'd be terrible for the job anyway, and, and I'm a jerk, and, and she, you know, she, she doesn't want me there. And Nick didn't really know me. I mean, he, he, I was a stranger to him, so he's like, okay. You know, he, he, he wasn't taking one side or the other, but if Joy says, uh, you know, that I shouldn't be there, he, he said, okay, I guess I'll trust you. So he, so he said, and in, in his English voice, so, um, if, if it's a, the broadcast is today, so, uh, if it's not going to be Todd, uh, who's, got, who's it going to be? And Joy said, oh, well, you know, it'll be Bernard Lee. You know, Bernard Lee, he's going to come down here this afternoon, and he always fills in when we need him to. So we'll let, we'll let Bernard do it. I'm sure he'll do a great job. So Nick said, okay. Bernard gets there about 145. Remember, the, the final table's at 3. And uh, Nick says, uh, hey, uh, Bernard, uh, glad to see you here. Um, you're going to be doing the color commentary for the... Uh, for the 10K limit hold and final table. I'm sorry for the late notice here, but uh, we had a bit change in plans here. Well, Bernard freaked out. Bernard said, what? Limit hold him? I'm not doing color commentary for limit hold him. I don't, I don't know limit hold him. I'm not a good limit hold him player. And you're going to have me, you're going to have me do color commentating on a 10K championship event with these great players making advanced plays. How am I supposed to explain this? I, I don't know the Who game. Who else will be better than that than you? Yeah. So he says, "I." So 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 Bernard says, "I'm absolutely not doing it. I'm going to come off as a fool." He said, "If it's no limit, fine. I'm a good no limit player, but I I am I'm absolutely not going to do commentating on limit hold'em. I'll, I'll announce limit hold'em, but I will not do any strategy commentating because I don't know the game well enough, and I'm not going to sound like a fool on ESPN." So Joy kept telling him, "Look, you've got you've got to suck it up and just do it. You're the only one we have." And you know, she tried to reason with him, but. Bernard said, absolutely not. You just dropped this on me right now. I would have told you a long time ago, I'm not going to do this because I don't know the game well enough. So then Nick said, well, that settles it. I guess we have to call Todd after all because we don't have anyone else. And Joy said, no, no, you're not going to call him. You're absolutely not going to call him. He's not going to come down here. And Nick said, well, who the bloody hell do you think is going to do it then? It's an hour till we're going to be on. We have no one. Bernard won't do it. So what are we supposed to do? And then a big fight there. And Joy was screaming at him that Todd is absolutely not going to come down. He's, she's not going to be in the same studio as me. Absolutely fucking not. Nick was even trying to ask him, what did he even do? What's so bad about him? Why can't he come down? What has he done to you? And she wouldn't even explain it. But she just said, it's not happening. Well, Nick and Joy were, they were at the same level there. Neither one was the boss. Yeah, I was going to ask what her role was, where she's yelling at this guy who's going to be on TV. You know, on TV well, her her role was like being a idiot. yeah, her role was being a bitch. But but, but uh, what's her role? What you, you want to limit bracelet, right or wrong? No, I, I did. Yeah, so, so no, I know. I, I mean, like, who the, the fuck is the whole event? And and how you talk? I mean, they know who you are, right? Well, yeah, but she she had the grudge against me, and Nick, Nick didn't know who I was. Yeah, I know. Fuck her, man. This bitch needs to burn. No, Nick didn't know who I was. He was relatively new with this. So so what happened was Nick had the big fight with her. Basically, he's saying, we've got to call him. We have no one else. And she's saying no. 
anyone but him. So Nick is saying, we're out of time. There is no anyone else. So Nick said, okay. I said, okay, I'll give you till 2. If at about 2 p.m. you have no one, I'm going to call Todd and tell him to come down here. So if you've got you've got 15 minutes, go ahead, do it, and uh, see what you can get. They should have called you. So well, so 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 Joy tried and tried. She frantically called people, and nobody could come down on that short no, They should have called you. Well, hold on, hold on, bad guy. You've been drinking a little too much, you're a bad guy. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I, they should have called you. Well, I, yes, hold on. You, you know, you're killing the end of the story. Bad guy, you've, you've got to, you've got to wait. I know. I let him lead up to what happened. Sorry, you sorry. Get all your answers. Okay. I'm so, pissed. Okay, so, so listen. So, so then 2 p.m. comes. Joy cannot get anybody to come down. So Nick says, all right, I'm calling him. Pick him the, I'm picking up the phone and calling Todd now. She screamed at him. And said she's leaving for the day and stormed out of the studio not to return the entire rest of the day in protest. So my phone rings. Of course, I have no idea this is all going on. I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping in my Las Vegas apartment. And my phone rings and I answer. And Nick says, uh, uh, hello, Todd. Uh, so are you coming down here to do the broadcasting? And I go, wait, wait, wait a minute. He woke me up. I go, I've, I've, I've only been asleep two hours and... No one told me that I'm coming to. I was told that I, I can't come. Joy, Joy Miller said I, I can't be the broadcaster. And she's, he's, oh, no, no, nonsense. Of course you're the broadcaster. Of course you're doing the color comment. Anyway, that's what we said two days ago. So, um, um no matter. So, so I apologize for the confusion. Um, can, can you still make it here? And I go, I don't know. I've only been sleeping two hours. I'm so tired. Uh, uh, so then I thought of something. Then I, I, my mind cleared a little bit. You know, after being up for maybe you know thirty seconds a minute, I my mind started to clear a little bit, and I thought, you know what? What did Mikeon tell me yesterday? Mikeon told me if I send that text message, that Joy will soften and invite me to do it. And I thought that's what had happened. I thought that Joy, this was Joy's way of inviting me back. I had no idea that she just screamed at everybody and walked out on the job because uh, I was coming. I had no idea. So I thought, okay, fine. They should have told me yesterday, but all right, I've really wanted to do this. I'll just deal with the fact that I only had two hours of sleep. I'll get up, and I said, okay, you know, this is really short notice, so I may not get down there in time, but I'll try to try to make it by three. He said, oh, no, 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 just just you know, do your best to get down here. If you don't, um, we'll do that you for a few minutes. Don't don't no no worry about that. So I rushed down there, got there by three. But I wasn't doing the color commentating with Nick. No, I was doing it with Bernard. Bernard was now the announcer. So he'd announced the cards and everything else like that without commentating on strategy. And I was the color commentator. Nick was just kind of milling around. He wasn't doing anything there. I was like, why is he even here? Why is, why is Bernard doing the announcing today? I thought this is weird. But I didn't say anything. Well, the final table lasted quite some time. Many hours. In fact, the whole thing took 10 hours. I enjoyed it all, though. I really enjoyed the experience. I'm not sorry about that part. But near the end, when we were when they were on a break, and I, we had the microphones off, I said to Bernard, he said, you know what, I'm kind of surprised you're the one doing the announcing. I've always seen it was Nick. I mean, I, I know you've done the color commentating, but uh, I've never seen you as the announcer here to these events. And, and I see Nick is here, so why isn't it him today? I'm just curious. He said, oh, oh, well... I, I thought they told you. I said, told me what? He says, oh, well, you know, I was supposed to, they asked me to be the color commentator when I came in at 145 today, but uh, 
I told them I know nothing about Limit Hold'em. There's no way I was going to sound like a fool. So, uh, I so they ended up calling you. I said, "Oh, well, why did they just tell you at 1:45?" I said, "I don't know. There's some big fight between Joy and Nick about it, and a lot of screaming, and she walked out. And uh, anyway, when the whole thing was done, Nick said he was kind of stressed by the whole thing and asked if I could just do the 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 announcing and and you, know, you with you being doing the color commentating and so I agreed and uh, as kind of a compromise so here we are so I was pissed I was pissed because I thought I was coming down there because Joy had uh, finally softened not that I was I was actually bailing Joy out without her realizing it because had I not come down they would have had no color commentator and probably their boss would have asked why is there no color commentator. And then probably Nick would have told them, and then Joy would have gotten in trouble. Here I inadvertently saved her ass when she was objecting to me coming down so strongly that she, she quit working for the day. And screamed at everybody. All because I made one post agreeing with Terrence Chan. Keep in mind, Terrence Chan was not my friend. I didn't write anything that bad about her. I didn't insult her. I just wrote that I disagreed with her and explained why. Two years before that. One post. And for that, she was going to punish me for life through ESPN. So I was pissed that I was kind of the choice because they had nobody else because Joy was uh, refusing to let me come, but they couldn't find anybody to replace me. Yeah, but it was the best choice. So, so I, so I finished it out, and I was really pissed. And I went to Mike and I said, Mike, I'm going to blow this up everywhere and I don't care what you say and, and at that point I did so then Joy really hated me now a year a year later Joy finally got her comeuppance because Dan Bilzerian yes that Dan Bilzerian yeah and guess what I'm the one that made that joke just so you know <laughs> yeah I, no it's me for real look at the never win Twitter it's me yeah, I made. I was gonna say that the whole time. I made that joke. You made you know, the. You made the, the, the one with, the, with them going to the bar. Yeah, that's you know, you're, 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 how, how did Dan Bilzerian get that from you? I, I don't know. Okay, I, well, he he fucking retweeted. I swear to God, it's me. Oh, okay, it was a retweet. Okay, that's funny. Okay, yeah, I, it, 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 that was me, by the way, because I listened to your show, and I, I'm telling you, I was gonna say this the whole time. That's me. Just so you know, the the three the. Joy walks in the bar, blah blah blah. That's all me. I swear to God, in the Bible. Yeah. So, so this that's, is that's that's bad guy, brother. Okay. So this is yeah, so this is what it's, this is what happened. I didn't have your back back then. So 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 what happened was Dan Bilzerian. I, I thought he posted, but bad guy saying no, retweet. It's a retweet. It's a retweet. Okay, okay, it may have been, but uh, so the, it's a there's a tweet that said a Mexican, a Jew, and a colored <laughs> fellow walk into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, "Get the fuck out of here." Now, this was actually a quote from... Uh, yeah, it's a joke I got from the internet. Well, it was actually originally on uh, in Gran Torino. From, uh, right. Well, I didn't even know that. I got it from the internet. I'm the one that posted that, just so you know. Okay, okay. So so, so I guess, according to Bad Guy, that uh, Dan Bilzerian retweeted this, but it says in this article that, that uh, he posted, but it doesn't really matter. Joy saw this, and Joy is, is half black, half white. So Joy saw this, 
and was so outraged by it. Even though this is a movie quote, this wasn't just you know a quote made out of nowhere. You know, is, is it maybe inappropriate for someone as well known as Dan Bilzerian to tweet out? Yeah, maybe, but you know, Dan Bilzerian he just doesn't give a crap. He just tweets out whatever. So Joy was so offended by this <clears throat> that she decided that not only is Dan Bilzerian banned from ESPN, but so is everyone from Victory Poker, which was a poker site at the time that Dan Bilzerian was a sponsored player for. But every single Victory Poker Pro was banned from ESPN per Joy Miller as a result of that tweet. Joy just decided they're all banned from ESPN because she's mad. It's not, it's not like ESPN decided this. That if ESPN decided, okay, you know, we don't like this, this racist tweet, we're going to ban all victory poker from, from ESPN. Fine. That's, that's the company's decision. She decided on her own that they're all banned. Not just Dan, but, but they're all banned. Well, and, okay, drop. You have to say what the tweet was because I think it's relevant. No, I just, I just read it. It was my joke. No, I, I read it. I know, but I didn't know it. I didn't see it. No, I just. Was a joke. I got it from the fucking. I no, no I just, I, I just, I just said it. Trader Risky didn't hear. I just said it. Oh, but you said blah blah blah. I didn't know what no, the whole. You said thing. it all. No, it was the whole thing. A Mexican, a Jew, and all a colored right. fellow walk into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, "Get the fuck out of here." That was no, the entire get tweet. Get the fuck out of here, Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So, so, so that's bad guy's joke, by the way. So, so what happened was she she called up Who the that? Just she, she called she called up the CEO of Victory Poker, who, who was uh, Dan Fleischman, and said that uh, Dan Blarian, Dan Fleischman himself, and the twenty other sponsored pros on Victory will now be banned from ESPN until unless Dan gives her a formal apology. So, Bulzerian went to Joy Miller and said, you know, th- this, is, uh, this is from a movie. This was from Gran Torino. Well, she flipped out and started swearing and screaming at him. I and, swear to you, I didn't know it was from Gran Torino. And then she started sending a bunch of crazy texts to Dan Bulzerian about this and then also yelled at the CEO again of uh, Dan, Dan Fleischman. And uh, <clears throat> so then... She went and left this psychotic message on Dan Bilzerian's phone, a psychotic voicemail. And um, the the voicemail said, I don't give a a fuck if the quote was from a movie. I asked you to apologize because you said colored, and I I just don't get what you don't get about that. I don't even want an apology anymore. Good luck to you. She'd love to say that to people. Remember, she said that Terrence Chan three years before. That I know everybody in poker media, good luck to you. She loves to say that. Good luck to you, meaning I'm going to fuck over your career. Now, yeah, whether you threatening thing. Now, whether you agree with what Bulzerian tweeted, that doesn't matter. She was punishing him herself, not ESPN punishing him. She was punishing him with her job. So what did Dan Bulzerian do? Did he cower? Did he beg her to reverse? No. He just made a video. Where he called her out and played her voicemail. Listen to this. Texted an apology for me for making a quote. I don't understand what you don't get. Joy Miller requested a quote, uh, an apology, not ESPN. And I don't give a fuck if the quote was from a movie. I asked you to apologize because. And by the way, back you can't hear it because it's a, a Skype yeah, pro- problem. Just, 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 let, it's let, let the audience listen. It's the colored. It's really insulting, and I just don't get what you don't get about that. 
I don't even want an apology anymore. Good luck to you. Okay, so that was just a message I received about a half an hour ago from Joy Miller. Um, she told the CEO of Victory Poker that she was not going to allow any of the Victory Poker pros to be interviewed, no matter if they got to the final table or not, because I told a joke from Gran Torino. He's, I, I already told the story, but but basically uh, this became huge because it involved Dan Blazarian. And it got back to ESPN, and they were very unhappy about this. They... They were not empowering Joy to do things like this. This was not. Well, he part- wasn't big back then either. He wasn't that big back. He then. wasn't as big as he is now. But he was. He was. He was uh, uh, here's why I did it. He was on your show the one time. You guys fucking remember? He was on the show the one time. Uh, he or was he, actually on after that. He was on after that. So it must have not been why you did it. He was on no, after that. I, no, I, I I just did it. I'm telling you, that's my joke. You can go look it up. Okay, but, but I'm talking about Dan here. That because he was big enough to where this became, he's not as he 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 was not as famous as he became a few years later. I'll, I'll give you that. But he was already well known at that point, and this blew it up. And ESPN they had to address this. As did Bluff, who was working with ESPN, they had to address this. It was finally time for Joy Miller's day of reckoning. And at that point, all the stories started to come out. All the stories came out about Joy Miller. Abusing people at work, uh, about her yelling at people at work, about her abusing poker players, about her threatening people they're not going to get coverage based on personal issues. Everything came out that she used her position at work to bully people and that at work she was awful and constantly berated people and was nasty and, and bossy and, uh, and, and just really, really unpleasant to, for anyone to deal with. Everybody came forward with their different Joy Miller story. She tried to defend herself, came off even worse. Uh, basically, after that, she was run out of poker. Uh, Bluff told her that that they, uh, they're probably not going to be hiring her again. She says she was never fired. She wasn't ever fired because she was a contract employee, but she just wasn't brought back. She was basically run out of poker. No, she was toxic at that point. Nobody wanted to touch her, and... Most importantly, well, two things. Also, she had a baby. She got knocked up, and she had a baby. That was another factor. But she, the baby got older. She never returned to poker because it was all ruined. It was all ruined. The, the, the respect that she loved to say everyone had for her, the status she thought she had, it was all in the toilet. She was toxic. Nobody wanted to touch her at that point because she. all the stories came out. So that was that. So... My last dealing with her was actually on Dockdown Radio in uh, the spring of 2011, towards the end of my time on Dockdown. And Joy and I were fighting back and forth, um, mainly about what had happened two years prior. And I remember I got really mad at MyCon. It was one of the few times I ever hung up on the show. In fact, it may have been the only time. I actually hung up on the show. Because I was so mad at Mycon that he took her side. Why? Because he claimed I was, uh, you know, berating a pregnant woman because she was pregnant at the time. As if that matters. You know, if she's a bitch and if she's in the wrong and she's screaming at me, of course I'm going to berate her. I'm not giving her a pass because she's a pregnant woman. I don't know why Mycon wanted to kiss her ass, but for some reason he did, and he threw me under the bus and was, you know. 
taking her side on the show. Everyone reacted really angrily to that. Everyone bashed Mike on for it. I even found an old thread on 2 Plus 2 of people bashing Mike on for it. Uh, everyone felt she was in the wrong and they thought he was really betraying me. And that was really a sign of what was to come, that he was going to completely... That joke happened after that, right? No, the joke was before that. Okay. This was in two thousand. Okay. This was in two thousand eleven, for sure. So, so she. Uh, this is a sign of what was to come because only four months later, Mike on and I were, were going to stop being friends, and I was going to leave the show or leave this whole site of Donkdown. So, anyway, uh, that was my last dealing with her. So, and she left poker. So, even though occasionally, you know, I'll make a quick reference to her. I, I really, you guys listen to the show. I never mention Joy Miller. It just, she just doesn't come to mind. It's an old thing. It's it's something I hadn't thought of in a long time. Now, what what about this prank call she was talking about? Well, sometime later, I guess maybe to uh, be a, by this point, she and Mike on their, their, I guess their relationship had deteriorated. We we made some prank call to her, and and off, after she lost her bluff job with ESPN and all that, we we offered a fake job to her as part of a prank call. Probably sometime like in the summer of two thousand eleven. And and that was that. But <clears throat> I, I I haven't had any interaction with her since then. I wasn't going to go dig up old grudges. I wasn't going to go start up with her after all these years. I mean, it's 2019 now. I'm over it. At least enough to not bring it up out of nowhere. So I couldn't believe when she was attacking me and and playing victim. I couldn't believe it. So, you know, I came at her on Twitter. And I made sure to do it on an account she didn't have blocked. I have a, I have a, a few Twitter accounts, one of them being Dandruff Poker, which I usually use just for my chip updates for tournaments. But I used that account to tweet to her so she could see it. And then she went back to calling me a nerd and that I, I, I wished I could be part of the cool kids and the celebrities and I never made it there. And that's so her. That is exactly... I'll read you the exact tweet. This is exactly what she is and always was, and she hasn't changed a bit. This so when I read it to you, you'll understand uh, you know, that what makes her tick, or one of the things that makes her tick, and and what made her tick at the time. Let me get to this here, because, and that's why she called Terrence Chan a nerd back then when that all happened. I mean, who's a nerd? Look at her. Well, that, that's... I mean, what is she, man? Well, that, that's that's part of the whole thing. So so she said... Let me get to this here. She said, here is, Poor guy was never invited to the cool kid's table at poker and tried so hard, I feel bad for him. He had online, He had an online nerd fan base that made him feel better about his lack of social skills. By the way, you guys are the online nerd fan base, in case you're wondering. Uh, and, yeah, but, but, but frankly, he was still just left out of the celeb poker scene, so he acted out unnecessarily mean. Now, in addition to this being like a long, one long run-on sentence that looked like it was written by a seven-year-old, uh, putting that aside, uh, this is totally not true about me. Anybody who's listened to me or read things I've written on forums all these years, uh, do I seem like a guy who kisses ass to celebrity players or, no. or, or want, wants the, quote, cool kids to, to like me and to invite me? No, I, I always just come out and say what I think. And it pisses some people off, and it makes some people not like me or or, or even be 
you know, wary around me because they're afraid that I'll expose something they did that, that isn't uh, right. I just come out and speak my mind and don't give a crap. I, I'm the last person who tries to get invited to the cool kids table. In fact, as I mentioned, I didn't want to hang out with that group. I, I, I would tag along a few times to do a favor to my then girlfriend, but I didn't enjoy it. And I, I told her I didn't really want to come along to these things. I was not the one trying to go to the cool kids group. In fact, if, if that's what I was trying to do, I wouldn't have gotten involved in never won poker, which is kind of the, the, uh, the, the misfits of the poker world. Nerds. <laughs> We're nerds. <laughs> so, so she likes to call everybody a nerd, not in the way you think of, not, not like just someone who, who who likes math and computers, and uh, the, that's not what she means. She means someone who's like lower on the social ladder than she is, and she still thinks she's up there. And and this is the truth is, the, this is well, the hard. Tr- the truth, what, what the real truth is. You want me to interject here? No, go go ahead. Yeah, tell us the real truth. Yeah, it's gonna be fucking racial too. The truth is, she's a fucking half breed, and fuck her. That's, well, the truth. that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say well, here. That's what I say. Okay, you could say it. But what, what I'm going to say is that this is a this is an unattractive girl who, who who has sex with dudes to boost her self esteem. Not anymore. She's married now. I assume she's not anymore. But but it had sex with dudes in poker and 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 in other places. She used to work as a reporter before that, outside of poker, and bragged about it in an article that I read that she used to have sex with guys to get scoops on stories. She thought she would, this made her so special that guys wanted to have sex with her. Well, newsflash: guys want to have sex with anything. Exactly. Uh, that just because a good-looking guy or a popular guy or a, 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 even a celebrity has sex with you, that doesn't make you attractive or special. That just makes you easy because there's a lot of horny guys out there that will bang anything that's willing. That's that's the truth. And but but this goes way beyond that. Is that she thought that she was on a level above everybody else? She thought she was part of the celebrity, popular, cool kid crowd, and everybody beneath her were nerds that she could step on and mistreat. And that tweet right there that she sent on February 8th, 2019, that I just read you, shows that she still feels that way. Notice she didn't say, you know, oh, Todd's a bad person. Todd, this, you know, no, it was, it was that I was, I was jealous that I couldn't be part of the cool kids table, that I couldn't be part of the celeb poker scene. She actually wrote that. And you guys know that's not true about me, but she still thinks that she was part of that. In fact, she even tweeted later and bragged that she was, uh, uh, that that she's still. Yeah, you should go back to that fat girl shit, because that that was real on that shit. Man, screw this chick, man. She's no good. You are a real guy, man. You never let anybody wrong in this fucking place. Yeah. Well, ever. what 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 happened was on 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 Poker Fraud Alert. You were on sixty minutes, bro. Yeah, I was. Uh, but on Poker Fraud Alert, people gave me a hard time. Not everybody, but some people gave me a hard time. For this tweet, this is one thing I wrote back to her. This is after she really threw down the gauntlet and said that I was the the nerd who who, who never could be invited to the celebrity poker uh, the poker table, and that's why I've, I've, I was being uh, the jerk. So I, I I wrote a number of tweets. One of them I called out about the Terrence Chan thing again, but then I also wrote this. This is the one that got some people in poker fraud alert mad. I wrote, I'm sure you guys remember that really ugly chick in high school who slept around with anyone who would have her, erroneously thought that she that, that meant she was attractive, and then looked down upon everyone with, with her, her new unjustified arrogance. That was Joy Miller in poker. Well, it was. I mean, it's the truth. But Yeah, you're right. But, but some people, some people on the forum, on the Poker Fraudler forum, 
especially the uh, male feminist types there, gave me a hard time saying that that was a misogynistic tweet. That it was it was a tweet indicative that that I hate women and 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 have no respect for them. That's not true. I stated the fact. This really happened. I wasn't making this up. This wasn't derogatory about women in general. This is derogatory to one woman who deserved it, who actually did the things I'm describing there. This is what she really did. I experienced it personally. Okay, so you know, j- just like if you criticize some guy for some crappy things he did. Uh, I'm not going to be insulted just because I'm also a guy. That'd be me. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like, what the hell? If anybody finds that what you said offensive after what you just told me, they're crazy. They're nuts. Yeah. So so, seriously, they're crazy, man. So I also wrote some other tweets like, did you know that that Joy Miller embarrassed ESPN so badly in 2010 with her psycho voicemails? The Dan Blazerian, the ESPN had had to deny she ever worked for them, which they did. They put out a press release saying, oh, you know, Joy never actually worked for us, which was technically true. She was working for Bluff, who was working for them. But it's funny that they were so embarrassed. I said, that's how toxic she was. She was so vindictive that despite everyone's hatred of her, most were afraid to speak up, which was true. A lot of people, until until she finally got fired, everyone was afraid to speak up because they knew. And by the way, Nick Gieber from the story, that English guy, uh, he got fired too. Not because of me. He got fired because of her. Uh, uh, not too long after this all happened, he was testing some camera equipment for the stream and he saw her bending down at the table. He goes, oh, well, so there's, there's Joey Miller's cleavage. Let's take a shot on that. So for that, she made a sexual harassment complaint against him and got him fired. Keep in mind, this is the girl that bragged in an article that she had sex with dudes for stories. Keep in mind that she, she, she took pictures of herself with guys putting their faces in her cleavage and posted them all over uh, what was then social media. Typical, typical fat whore, man. So, I mean, so she just didn't like him. And she wanted to get him fired, and that was the excuse. So he got canned. So this 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 is a terrible person. This is someone vindictive, abuses people with her job. Thank, thankfully, she uh, – I don't even know if she works anymore. I think she might be uh, – if she's married now. She This poor guy who, who knocked her up, um, from all – from everything I've heard about this guy, he's nice. Like everybody's had good things to say about him. He's supposed to be soft-spoken and nice and uh, – I remember he even sent us an email once about Joy. I think it was after that prank call to her. And you could totally tell she browbeat him into sending us the email. Because, like, Drop. He, but you know she gets good blowjobs, bro. I mean, she's been doing it her whole life. Maybe. And that's I, Tom Kensler. That's my name. I, I, Look I, me up. I don't even want to think about that. To be honest, like... But she does, bro. That's what she did her whole life. Well, I don't know, but I'm telling you, like, that's the type of thing. Her way I find, top, I find her so unappealing in every way. And I always have, but especially after all that. Like, I, I can't tell you how unappealing I find her in every single way. It's not even that she's ugly. It's just that you know she's a whore. Every, everything about her is unattractive to me. Every, every aspect of her being is unattractive to me. I'm not, I, I'm not just saying this because we don't get along. I mean, I, I didn't like her from the start, but but I, as it went she on, fucked you over, man. You should have been doing that broadcast from the get go. As it went on, I I just everything about her from the start, I, I it just got worse and worse. So anyway, a lot of people gave me a hard time about this, but I you know this is just me. I'm going to state the, the, the fact. I I stated what I observed I, of what she did, and if people don't like it, and people say that makes me a misogynist or whatever, let them say it. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And in fact. 
and people will everybody will uh who's played poker with me will back me up on this when i'm at the poker table and there's women at the poker table i treat them all with the exact same amount of respect as i do toward the men at the table i don't give them extra respect i don't give them extra allowances i treat everybody the same so if uh, provided a, a woman at the table treats me respectfully, I am very respectful to her. I never uh, look down on them because they're female. I never make any uh, suggestive comments. I never uh, nothing like that. I, I don't. I don't get frustrated because they bluff me, but, but not get frustrated when a man bluffs me. Nothing like that. I treat them all the same. The only time I treat someone different at the poker table is if they treat me poorly, whether they're male or female. So I. I don't. That's not me. I, I, I treat women very well, and not in the way Donald Trump says he does, but I, I, I really do. I don't, uh, I'm don't. i not one of these guys that women hate in poker. I'm actually very respectful, but at the same time, I'm not going to say, oh, she's female, I can't say anything bad. I, I, I know, I, but Trump, I think what they were saying is there was a lot of different things to point out. When you start with that, it, the other stuff might not be listened to as much, and that's the import. Those are the important facts. But what, did he, what did he say so bad when he said after what she did? What did he say so bad about, ba- about just bringing up about banging people for the stories and like the girl in high school? Yeah, I understand that. Not that I'm not saying it's not true. I, I think he, it should I be you said. Her fat. You, you just said that's the girl in high school. That, it, it, listen. He's right. Well, I know. Bag, I, I, I didn't expect that. But what I'm saying is they're going to read that first. And I'm not agree. If and I think he was wrong, I'd tell him he was wrong. He's right. No, He's I know. I know. Bad guy. I didn't, I, didn't expect, I didn't expect you to be offended by this. But but I I know what they're saying. I'm not offended by it. I, I know you're no, not. No, I'm not saying I'm offended by it or anybody is. I, or, you know, some people may. And then just when they're reading the facts you bring up afterwards. Bro, if I had that's your the more platform, pa- those that are the bitch more powerful would be fucking things. killing herself right now. Know that. Okay, well. Know that. Okay. So, well, it, 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 she would be. Okay, listen. That's what I would do. What, what I'm trying to say here is I, I understand the people, what they're trying to say to me. And, and I understand what. What did you say, bad? Oh, bad guy, bad guy. You, you got, you got to, you got to let people talk here. I, I have to say that I was, uh, I was getting a lot of flack from some of these people, and I understand their point, and I understand what Trader Ruski just said too, and I understand that when you make a comment like that, that it can kind of drown out the more important things like the, what she did Terrence Chan and, and about how she abused her position at work to, to take, carry out personal vendettas and that people can just end up not seeing that and just see what looks like just an angry guy who's making fun of, the, of, of uh, her sexual habits and her looks. I understand that, but it, to me it was just kind of the whole package. I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking uh, so much. My to- girlfriends for my whole fucking life have been fucking martyrs, man, because I, I don't know what you said bad. You said what you said and it's right. No, no, I, no, I'm just saying, say that sixth or seventh, not first. Well, it wasn't first. It was, it was actually, it, it wasn't first. It was kind of in the, in the middle, but it, yeah, but, it, was, uh, it was the end almost. Okay. I thought it was first. Okay. Then that's, no, then no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, Trader Ruski. I just don't understand. Like, he didn't say, like, anything bad about her, but what she is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If the shoe, no, 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 for where, sure. I'm just saying, they have to digest those other facts. And by the time they get there, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, then they're like, you know what I'm saying? We're so politically correct, but I mean, like, did they ever have a girlfriend or a whore in high school? I mean, like, I don't know what you said bad in that 
Like, I don't know why everybody was coming at you. I don't. Well, I, I know why they were, but they're, I don't think they're right. I think that they, they are just being too sensitive to this and they're just, they're, they're, they're kind of looking for something to criticize and they're, or, or they're just, they, they, they see something like that and they just go, Oh my God, how can you say something like that? Well, cause it was true. Now, I wasn't trying really to, to, to convince everybody. I was, I was more trying to piss her off. I was more trying to just trash her because she trashed me. That's that was really what I was trying to do. I'll be honest. And so, if I was really if I was really trying to make the case to the public, like, hey, this is why you shouldn't trust Joy Miller, I wouldn't have put that in there. But she's not in poker anymore. I didn't have to make that case. So that that's why I, I was just trying to be nasty because she had been nasty to me, and she started with me. I didn't start with her. I didn't bring this up. I, if I saw she, let's say I saw she was in the conversation. I would not have attacked her. I would have just. Yeah, but what did you say that was so bad? The thing about about how she was the the, the ugly oh, girl in high, high school who high slept school around. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you mean? Yeah. If she's if the shoe fits, wear it. Yeah, that, like that's not if the shoe fits, wear it. Right. Okay. That's what she was, right or wrong. I mean, yeah, that's. That, I don't know what she was like in high school, but that's what she was in poker. So. Yes. Anyway, uh, let me move on here. I, I was begged by I am Greek not to even cover this topic, and instead we spent like over an hour on it. But uh, yeah, we did it. But it's it's done. Them fucking Millers, you can't trust them. The, the thing the thing is though, the thing is that we have timestamps on this show, so anybody can fast forward it who doesn't like these segments. Now, now I, I've got to I've got to do something that. Uh, it sucks I, that I agree with you. Okay, well, there's, there's, some, there's, there's something else, though, that we've got to discuss here. That I've got to take a moment out here. Bad guy, you, you've, dra- you've had a lot to drink tonight here, and you're doing a lot of interrupting. And uh, this this is what I was afraid of. I wanted you to be the co-host. I, I but didn't try to interrupt. Am I really interrupting? A lot, yeah. Sorry. So I, I know I'm going to get a lot of complaints on the, on the the uh, from listeners. Well, I didn't interrupt. I interrupted the Joy Miller thing. No, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of, a lot of listeners are going to complain. I can already tell you. That, that there's a lot of interrupting. What, what the listeners want, they want to kind of just listen to something that flows well and, the, 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 and there's conversations kind of back and forth. And there's too much interrupting that it's unnerving for the person to listen to. So I'm going to have okay, to ask. That, I think that's, you know. I'm getting I, kicked I, off as well. No, that was, I think you give them a warning. No, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking bad guys. I, 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 I tried to defend you here for the Joe Miller thing. That's all I did. No, I understand. I, I understand. I'm, I'm glad you're on my side of this. I'm just saying that if, if for the sake of, of making good radio, we have to, uh, have to cut down the, the got to cut down on the interruptions. So. I, I'll, I'll shut up then. Okay. I mean, you can, you can jump in with something. I promise you I'll relevant. shut up. Okay. So I'm moving on to another topic anyway. Uh, let me uh, bring up the agenda here. Let's see, we're hard. Oh boy. See, I, I hate when we've been on for like three hours, more than three hours, and I've done two topics. Ugh. It just it feels uh, feels like I've done nothing. Okay. I know. I'm just making the herbal tea. That usually doesn't come till topic four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, tea, by the way. So, so jo- Joseph, I had to thank Bad Guy for some of this. I think if less interruption, we would have been done with this an hour ago. But okay, Joseph Steers. Joseph Steers is a guy who has had a lot of uh, issues with Caesar, so to speak. Now, before I go into his whole story, I want to put up a disclaimer. And that is, I'm about to talk about something involving Caesars and the World Series of Poker. And I know a lot of people really enjoy 
when I bash Caesars and when I bash the World Series of Poker, a lot of people love to see that. They love to hear that. They, they love to hear Caesars being taken down a peg. But I always say that I'm fair. I'm not just here to bash Caesars. I'm not here to bash the World Series. And sometimes something will happen where most of the public is on someone's side against the World Series. And I say, no, no, no. Actually, the World Series is right. Well, guess what? This is going to be one of those times. So if you're looking for a Caesars bashing segment, it's not going to be it. This is going to be the opposite, in fact. I actually agree with them here, for the most part. My attention first was brought to Joseph Steers in 2015, before most of you ever heard of him. In fact, for those of you that have listened, have listened to this show since 2015, you probably heard me mention him back in 2015 on this show over something completely different than what he later became known for. Uh, in 2015, his name was getting circulated in the advantage player community because of a complaint he had about the way Caesars was treating him. He brought this to 2 plus 2. It didn't get very much uh, play. People didn't really pay that much attention to it, but I found it interesting and I covered it in April 2015 on this show, almost four years ago. This is what happened. Uh, now, keep in mind, he's a Casino Advantage player, which, like we were talking about with Ivy before, he, he plays casino games, only the ones that he has an edge, such as blackjack card counting, and then when he's caught, uh, he, he can be booted out of the casino or, or told not to play certain games anymore. There's the, this happens to Advantage players. It's very standard. But what was not standard with him was what he did at uh, the Horseshoe Baltimore in December 2014 and January 2015. So on December 19, 2014, he was kicked out of the Horseshoe Baltimore while playing blackjack. I'm sure for card counting, he won't even admit to that. He says it was for no reason, which is laughable. Anyway, he got kicked out December 19th, and they told him to leave, and he did. He did not get an official trespass. The trespass is where they tell you that you're not allowed to return to the property or you'll be arrested. He was just told, uh, you need to leave the property. Eight days later, he tried to play a poker tournament there. He didn't bother to ask anyone, hey, you know, I know you kicked me out eight days ago. Am I still eligible to play this tournament? Which you think you would be, because otherwise if you win the prize, they can confiscate it or, or kick you out at any point in the tournament. You think of the tournament, you're definitely going to want to get permission. But he didn't. He just decided to register. And they uh, didn't let him. They said he's not allowed there. So then, eight days again after that, on January 4th, 2015, he came back again to the horseshoe. Now, they had made it clear to him on December 27th, when he came there the second time, that not only couldn't he register for the tournament, but that uh, he was uh, uh, that he was barred from all Caesars properties. 
Okay? So, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I made a mistake here. On December 27th, they did, they did let him register, but they threw him out in the middle and wouldn't refund his money. I skipped that part. They threw him out in the middle, wouldn't let him refund his money, and then they told him he's barred from all Caesar's properties. Well, somehow he came back eight days after that, January 4th. Why? Because he claimed he got mailed some free play coupons, and therefore that meant they're inviting him back. Now, that's BS. Anyone who's been around casinos knows that the marketing team is always like two months behind. I don't know why, but it always is. So you get mailers based upon your play like two months ago, three months ago, not based on your play like last week. So when you get banned from a property, the marketing department doesn't know it, and you keep getting mailers from them, but that doesn't mean you can come back. Especially an experienced advantage player. He knows exactly why that's happening. So that was BS. He was trying to just find any reason why he could return and redeem his free play. But they caught him and they said, no, you're not allowed here. Again, we don't care what you get in the mail. Get out. Don't come back. Okay, so you think at that point it's over, right? Uh, No. Five days later... On January 9th, 2015, he returned again. (laughs) I mean, mean, does this guy have a big set of balls on him or what? So he obviously just kept returning to to challenge them. And and, uh, again, he showed back up with free play coupons. Well, for good measure, he came back once again on February 27th, 2015. He just couldn't stop. And they'd even arrested him before that. He just keeps coming back and back and back and back. He just He's playing a game of chicken with them to where he cha- he's basically challenging them to try to stop him. And they finally did. They finally told him that he's absolutely banned from all Caesars properties with no possible appeal. And that's it. He's done. He can't play the World Series. He can't play anything anymore. He's totally shut out. And he did this to himself. So that was 2015. In 2017, he wanted to play the main event to the World Series. But he was still banned. That was never going to be reversed. So what to do? What to do when you want to play the World Series, but you can't? Well, his name is Joseph Connor Steers. Connor is his middle name. Joseph Connor Steers cannot play the World Series. They have his player's card flagged that he's banned. But what about a fellow named Joseph Connor Steers? All one word. Could he play the World Series? Well, if Joseph Connor Steers is different than Joseph Connor Steers, I guess he could. (laughs) So that's what he did. He went down and registered for a new total rewards card under the name Joseph Connor Steers, all one word, as his middle and last name combined. I'd love to have been there when he registered like that. How do you explain that? To the person in the booth. 
So you go up and and the boothling is there and you go, oh yeah, I want to register for new total rewards card. But oh 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 oh, um, I, you see how my ID says Joseph Connor Space Steers? Well, m- make sure that Connor Steers is together. Well, sir, isn't that your middle name? No 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 no. It's actually just should be Connor Steers. They just messed it up. I have no middle name. Duh, okay, whatever you say, sir. So they do that. The computer doesn't catch it. The computer should be smart enough to catch. They, the computer should be able to look this up and you know just eliminate all the spaces and see if it catches anyone banned. But I guess it wasn't programmed that well to do that. So he successfully got a total rewards card under Joseph Connor Connor Steers on one word. He successfully registered for a World Series tournament using that card without them noticing the problem that there was a space between Connor and Steers. And he made it all the way to day three, late day three, actually the dinner break of day three, with a pretty good stack. I think about double of average. When somehow he got caught, I don't know how, but somehow he got caught and they realized what was going on and they barred him from the World Series. They kicked him out, took his chip stack, and would not refund his money. He filed a lawsuit about this. He claimed in the lawsuit that his stack, which again was about double of average and they hadn't even reached the money yet, was worth $150,000. Come on. Since when is your stack ever worth 15 times the buy-in before you even cash? But that's what he claimed in his lawsuit. He actually filed the lawsuit acting as his own attorney, even though he is not a lawyer. I, I believe he either went to or is going to law school, but he is not a licensed or practicing attorney. But he did represent himself. And the reason this is in the news now is that they settled. The terms of the settlement were not disclosed in a Poker News article He said that he's not very happy with the settlement. It's not fair to him, but basically that's all he's getting and he's accepting it. Haley Hintz, who wrote an article about this, is guessing that he probably just got his buy-in back and that's it, which I think is a good guess. I have a feeling Caesars finally said, okay, fine. We'll give you your buy-in back, but you're not going to make a penny from this. You'll get back what you spent, but that's it. That's probably what happened. Caesars would not disclose what the settlement was, but they did make it clear that he is still banned from all Caesars properties, so he will not be returning to the World Series. And he could have potentially got buy-in plus maybe some hotel money or something. Maybe, but that, I agree. yeah. I don't yeah. think, you know, maybe 12K max. And they... Uh, so also, in, in his filing, he actually threw someone else under the bus. He actually outed someone else who had done this and gotten away with it. He outed another Connor, Connor Schaefer, who he said played the main event in 2017 and never got in trouble for it. That was part of the basis of his lawsuit that this Connor Schaefer got away with it, so why can't he? Which is a stupid 
premise. Like, you could say that about any crime. You could say, well, I, I, why are you arresting me for shoplifting, officer? Uh, I, I know this other guy who shoplifted yesterday and got away with it. He didn't get arrested. Like, what does that have to do with it? So I'm sure Connor Schaefer's thrilled about this. I wonder how this guy even knew about Connor Schaefer, but whatever it is, I'm sure Connor Schaefer's pissed that he got outed because he hadn't been caught. He also claimed that it took a few hours for Jack Effel, the tournament director, to, to decide to kick him out of the tournament, stating that uh, obviously there was some doubt about it if it took a few hours. But th- that's not true. That just meant they took some time to make the decision. It's kind of a tough thing. What do you do with the chips at that point? You know, there's a lot to, to consider here before you just take the guy out and give him no refund. You've got to. They probably had to consult attorneys about it. There's probably a lot of things they had to do before formally taking him out. They took him out of play, but before actually totally disqualifying him. He also said in his lawsuit that. He believed that once he entered the tournament, even under a fake name, once they allowed him to enter, that he had a right to complete it. <laughs> That's, it's ridiculous. No, you don't. You don't have a right to complete it if you follow all the tournament rules, and clearly registering under a fake name is violating the rules. By the way, speaking of people getting disqualified, I once had something fortunate happen at a limit hold'em shootout of all things. A, a guy was disqualified for being a foreign player who didn't pay the right taxes. Like they, they, I think they were supposed to withhold the tax, and they didn't, so he owed taxes to them. So they came to him and said, you owe this much in taxes. He said, I don't agree. They said, well, you can either pay now or we're disqualifying you. He said, well, I'm not paying them to disqualify me, so they disqualified him. So I was thrilled about this because it was a shootout. It was like knocking out a player. And I indeed, I won that table. He was one of the first ones out, so it wasn't like he was heads up or anything. But believe me, in a nine-handed shootout, I was happy to make it an eight-handed shootout. One fewer person to get rid of there. But back to this. It bothers me that there's so many advantage players defending this guy, that there's so many poker players defending this guy. He deserves no defense. In fact, if anything, he makes it more difficult on advantage players because he shows that if they do anything but a hardline ban, that people will try to take advantage of it and not respect a lesser ban. It, it trains the casinos to think we've got to be as harsh as we can with everybody because otherwise they're going to ultimately screw us. It seems like he takes every out he thinks he can take to get around what they've instructed him that he can and can't do. So it's a pain in the ass for the casino. It makes all other advantage players look bad, which they already don't like in the first place, but this makes them look really bad. 
including this lawsuit. And this guy, Joseph Steers, just does not understand the concept of consequences for your actions. You can try to register under a fake name and try to collect the money, but if you get caught, you can't cry foul and say, oh my God, they cheated me. No. You were not allowed there, and you tried to trick them by registering under a fake name. By doing that, you risk that you will get caught and not get your money. I am not going to judge you for attempting this, other than thinking it's stupid, but I'm not going to say you're a bad person for attempting this. I'm not saying that I'm the defender of the casinos or that you always have to follow every rule to the letter of the rule. But I'm saying that if you blatantly violate a ban, then you have to be prepared that consequences may arise from it. As long as they are appropriate consequences. Had security taken him in the back and beaten him up, I would agree that that would be excessive. But simply banning him from an event that he registered under a phony name because he knew he was banned from the event as himself... He can't complain about that. And this comes from a guy who is very sympathetic towards advantage players. I'm talking about myself. But I can't be sympathetic towards this guy. This guy has nothing wrong with him. This guy really believes the rules never apply to him. And I'm not like a stickler for rules type at all, but boy, I mean, this guy, he just doesn't get it. He also made a comment in the Poker News article about this that was very off-putting. In reference to not being able to play the World Series anymore, he was asked if he's going to continue playing poker professionally at other properties. And he said, for me, the World Series of Poker was what I was in it for more about bracelets than cash. Poker is mostly boring because you aren't playing anyone good most of the time. So it's just hustling fish and it's not a very fulfilling life. That's a dumb statement. It's an arrogant statement too. Poker's not fulfilling because you're playing fish most of the time. Well, you don't have to. There are plenty of poker games out there which are very tough, both tournament and cash. There are plenty of poker games running, Joseph, that you could enter where you would be the worst person in the game. Guarantee you. If you're looking for hard games to play, you can find them. That's a complaint I've never heard before. I don't want to play poker because it's too easy now. No fun. Everybody sucks. I mean, it's crazy. To say something like that. Sounds like sour grapes to me. Sounds like since he can't play. I didn't want to play anyway. It's not fulfilling. It's boring because everyone sucks. The only thing I'm impressed with in this whole saga is that he actually managed to get anything acting as his own lawyer. Because usually big corporations will show you no respect in a lawsuit where you represent yourself. They figure that not only won't you know what you're doing, but even if somehow you do know what you're doing, 
that you won't get any respect in court if you're acting as your own attorney, which which is usually true. So I'm surprised they dealt with him at all. I'm surprised they didn't just say, "F you, take it, you know, go ahead, take us to court." But maybe they didn't want the continued bad PR with this, so they just decided, you know what, we'll just kick back the 10K and be done. But really, that's the only thing that impresses me, is that acting as his own attorney, he got them to give him anything. So he claims his poker career is over because of this. He just wanted to play the World Series and win bracelets, but now that he can't, that's it. But yeah, don't get me wrong. If the guy wants to try to sneak into casinos where he's banned, fine. I've known other people who've done that. I don't judge them. But you can't complain when it fails. Otherwise, you just look entitled and you look like you're delusional. Which I think he's both. There's something wrong with this guy. Even his story on 2 Plus 2 had the like, oh my god, they're victimizing me air to it, which clearly they're not. So bottom line, I'm, I'm on the World Series side of this one. All right, now here's a really strange story. This is not about poker. This is about cryptocurrency. But even for those of you that are not interested in cryptocurrency... And find those segments boring. I think you're going to find this one interesting because it's so off the wall. And it's kind of easy to relate to even if uh, you don't know much about cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrencies, they, they have exchanges. And exchanges are used to basically buy and sell cryptocurrency. On these exchanges, you can either buy and sell them for cash or buy and sell them for other cryptocurrencies. Without these exchanges, it would be very difficult to obtain cryptocurrency. So you've probably used an exchange if you've used Bitcoin. Usually, if you're going to cash out, you especially need an exchange. Often, people will leave their Bitcoin on the exchanges because it's convenient. It's it's most convenient to use them far more convenient than storing these cryptocurrencies on your own machine. And if anything happens to your own machine, you can lose them. So in some ways, it's more secure. In other ways, it's vulnerable because you're entrusting a third party, often a third party you don't really know, to hold your cryptocurrency and not steal it and not lose it. Well, a 30-year-old named Gerald Cotton ran Quadriga CX, which was the largest cryptocurrency exchange in Canada. Gerald was in India traveling on December 9th, 2018, And he died suddenly from complications linked to Crohn's disease, which he knew he had. Crohn's disease usually isn't fatal like that, especially 
it doesn't cause sudden death like that of 30 year olds but that's what supposedly happened to him in India the big problem comes from the fact that he was the only one with the ability to access the Bitcoin. <clears throat> so $180 million of Bitcoin were locked up in that exchange with no ability to access it because the passwords died with him. He was married. A woman named Jennifer Robertson was his wife. She filed an affidavit in Nova Scotia Supreme Court stating that he was the only person with access to that laptop which had access to that $180 million in cryptocurrency. She said in the affidavit that she searched their home in Nova Scotia and was unable to find any passwords or business records. In addition to the $180 million in cryptocurrency, there's also $70 million in cash sitting on that uh, exchange. So that means $250 million is gone because the guy died. Can you imagine? Now, some have accused him of faking his own death... And running off with the with the money, which is possible, especially for that kind of money. But I, I my guess is he really died. I don't know if this has been verified by authorities in India, but that's that's the claim. And there there are authorities in Canada looking into this. So that is a uh, a big problem. And uh this brings up the whole issue that well, well first of all they're trying to find uh if he has any assets that they could get to to pay back some of these people with with accounts on the site because remember the seventy million dollars but the seventy million dollars is just a number showing on the site he he has the seventy million somewhere so they're trying to find that but the one eighty million in Bitcoin for sure that's gone or is that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies unless they can somehow come up with a password uh, they've been trying. Very hard to get access to the encrypted files on his machine, on his laptop, because uh, there's so much money involved. They're spending a lot of money to try to get through. That is, authorities are trying to do this. Lawyer Raj Sani, who represents 78 of those creditors, who together are owed about $100 million, said there's nothing like this we've ever seen before. Uh, nobody can even figure out where any of the money is. Some other weird things happened. 
involving this whole case. The court-appointed monitor that was overseeing the ability to search for, for some of the cryptocurrency claimed that they found about $900,000 worth, which of course isn't very much compared to what's lost. But then they claim that more than half of those cryptocurrency coins somehow just uh, disappeared in the process. (laughs) How does that happen? How does that happen? Are they stealing Bitcoin? I I don't understand. How, How does it just disappear? So the report says that uh, there was $902,000 in Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum in what's called hot wallets. Kind of sounds like hot pockets. I think they'd be safer if they were in hot pockets. But that somehow 103 Bitcoin valued at over $460,000 were transferred to what's known as cold wallets, which now they can't access. Don't know how that happened, but they claim it did. So it's possible that this guy just didn't think of, of any kind of contingency in case he dies, because he was only 30. So you just figure, okay, I'm 30, I'm not going to die, but it's kind of stupid. Anybody can die anytime, especially from like an accident or an act of violence. So to not have this in place is crazy. But this is the problem is you're you're on these exchanges and it's easy to picture that these are these are big professional operations. But often it's just like one dude. Often what what seems to be something that should be very large and reputable is really just run by one or two very irresponsible guys. And this happens. It would be a much more interesting story if it turned out that he was faking his own death and is somewhere in India with $250 million. I'm not saying I hope that's the case, but it would be more interesting if it were. So I'll let you guys know if there's anything else that gets found with this. In the meantime, if you have money on these exchanges, be careful. Don't leave a lot there. I'm not going to be impractical and say don't ever use them or don't ever leave Bitcoin on them or don't ever leave cash on them, but don't leave that much. Leave only what you could lose without really, really getting upset. What if you do have a lot of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency? What do you do? You you probably should store it offline. Because you never know when things like this will happen and you'll just lose it all. And you'll be sorry. So we'll go back to talking about... uh, I can't take call. I hate when people just call in and don't listen to the show, and then they just keep calling. Try a, try a random call, Jeff. Maybe it'll be a good one. Could Bye. be Joy Miller calling in.
Well, I, the problem is I can't take the call because it cuts everybody else off here. So oh, have, you can only make yeah, that it's, 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 it. I mean, I can, but then I have to recall you guys to pain in the ass. So, yeah, that's, that's why I've got to find a way to fix this with Skype. It's Well, I can't fix Skype. Skype's the way it is, but I have to see if I can get another. Uh, or they could DM you the uh, phone number the, or their Skype ID. And the, well, I, I, see, about, I, see, I see their select. phone number. I, I can call them back. But, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll, you know what? Maybe I'll do that, even though I'm frustrated they keep calling. But I'm going to – they've called a lot of times, so let's just – Let's see if the, I can. Do the fans drop your celebrity member? Yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> the, the nerds here are following me. Now, see, this this makes me not want to call the person because they keep calling over and over. That makes me actually not want to call them. Yeah, but let's call them. Let's <laughs> you can always just hang up on them. Do you know who it is? No, I have no idea. It's from the 407 yeah, area it's, code. It's, it's Florida. It's 407, I think that's what, Florida? Yeah, what yeah. All right, let's uh, against my better judgment, I'll put them on. I actually think I'm still on here. Am I? You are. <laughs> am I really still hey, on? Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you so much. I heard it all. You're like, well, against my better judgment. Well, who listen, is this? Who are you? I appreciate you. Who is this? Okay. <laughs> it's Garrett. Oh, it's Garrett. Okay, Garrett. Hey, it's my, hey am I on here? Yeah, am you're here. here. You're here, bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Garrett, and if you want me to get off the line, just no, let you, me know, you, man. you, no, you're here. It's, it's fine. To, All right, but just uh, did you hear me saying I couldn't take calls? You kept calling over and over. Yeah, and I felt bad, but you want to know the truth? <laughs> Listen, it's my fault. I told him. To bad call. guy kept fucking I, texting I, 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 me on the on the on the, on the, the PM on on the website. He's like, call Joff, call Joff, Joff told me. And so he was giving me bad information. Oh, boy. My bad, Joff. <laughs> All right. So any, no, anything you want to talk about? Is it... This is going to be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, so Garrett, what, what, what so are, you, well. are, you, are you calling in to say anything in particular, or are you just calling me as bad guy told you to? No. Uh, no, no, no. Honestly, I, I was calling. There was a few. Honestly, not at all about bad guy. It's okay, so 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 what do you, what do you want to talk about? We'll we'll take the call. So one of the things you talked about earlier, and uh, maybe I shouldn't like reveal my hand because I'm sure there's some Caesar's host edge sorting. The way you explained it is not not right. Edge sorting though is that you're sorting the edge of the card, the pattern, right? The edge sorting term comes from sorting the, no, the dynamic. But I just told him to call. Okay, but I, I know, but I, I, I just gave a kind of a, a brief explanation. I wasn't trying to explain this technique. I was just saying that it, it's yeah, what, the, what, what, what are you doing, Garibag? Come in here and get get at these guys. All right, this, this, what is I, I don't know. <laughs> Bad guy, you're you're getting really really drunk. No, I think it's over. Enough. My draft never listen to me again. <laughs> All right. Uh, what what else do you want to talk about, Garrett? How are you? <laughs> I want to get through this show. We're only on the third topic. Jeez. <laughs> Come on, Garrett. You better say something. All right. I want to get through the show and, 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 and the show crashed in the middle. I mean, come on. And it's continuing to crash. Let's start no, the next. No, no, no. I, I got a question for both of you right now. I, I'm a co-host. Did I ever sound like that when I called? Well, you, you sound like that right now. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> you motherfucker. No, for real. I mean, you should... Yeah, bad guy, you're very smashed right now. All right, so all right, so let's let's get back on the rails. Yeah, we got to get back on the rails. Okay. This guy even have a point. Hey, hey, Jeff. Yes. So I, I posted a thread, and I'm curious of what you think about Kyler Murray. Okay, I'll take a look at it. Guy, the guys. I'll take a look at it later. All right. No, I, I don't mean the thread, but. I had to drop Garrett. I, this wasn't going anywhere. Listen, hold on. I always sound drunk. I don't. I don't ever say Kyler Murray and say about a thread. I mean, are you kidding me? All right, so what's the next topic anyway, here. Hold up. All right. Okay, I can't deal with it. I I just dropped everybody except for you, Trader Ruski. I I couldn't stand it. (laughs) I I dropped everybody. I I told that guy not to drink. I I didn't want to have to do it, but I'm losing patience. He did well well for a while, for sure. Yeah, but this is why I asked him not to drink. This is what I was afraid would happen. So I enjoyed it at the beginning, but then it, it got out of hand, got out of control. So had to give myself some peace. Oh, looks like we just lost Trader Ruski now, too. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Well, I know he was drinking the herbal tea, so I imagine he didn't have long anyway. Well, on to the next topic. Bryn Kenny is a pretty well-known high-stakes tournament player. I first encountered him on Poker Stars more than 10 years ago. And I remember he was really annoying. He was very young back then, and he was bragging about how Bryn Kenny is going to be the next big thing in poker. And he was very, very arrogant, very full of himself. And we were all making fun of him at the table. This is on Poker Stars. Then I remember he joined a group called the Ship It Halabalas, which was a group of young poker tournament players who thought the thought of themselves as uh pretty much like hot shot degenerate gamblers and wanna be successful tournament pros and they all had various degrees of success but uh the one who did the best of that whole group was Bryn Kenny. They even published a book at one time, The Ship at Halabalas, and I was in it. If you get their book, you'll you'll find a passage there with me in it. In fact, you can even find it on the Google sample of the book. You can find me in there if you search for it. It always feels weird when I know I'm like part of books, <clears throat> but I am. Anyway, Bryn Kenny has had a lot of success, but he committed uh, somewhat of a sin in the tournament poker world. And some people are angry at him, and rightfully so. Uh when I heard this story, I, I was very surprised at, at how blatant this was and, and all the details. So let me get to this here. This is uh, it's pretty insane. I, I don't know why people do things like this 
So Bryn Kenny got down to three-handed in the Aussie Millions. And here's how the chip stacks were, three-handed. Actually, before, when he was three-handed, he was he was the short stack by far. Then he doubled up in one hand, I think, and was pretty much virtually tied with the other shorter stacks. There's one guy with a big stack and two short stacks. He was one of them. So after he doubled up, Andrew Henriksen had... 15,365,000. Bryn Kenny had 4.8 million. And Mike Del Vecchio had 4.8 million. So. What, it, what ended up happening was uh, Bryn Kenny negotiated a deal. I, I, I put in the thread on Poker Fraud Alert that he only had 20% of the chips in play, but I misread it. That's actually not true. It actually isn't quite as bad as it, as it first looked. But um, they, they eventually quit with three people left where he wasn't the chip leader. And he convinced them to give him the chip lead, uh, to give him the, the title and the most money. So there's been a lot of uh, complaints about this, that he basically just demanded that he get the title and and they handed it to him. So he basically bought a title. I don't know, because I don't know what their stacks were when they made this deal. I can't tell you whether he got a good deal or bad deal, but... I, Whatever it was, he – I know he wasn't the chip leader and he was crowned the winner of the event. He also got uh, slightly more money than second place. So what, he ended up getting uh, 923269 Mike Del Vecchio got 922953 and Andrew Henriksen – had uh, 796,410. That was the top three with, as a result of that deal. Bryn Kenny was given the title. One thing that looks bad about the whole situation is that Bryn Kenny won the Aussie Millions without knocking out a single person at the final table. <laughs> <clears throat> so he didn't knock anybody out, and he didn't have the chip lead. Yet he was crowned the winner. And a lot of people have an issue with that. This reminds me of a year ago when Mike Leah 
did something similar in Niagara Falls, and they're, they're not allowed there to do any deals, so he made an informal deal with the other player who just dumped off chips to him in a very, very, very obvious fashion, almost like they wanted it to be seen. And then Mike Leah got the title. And again, he took a lot of flack for that. Especially because he was saying he always wanted to win there at Niagara Falls. Well, he didn't. He, he, was, he, was, he bought it. This is a problem with tournaments that needs to be corrected because it makes a joke out of them. You can say, well, who cares? It's a victimless crime. It's, you know, it's up to the final three what they want to do. But there's various problems with these deals. First of all, they, they, there can be collusion to, to get there. But you could say, well, you can't choose who's at the final table with you, so it's hard to find collusion partners that are you know, premeditated, which, which is true. But it isn't really fair to the people who went out right before you. That maybe they would have played differently. But we're not even talking about whether deals are ethical or not. I mean, that's, that's been debated for a long time. I'm talking about deals that crown a false winner. It should be against the rule in every card room to make a deal to be the winner if you do not have the most chips on the table. It just shouldn't be allowed. I had a situation like this back in 2006. I've told this story before, but uh, Liz Liu, who doesn't play anymore... She had been very, very rude to me and very, very nasty with me at Commerce for, like, no reason. Totally no reason. And it was over things that didn't even involve her. Like, I was talking with the floor man about my collection, whether I had to pay it that half hour. And I wasn't holding up the game. I actually got up from the table to discuss it with him. And she interfered with it and called me names and shouted at me about it. And it wasn't any of her business. But she just thought she was hot shit and she... uh she didn't treat me well. So I didn't create a whole altercation at the time. I probably should have, but I didn't do it. But not too long after that, I was at a Limit Hold'em tournament at Commerce, and she, she didn't have any tournament wins yet. She was mainly a cash player. She really wanted a tournament win so she could put that on her poker resume and get sponsorships. So she got down heads up. I was at the final table. I ran I ran bad and went out eighth. But she got heads up with a very unknown player who worked in Silicon Valley. And she had 40% of the chips. And she said to him, hey, if I give you a pretty good deal here and you get more money than me, uh... Would you be okay with crowning me the official winner? The guy's like, Duh, okay, if I get the more money, yeah, sure. So this is one of the few times that a tournament had ended where the second place finisher actually got more money than the first place finisher. 
And that's because the second place finisher was really the one with more chips. She just outright bought the title. So I exposed it. And she got so mad at me. But tough luck, that's what you get. You reap what you sow. You mistreat people at the table. May come back to bite you one day. That's not the only reason I exposed it, but that's why I enjoyed exposing it. So, my victory was only short-lived, however, because then she, like a month later, won another tournament and actually really won at that time. So, my denial of her having a title, I mean, she technically had that title, but she didn't want to state it anymore on her poker accomplishments because I had exposed what really happened. But then she really won one, so then my story became less interesting. But this really shouldn't be allowed, and, and people shouldn't do it. If, if titles mean anything to you, if you want to brag about having a title, then win it fair and square. Or at least make the deal when you're ahead in chips. I find that whole thing just very dishonest. Walk around and say, I, ha- I have an Aussie Millions title. I have a WPT title. No, you don't if you, if you bought it. When I talked about Mike Leah last year, I proposed this situation. Let's say a billionaire is in a tournament. And with 75% of the field remaining... He proposes to everybody that he's going to give them all, say, first place money. Let's say, let's not even say first place. Let's say he's going to give them all fifth place money if they all quit right now and crown him the winner. Well, he would take a big financial beating on that, but he could afford it being a billionaire. And then he'd have a poker title. Should that be allowed? At what point does it stop? <clears throat> That's okay. To be crowned at the winner. I've gotten some clarification that this was the chip stack. This is the, the these were the chip stacks when they quit. Mike Del Vecchio had nine point three million. Bryn Kenny had about eight point nine million. Andrew Henriksen had six point five million. So he was only slightly behind the chip lead, but he still wasn't the chip leader. That's pretty bad. At least get slightly ahead before you do it. I just don't see how he can walk around and say he was the winner. Doesn't make sense to me. I see why he did it. He's doing it for his image. But it's wrong. I like what they wrote on CalvinAir.com about this. It said, The three sat down and negotiated a deal, turning the conclusion of the most prestigious tournament in the Southern Hemisphere into a damp squib. (laughs) It's a damp squib, I tell you. It was a prestigious tournament. They turned it into a damp squib. (laughs) 
They're not wrong, though. They're not wrong about the damp squib. All right, I, I have some bad news for people here. I'm starting to have some uh, vocal fatigue. I may have to do shorter shows in the future. I don't have a cold anymore. Maybe the very end of what I had two weeks ago, but uh, I'm not going to be able to finish everything here. Yeah, I think I am Greek is right. I shouldn't have spent so much time talking about Joy Miller. I, I think he was right. Was it uh, wore out my voice, and now now I can't finish. And I, and I learned from two weeks ago: you don't press it too hard, or you wake up with no voice. I may already be there. So I think what I'm going to do is just two more topics, and I'll just table the rest for next week. So I want to talk about the Super Bowl National Anthem. The Super Bowl, you get to make prop bets on a lot of things that aren't about the score of the game. You can bet on performance of certain players. You can bet on certain things that have little to do with the game at all, such as the length of the National Anthem. Well, I actually bet on the under for the length of the National Anthem. I bet that it was going to be 1 minute 50 seconds or fewer. When the game started, I wasn't happy with my bet because some more information came out which made my bet look very bad. And... My bet went from a slight favorite to a big underdog, and yet I was only being paid as if it were a slight favorite. So I went from like minus 120, where I was stuck at minus 120, and before the game you could have bet and it got like plus 220. So a big difference. Instead of being paid less than even money, I could have been paid uh, more than twice what I bet. So I thought I'm probably going to lose. And I timed it on my phone. But it came very, very close. And the hardest thing to figure out was whether I won or not based upon the rules. And this is why. I bet it on bet online. And BetOnline's rule, and they stated it very clearly, was that the length would stop, they would stop the clock on it for the purpose of the bet after the first brave is sung. You know, the home of the brave. When Gladys Knight would finish with the first time of saying brave, that would be it. So even if she went back and said, of the brave again, as some of these singers do, that wouldn't count. So as soon as she's done with the first brave, that would be when the timer would stop 
and it would be determined whether the over or under won. So I found that it looked like it was super close, but it looked like it was like 1 minute 49 seconds, 0.5. When she appeared to finish with the word brave, but not so fast. Listen to this. Okay, let's so okay. You heard what happens. She went So so she it was the same word brave, but she did say she did pause in between. Well, none of the sports books made it clear the way they would count it if that happened. They just said at the end of the first brave. So when she stops kind of in the middle of the word and pauses and then continues she makes the word brave into two syllables, does the timer end when she pauses, or does it end when she really just finishes the first brave? It was very close anyway. Even if you just do it by the first pause, it was at 149.5, but still, that would be a win if it ends there. But I figured I probably lost it because it's at the end of the first brave and she she was still on the first brave. She just changed tone and even paused a second in between them. So I thought I lost, but I thought maybe that would save me. I also commented to some people I was with at a Super Bowl party that I thought I might win because I figured that Bet Online may actually go with the interpretation that would help them the most. And because much more money was bet on the over, so much that the line moved tremendously, I figured that they wanted the under to win. So they'd find a reason to make the under win, which would help me. That was my hope. But I still thought I was probably losing. Well, lo and behold, I checked about an hour later and I had won the bet. They, They gave it to me. I was very happy about that. Listen to this again. Listen one more time. A little bit too far. Let's go back here. So there's definitely two Braves there, or maybe three Braves, but when does the first one end? When does the first one end? Now that I listen again, it does kind of sound like it ended. It sounded like she went brave and then went, ah, like she started a new thing, like, ah, something. It does kind of sound like the first brave was over at that pause. When I first heard it, it sounded to me like she was just pausing in the middle of the word brave. 
It's kind of hard to tell. So there's controversy about this. No, nobody could really figure it out. And I thought this might happen. I thought this might happen when I saw it was only to the end of the first word, brave. They should have just done the entire song. Then that would have been clear for everybody. But for some reason, they wanted to end it at the first brave. And that's what caused the confusion, because when did that really end? A lot of sports books, and these were all online sports books, were, were so confused about what to do and were so worried that the customers were going to get angry, no matter which way they went, that they paid out both sides. It's, it's possible Bet Online even did this. I don't know. All I know is I won. But I was informed by a better on sportsbook.ag, which is already a shady site. That's a site I don't trust. They they pay out very poorly. I would not recommend them. That they graded it as the overwinning only. And this person tried to explain that on every sports book that he knew of, they either paid both sides or just the under. But they stuck to their guns and said, nope, it's over, you lose. So my exact fears about this bet came true, except I ended up winning, so I guess I can't complain that much. In fact, I really pretty much split my NFL bets so much that this bet is what determined whether I was going to win or lose for the Super Bowl bets I made. So I ended up slightly winning instead of slightly losing, thanks to this bet. So I guess I have to thank Gladys Knight for stopping during that word brave like she did. She was a half second later. I would have lost. Okay, so I'm going to skip various topics that I no longer have the vocal energy to do. And that includes the recent turn to the Elie Lezra thing, which isn't as exciting as previously, so don't feel too bad. The Poker Stars rake situation, the ocean resort sale, and again, the Facebook thing. I'm going to table again. But I do want to do the editorial because I feel if I wait till next week that it's going to be too much old news. Where the other stuff I think I can wait a week and talk about and we won't lose much. So there's a woman that I I posted about her once on the forum. I don't think I've ever mentioned her on this show. Her name is Alana Creed. That's I-L-A-N-A, last name Creed, C-R-E-E-D. She was originally from New Hampshire. At least when I encountered her, she was from New Hampshire. And she now lives in the Seattle area. And she she has a, a very, very interesting slash unconventional slash weird life going on. Now, what I do respect her for was that in 1994, at the age of 14, which makes her 38 or 39 now, probably 38, but in 1994, at the age of 14, a serial rapist broke into her house and attempted to rape her. And instead of just being scared and letting the guy do what he was going to do, she actually fought him off and prevented the rape. 
The guy was eventually caught and convicted. Though I think he didn't even get that many years, despite the fact that he was a serial rapist. It really was kind of a miscarriage of justice. I think he was able to get out after 10 years or something, something crappy like that. The guy should have been in prison for life. But uh, she was actually, she actually voluntarily posted all this and posted the court documents or some of the court documents on this and uh, looked like a very traumatic thing to go through. So, I mean, that, that sounds awful and props to her for fighting the guy off. But more recently, starting last late last year, she called herself Alana Gunn. That was her nickname. Maybe because she was in the military at one point. She was. I'm just guessing maybe where that's where the nickname came from. But she was a mother. I think she had two kids. She was married at one point you know, to the dad of those kids. And for whatever reason, she kind of flipped out. And I think her husband wanted to move to Seattle, her ex-husband, and, and she just let him go with the kids. So the ex-husband picked up, went to Seattle with the kids, took care of them himself, had full custody, and she decided to just sell everything she owned and go on a cross-country poker trip in her car. And that's what she did. And she was chronicling it every day on Facebook. First, the whole period leading up to that. I mean, we didn't get to see her with a husband or anything like that. We, we, saw, we saw it start when she was alone there in the New Hampshire house and was selling everything. But she described it as selling all of her worldly possessions and uh, traveling the country in her car from poker room to poker room. And that's what she did. And she was doing videos every day. She was uh, posting updates as she was on the road and would sleep in her car in the middle of nowhere. I mean, pretty dangerous for a woman to sleep by herself in her car, but that's what she was doing. Uh, she ran into Chris Moneymaker at one point at a card room she was at and Spent a lot of time with him. In fact, just from watching the video, I wonder if she had sex with him. I don't know if she did or didn't. I'm just saying from what I saw in the video, maybe. She had a very like bubbly and positive personality. Kind of a cute personality. Though, I kind of got the vibe from her that she was kind of phony. Um, she was... Fairly attractive, especially for her age. Not like beautiful, but uh, decent looking for sure, especially by poker standards. But even on absolute standards, she was uh, decent looking for a woman in her late 30s. And I always just, I got a weird vibe about her, especially how can a mother just let the father just leave with the kids and then say, okay, I'm just going to go off and be a poker pro, a roving poker pro around the country. What kind of mother would do that? 
just let her kid just leave with with her ex-husband. It almost seemed like she was hit with like some kind of weird midlife crisis. But there's a certain maternal instinct that most women have where they just don't want to be separated from their kids. Even to go in on, on like short vacations away from them can be tough. It feels weird to most women to leave their children. Even just for a short time. I don't mean for a few hours, but I, I mean like for, for days. So here she let her husband just leave and, and had poker worked out well for her. She would have continued traveling and just not seen her kids for long periods of time. So I thought it's kind of hard to trust anyone like that. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard to think that highly of someone who could do that. But I tried not to overthink it. And I just kind of enjoyed the entertaining videos. Then on the Real Grinders group, someone brought up the fact that she apparently ran a stake on that U-Stake site and won some money, I think in Reno, and then in late December just vanished, deleted her Facebook, stopped answering phone calls, stopped answering messages, completely vanished into thin air. Nobody could reach her. Absolutely nobody could reach her. By the way, she also did videos along the way. This is before she vanished. Uh, her in the bathtub, her dancing around in her underwear. So she did a lot of suggestive videos like that. Definitely loved the attention. But anyway, she vanished completely. What did she owe people? Well, she owed about 36 different people, about 25 bucks each. <laughs> so nobody was owed a great sum of money, but as we've learned from watching Superman 3 in Office Space, uh, a little money from a lot of people can add up. Bottom line is she owed about 900 bucks to people and just vanished with no communication. The last everybody heard, the poker thing didn't really work out, but that she was back in Seattle to be close to her kids and she got a job selling cars at Honda. And then just vanished with everybody's money. Only 900 bucks total, but still 900 bucks. Well, she just recently reappeared after like seven weeks of no contact. I was not one of the investors, as you might guess, but she reappeared <clears throat> and uh, basically said she was going through some tough things and had some emergencies and, you know, sorry for vanishing like this. And then she, she did pay everybody through you stake. So the, the matter of the money is, is, is solved. It was seven weeks too late and it was totally against you stake rules, which state that you have to pay within a short time. And even if you have an emergency, you can't just dip into the funds you're holding of other people. That's just stealing. So that's not an excuse. Just because you have access to the money doesn't mean you can take it. Like, think if you worked at a bank. Could you just uh, take money from the bank when you, you're having a personal emergency? No. Just just because you're handling money doesn't mean you can you can keep it for yourself. So that's what she did temporarily, and then when she got back on her feet or got back to normal, she, she paid people back. So, yeah, good she, she made it right, ultimately. I'm not criticizing that part, but 
it shouldn't have happened in the first place. It wasn't her money to take, nor should she have vanished on people. If she was really having a bad time, she could have posted, hey, look, I'm having some real terrible issues. I don't want to go into them, but uh, you know, I'll be back in a few weeks. I promise I'm not going to run off with anyone's money. And just trust me, I'll be back with the money. She said nothing. She just vanished and said nothing. So I was Facebook friends with her really just to see the videos and all that crazy stuff she was doing. It, it was just, it, it was like watching a reality show. Except here it was real life, not staged. So I was entertained by them. I I didn't have a thing for her. Uh, we didn't even talk privately even once. We, we never exchanged a message back and forth. I, I may have commented on one of her posts on her public page, but I I, I've never once exchanged a public, uh, a, a private message with her in any way, shape, or form. Never sent her a private message on Facebook. I don't have her phone number. I was only friends with her just to observe her. And she was accepting anyone who was adding her as a friend. She didn't accept my friend's request because she knew me. She, she had no idea who I was. She just accepted me because I requested her. So she posted a new update this week. I don't know what happened to the job at Honda, but she posted a new update that she's applying to become a substitute teacher. (laughs) She went from roving poker pro to Honda saleswoman to hopefully... A substitute teacher all within about two months. That is not someone's typical career path. So I thought it was funny. I thought it was amusing that she's doing this. Now she's trying to be a substitute teacher? What happened to the Honda thing? So I screenshotted it. And this is posted on her Facebook page. But as I said, she accepts anyone as a friend. So there's no violation of privacy by me posting it. She accepts literally anyone. So I copy and I, I screenshotted it and posted it to Real Grinders with the comment of Ilana Gunn is really the gift who keeps on giving. That's all I said. Well, some people went off on me, told me I was bullying her. I'm a cyber bully. Why can't I leave her alone? Why am I such an asshole? Blah, blah, blah. I, I couldn't believe it. Why? Because I, I called out someone who was female? I mean, it kind of brings me back to the whole Joy Miller thing. It's kind of different. She's not the same as Joy Miller. But I hate when people say, oh, why are you saying such and such to this female? You know, you're, you're being a jerk. You're, uh, you're bullying her. No, no. The people who were jumping to her defense were mostly middle-aged males who probably had a thing for her. And and I can see how it happens because when she does these videos, she comes off as very bubbly, very friendly, and kind of down to earth. Kind of, she kind of seems like the type of girl that if you meet her in person, she's going to have a lot of fun with you and like you and not be shallow and not judge you, and uh, you know maybe mess around with you. you. You kind of just get that video that that vibe from watching her video. She like she's like the opposite of, of cold and and difficult to approach. She kind of seems like this warm girl who's going to like everyone. 
in these videos. So a lot of the white knights were getting all over me and calling me a cyberbully and a lot of other bad names. I wasn't offended, but and I tried to explain to them that I wasn't trying to even be derogatory here. I was just posting a screenshot of an update she gave because I thought it was uh, it was uh, entertaining, which it was. But a lot of people still were giving me a very hard time saying that I'm being a cyberbully. And I said this. I, I said, look, this is a person who made a name for herself in poker last year by being a public figure, by putting her entire life in video on Facebook. That's what she was known for. That was her thing. And she added every friend on Facebook who wanted to be friends with her. You got to see every detail of her life every day. And then she also ran off on a stake for seven weeks. Yes, she came back and paid it, but she did cause some controversy running off on a stake for seven weeks. So with all that, definitely she's open to commentary and criticism. And I didn't say anything bad. I never insulted the way she looked. In fact, a few times I said she was a cute girl. You know, I was... uh, if I mentioned her looks, I was I was complimentary. I didn't fawn over them, but I I mentioned uh, you know here and there things like that about her being a cute girl. So definitely didn't insult that. Uh, I, I really didn't insult anything. Didn't insult her intelligence. Didn't uh, insult uh, the only thing I, I I was critical about was what she had done with that stake. Which you guys know I would have said the same thing to a man or about a man who did that thing. But in this case, all I was really doing is just sharing something I thought was entertaining. Oh, now she's a substitute teacher. I mean, it's kind of funny. But she put this out herself. She, she, it's not like I'm, I'm snooping and investigating her life and reporting it out there. She, she puts this out in public on her Facebook page, which literally anyone can access. By just requesting her. She may not even have it locked down. And this is a person who intentionally made themselves a public figure in poker and disappeared owing people money for seven weeks. So of course I can make some commentary like that. It's not cyberbullying. It's not being mean. The thing is, we've gotten into this outrage culture that many people believe that any criticism is bullying. That even sharing something that someone posts you think is amusing is bullying. Somehow we're not even allowed to criticize those who purposely put themselves out as public figures as internet performers somehow we're still not allowed to say anything because it's considered bullying I wasn't the only one to be accused of bullying her one of the guys who brought up the whole thing about her being a scammer this is before she paid everybody back someone who just brought it out there while it was ongoing was given a very hard time oh you don't understand she's probably going through some bad things why are you bullying her she's not even here to respond well yeah because she owes people money 
I think it's good that there is attention paid to cyberbullying, especially has to do with kids, teenagers. You know, growing up, I didn't have to deal with that sort of thing happening. I was online. There were people fighting with each other. But um, there was never a situation at school where something will be said about someone and the whole school will see it online. Most of the school was not online. Nowadays on social media, it is a big problem where kids are picked on online where terrible things are written about them and a lot of times these kids don't have the ability to, to handle it. I mean, nobody likes reading bad stuff about themselves online, but for you know, 14-year-old kids who feel like the entire school hates them and makes fun of them and is laughing at them on social media, it, it can be very distressing and then sometimes they'll commit suicide, which, you know, that whole situation is, is very tragic. So... I think schools and parents being aware of that sort of cyberbullying is good and that it should be stopped in cases like that and it should be dealt with. But the problem is it has extended to mean any kind of criticism of someone online. First of all, it's not possible to cyberbully someone who has committed a scam. Why? Because they deserve all the vitriol they're getting. A scammer may not deserve death or being beaten beyond recognition. I agree that's overkill and that shouldn't happen to them. But at the same time, a scammer should endure public shame for it. Even someone who's a temporary scammer, who temporarily, steal, temporarily steals money that isn't theirs, but then when they get back on their feet, return it. Now, that's better than someone who doesn't return the money, but it's still someone who stole the money at one point. So when someone does something like that, yes, they deserve some shame for what they did, and they also deserve a degree of shame just in general, if you want to make fun of them in general, after they've done something like that, they deserve it. Why? Because they abuse people's trust. Now, I wasn't on a, any kind of vendetta. I wasn't trying to you know, make her life miserable or, or, or just... I wasn't even trying to do anything malicious. I really wasn't. And in fact, I knew that someone would run back to her and tell her that I screenshotted her page... And I enjoyed seeing her various life sagas, so I'm going to miss that because you know someone did run back and tell her and said, "Oh, look, Todd's bullying you," and then it's just she blocked me. So that's that. I can't see it anymore. I, I, I thought that might happen, but I didn't think I'd get blocked because I didn't think what I was doing was that bad. I thought I was just sharing something that she posted publicly. But the problem is that some people especially lonely men, uh, will call everything cyberbullying, especially if it's aimed at a woman that they're attracted to, then they feel like they have to play the white knight role. But it's very simple. It's very simple to figure out what is cyberbullying and what is not. If someone has scammed or committed some other unethical financial behavior, then... Any criticism of them 
is fair game and not cyberbullying. Even if you say just bad things about them personally. Like let's say someone scams people and then you make a post about how they're ugly. Fine. You know, that's what they get. Even though being ugly has nothing to do with scamming, uh, it's fair game at that point. But especially commenting about the scam itself, that's totally fair game. But also, if somebody puts themselves out there as a public figure, and a public figure doesn't have to be someone really famous, just who purposely puts themselves out to the public, then whatever they put out to the public is worthy of commentary. That doesn't mean you should dig into their life and report their private business. That 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 you shouldn't do. That could be cyberbullying. That could be stalking. But not if you're commenting on what they put out there. Like here, here's a very simple example. This show, okay? I'm putting myself out there on this show. This show is being broadcast to the public. It is intended for the public. I will tell various personal stories on this show about my life, about my opinions on things, about things I'm doing. And if you were to take things I say on this show and then criticize me for it, I wouldn't cry foul. I wouldn't say you're cyberbullying me. I have to expect there's going to be some commentary and criticism about what I say on this show. And if I don't like that, then I shouldn't do this show. Now, if someone were to be stalking me and trying to research every detail of my life and and then post my private business online, then, yeah, that would be a different story. That would be very stalkerish. That would be inappropriate. That would be wrong. But to comment on what I voluntarily put out there publicly, you have every right to do that. And so do I have such a right to comment on those who also put themselves out publicly. Especially if you're not being unnecessarily mean or nasty, which I was not. So what I say to those who want to put themselves out publicly, who want to become some sort of figure that people know in poker and you want to put out content that people will listen to or watch or read, you have to be prepared to get commentary on that. I remember back when I was in chat rooms and some supposed girl would post a picture of a you know, really hot chick and I wouldn't believe that was really her. In fact, I think it was probably a man just posting fake pictures of a hot girl and saying that's him. That's usually what it was when that would happen. Usually it wasn't even a girl behind the account. But I would openly question it. I would say I think the account's fake. I would challenge the person to prove themselves. And I'd always get the inevitable comments from the white knights that I'm being a bully, that they don't owe me any explanation, that I have no right to comment on this, and I have no right to state who's real and who's not. And I said, of course I do. 
this person posted a picture that they claim is them. They didn't have to post that picture. Nobody asked them to post that picture. They just posted it. They presented that as themselves. And once they've done that, and it's once it's intended for the public, then I, as part of the public, have a, have a right to comment upon what I think of it, especially if I think there's something that isn't right with it. It's one thing someone posts a picture and you say, hey, you're ugly. That you know, That's mean and un- unnecessary. But to say, hey, I don't think that's you. I think you stole a picture from somewhere. This doesn't look like the type of girl I would be in this chat room at, at, at 3 in the morning on, on, on a Wednesday night. Uh, that would be every right for me to say. And that's not bullying. That's commenting on what is in front of me. So it's very important that even if you want to try to be a nice person, you want to try to do the right thing, you want to try to not offend people online, you want to try to be polite, it's also important to know that when you're not as polite or when you are critical or when you are questioning, when it's important, when it's appropriate to do and when it's not. And I tried on Real Grinders to explain this to some of these people, and they didn't get it. Some just did not get it. So I told them I stand by everything I said, and I challenged them to point out one thing I said that was inappropriate or bullying, and no one could. Telling the truth about someone who acted unethically, that's not bullying. Sharing something that someone has been sharing publicly, that's not bullying. Commenting even negatively on something that someone's been sharing publicly is not bullying. Now, what is bullying is is following someone around everywhere they post and, and, and mocking them constantly. Again, if they've scammed or done something you know pretty bad, then they deserve it. But other than that... That would be considered cyberbullying. That is wrong. That shouldn't happen. But commentary? Commentary is always fine. And that's why I run Poker Fraud Alert in a manner to where people have the right to be critical of me, to disagree with me, to say bad things about me, to make fun of me. I allow these things, and all these things do happen. They happen plenty. The only thing I ask is that I don't have the the, the, the idiot trolls following me around trying to ruin every thread I start and every message I post. If I see that, I say, okay, I don't want you here anymore. But if you have legitimate criticism or commentary, or even if you want to, you just don't particularly like me and, and, and you know you don't like something I wrote and you want to say something derogatory or nasty, fine. Just don't follow me everywhere on the site and do it constantly. But I realize I put myself out there, so I'm open to criticism and even on my own site I, I don't want to prevent that free speech. I want people to be themselves. They don't have to pretend or or, or 
force themselves to be nice. Someone asked me on the Real Grinders group, uh, you don't know what it's like to be you know, to have people f- giving you a hard time and criticizing you constantly. I said, oh, yes, I do. You haven't read my site if you say that. I have that every day. But that's the problem. Sometimes with progress also comes regression. Sometimes you correct one thing and introduce a new problem. It happens in medicine, too. You take some kind of medication to solve a problem and it brings on another problem. Or maybe even more appropriate to this discussion, by by solving the problem, it actually can remove, uh, it can go too far the other way. It can overcorrect. A, a good example would be if you have diarrhea and you take too much medication, you can end up being constipated. I, I feel like people online have become constipated with all the unjustified accusations of cyberbullying they see these days. And believe me, I also take heat about the posts on Poker Fraud Alert. I get a lot of heat that I allow messages people say I shouldn't allow. People say that the, there's too much trash on my site. There's too much negativity. There's too much trolling. There's too many people who, who make racist comments. And I say... I'm giving people the opportunity to express themselves and be themselves. I often don't agree with what people say or how they say it. But for the most part, it's a place to just come and be yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Well, I'm not going to let the chips fall where they may with my voice any further. It's, I'll be honest here. My throat is dry and it hurts. And even when the when the show went down, which you guys listening in the archives may not even notice because by the time you hear it, I'll have edited it and fixed some of that up. But we did have a crash. Uh, when that happened, I actually went and uh, used a rinse on my mouth to, or my throat to try to make it feel better. But it only helped for a short time. So yeah, something changed about me physically back in August, and it's not better. So I, I got to work with what I have here now. You know, it's uh, things change over time. The days of the eight-hour podcast are over. Some days I'll get longer than others, and I'm just gonna have to be aware of this and not let some topics run super long. I think I let some topics run a little too long this time, and I didn't finish everything. So that's the way it goes. I'll try harder next week to be more aware of the time and know that once we get to around four hours I'm going to start to struggle I guess it's not that unreasonable for me to say hey you know I gotta try to keep the show under four hours <laughs> still a long time it's longer than every other poker show out there there's no other show in poker like this 
that just goes on for hours and hours and hours with mainly one guy talking. I mean, try it sometimes. Try, try to just, like, talk and talk and talk for, like, five hours without stopping. It's hard. It's really hard. I, I'm, I'm surprised I used to be able to do eight hours. But something changed. Anyway, I hope I wake up with a voice tomorrow. I've done as much as I can. Good news is, provided I wake up with a voice tomorrow, we will be back next week, February 20th, on Wednesday night, once again. It's cold all around the U.S., especially in the West. It's been a cold winter for a lot of people, myself included. Stay warm out there. We're not too far from spring and then not too far from the World Series. Good night. Shalom. Shalom.